welcome to the Game of the Year podcast. You okay there, Ed? Yeah, I'm sipping tea. Uh, welcome to the Game of the Year podcast for Swapping Joysticks 2023. We, last week, we had the Swapping Joysticks Awards uh, showing the, I don't know how many there were, nine, ten awards nine, that they had? I think. Nine, okay. And now it's just us choosing the top ten and finding what this year's Game of the Year is, which we haven't prepared, we haven't planned, we don't discuss it. Nope. It's uh, it's all done on here. I um, well, we'll get into it. But yeah, we are. Um, it is. I hope you all had a great Christmas. Yeah, hope you had a lovely time, and I hope you're looking forward to New Year. Yeah, and getting drunk just, or at least just having a very lovely time. Yeah, getting drunk and having lots of sex. Well, speak for yourself, man. Yeah, I will. Um, and uh, yeah, last last week I we had the Top and Joysticks Awards. I was wearing Eurovision because we went to the Eurovision event. And this time I'm wearing my Gamescom t-shirt because I went to Gamescom this year. It's very 2023. Wow. I'm wearing a new jumper that I just bought myself. It's very nice. Thanks. It's definitely not pink. Listen. I mean, on your skin, it it might look pink. (laughs) Wow. On the website, it said mink as the colour, which I don't believe it is pink. But um, there was a slight pinky undertone to it from the picture on the website. And now I've got it and it's more of a stone kind of slightly beigey colour. But I like it. Yeah, no, I like it. It's beige, but it's nice. It's yeah. It's beige, but it's nice. Yeah, yeah, no, beige is not a bad colour. We've got it's a lot of beige around us. Look, 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 pretty much the whole of our background is beige. Well, anyway, sure. so we have made a list of every game that we have touched. Not necessarily finished. I mean, if it was finished, then I'd probably have about six games. So it's about every game we pretty much touched and we want to maybe just well, we'll go through them all. We'll eliminate some within like one word or maybe one sentence. But then we're gonna we're just gonna kinda whittle them down until we've got a top ten. And yeah. then we're going to order that top ten, as we have done the last few years as well. Um, accumulating in our game of the year. Yeah. And as you said, we haven't discussed this between us. I actually have I don't even have like a game that I want to champion. Like there's not one that I'm like, yep, that's my game of the year that I'm definitely wanna push for. We're going to see what happens because there are so many good games. Mm-hmm. Honestly, this top ten could be a lot of different things. Yeah, um, like I, there are lots of games games that I really enjoyed that yeah. would like the community game of the year. Spoiler: If you haven't uh, watched that video yet, was Baldur's Gate three. That was a game I loved, but it's a game that neither of us got past the first act yet. Although I have actually got to the end of the first act. So okay, I mean I have got about thirty hours in it as well, so, and I want to go back and do more before I even go That's on. Fair. So, the, yeah, I mean that you. We're not, because it's just the two of us, and there are shitloads of games out every year, we will be talking about games and we'll be ranking games that we might not have finished, but we've played a decent enough chunk of to get the best, to get an idea of. Yeah, and you will see that between us, we have played a lot of games. So we might not have full depth of finishing everything, but we've played a lot. I mean, I've played 61 games this year, and not all of them were games that came out this year. Some of them were like old ones I caught up on. Mm. Um, But I've played 61 games. That's more than one a week. Yeah. So, like, that's a lot of games. Really? So, <laughs> I feel quite tired now. How many uh, of those did you buy year. yourself? Don't ask me that. <laughs> Don't ask me that. Some of those were on Game Pass mm-hmm. or I, PS did, Plus. Sorry, you did threaten me about kicking the... Uh, kicking the, the wire, wire, and then the that's wire. exactly what you just did. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so, yeah, there are a lot of games on here, but obviously this is our list. It's based on what we've played and what our opinions are. That might be different to yours. Mm-hmm. And that's totally fine. And if you want to get really angry and you're pissed off with what we've done... Don't. L- no, do. Just leave a comment. <laughs> All engagement is good engagement. Is it? Yes. And also stay tuned for the fine, for the second question 
in our giveaway because we are going to be giving oh away. Have you thought about it yet? No. Oh uh, but now you, I did a very good job last time. Of making it up on the spot. Yes. Yeah. So last time, if you haven't listened to the previous podcast, um, in the podcast at some point, I asked a question. I made it very clear that it was the giveaway question um, uh, that you'll need to go and listen to. Sorry, the wire. The wire is wrong with our wire. It's your uh, wire. Hmm. That we, um, yeah, so that you need to listen to and it'll give you one of the answers. At the end of this uh, podcast, you'll see there'll be a link down there or there'll be a link in the chat. I'll, I'll put an easy link for it for you to find um, where you can put the second answer in as well. And then that will be your entry. And because it's quite difficult, I feel like it, it really rewards people that listen. So, uh, yeah. And yeah. what do they win? They can win any game of their choice that's in the top 10. In our top 10. In our top 10. So by the end of this podcast, so you we will having, make a decision so based the, on our decisions. So the top 10 will all be indie games <laughs> under five pounds. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> I will not let that influence me. I mean, it is, it's like for... The way that the podcast has gone this year, it's like the least I can do. Thank you very much to everybody that downloads and listens and watches every every week. It's grown so much more this year mm. than it has in previous years. And, you know, hopefully keep growing and growing. And we pretty much booked in our next guest as well for January. So I can only yep. hope that we even, you know, continue even more. Guests growing. plural. Yes, we have two guests in a studio as well. Ooh. Exciting. Uh, very exciting. Okay. Now, there are two things we need to do before we begin. Pray. The first, well, three Don't... things. One, pray mm -hmm. for our sanity. Second, Oh, yeah, because last time was quite civil. Was it? I have a feeling that, well, the last I podcast. I don't remember we... it all. No, the one, the one that we just Oh, did last it. week. <laughs> yeah, last oh, week. that one. I thought so you meant last year. Oh, I know, it is bad. Last year was a bit grumpy because chat was also weighing in and I was like, no, no, not anymore. Oh, yeah. Okay, fine. Um, so we need to have a biscuit. And they're called dunking biscuits. Yeah, because I'm holding tea and I need, and I need a biscuit. Yeah, this one is uh, the cookie dunker. Okay. I don't know how much of a cookie it is because well, a little bit. It's got nice bits, a few raisins in them. Right? No, that's don't. chocolate. That's Let me know dunking what you in think. the tea. Yeah, they've got. They're long boys, so they fit in your cup. Yeah, although the size of your cups could fit a whole oatmeal one in there. Is it? What? What are we giving it out of ten? Six. I like that it's quite hard and it needs to be dunked in. Also, because it's chocolate on one side, you you get one chocolatey finger. Yes, that's annoying me. And also, chocolate and tea don't necessarily go together. No, I prefer a I prefer a non-chocolate biscuit in my tea. Mm. Not like a hobnob. Mm. Oh, this is great for podcast listeners. Thank you. Welcome. Uh, as we talk about biscuits and we eat and drink look we need a snack before we begin yeah. we need some sustenance okay mm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um and the other thing mm. he says with biscuit in his mouth um just to say like it's been an incredible year for games there are some amazing games in this list so even stuff at like number 10 could have been like probably game of the year another year like mm. there's amazing stuff but also just to say, like, as much as it's a great year for games, the games industry has obviously been through a lot of crap this year. So I just wanted to recognise that. Because you are not Jeff Keighley. No. <laughs> well, also, I think everyone keeps saying, like, this is the best year for games. And, like, when you look at a list of games like this, yes, absolutely. But then you have to consider the hardship and the people behind them. And that has not gone well. So, however, 2023, Bobby I think, Kotick. will be remembered for... for uh, 
interesting reasons, let's say. But let's just say is when we're going to quite going to date this right now. But as we in the moments before this podcast, we found out that Bobby Kotick is uh, oh, he's being... leaving Activision Blizzard on the. So 29th. that is one redundancy that I think we will cheer. We're all very happy about. Although I did I did hear about a friend who got made redundant in the game industry, which I'm very upset about. So yeah. yeah. It's a pity that there are assholes like him that get millions and millions and millions, and then there's people who are let go who are probably not on the biggest salaries. I but mean, the next do... thing is how much money is he making on his <sighs> severance pay? Basically, like if you're worth 500 million and you get a 100 million payoff, it's like, does that even make any difference? It's pennies. Just give it to people as a bonus and move out. Mm-hmm. Anyway, Imagine that is being... all I wanted to say before we begin. Yeah, let's, yeah before we start going on an eat the rich uh, talk. <laughs> Okay, so we're going to go through all the games. Now, these are pretty much in order of release. Okay. But there were a few that we missed, and then I had to kind of put in in a random order and uh, be like, oh, we should probably put this in there. And we'll just shove them in at a random place. We should place. be summer. Okay, if it came out okay. in summer, we'll put it in the middle of it, even though it's actually very heavy at the end of the year. So, yeah, if you might, they're generally um, the uh, the way they came out. Okay. Right. Are we the wrong, are you the wrong size? I don't know. I feel like you're not quite... I feel like I'm the right size, personally. But... <laughs> you're too small. Let me just uh, increase your size a bit, just because it, it was bugging me that it's not quite as uh, even on both sides. Yeah, still a bit off. For the listeners, he's just messing around with the pictures. Yeah. The cameras. There we go. We get the bit of uh, the stand behind you now. Sure. Okay. So let's go and do a run-through of the games. I'll just go and give you a quick run-through, and then we'll go through and check some off. Oh, should we do one at a time? Just do it as we go. Okay, the first game um, that's on the list is Fire Emblem Engage. Which, which I have, played. Oh, yeah, it's over here. On you the, have a special edition copy. And I bought it myself, because yeah. I love Three Houses so much. Um, literally one of my favourite Switch games. Gen- like generally is up there. It could be number one, it could be number three, I don't know. Like It's in the top three. It's a great game, the original. Mm. Uh, the original. There are three houses, yes. Yeah. And then Engage came out and I How played it. How did it compare? Well, uh, very poorly. Oh. I didn't really enjoy it. I got, um, I think I just had like one game session playing it. I played it for a few hours. No, you just... played it for quite a bit. Did I? I yeah, thought... I remember you playing it quite a bit. Okay, maybe I did. No, yeah, actually, I remember where I finished the first night. I don't. I only played it like two or three sessions though, but I just couldn't get into it. I didn't find the combat that much fun and it was a weird hair choice. I know it's not much, but the like blue and red, the blue and red. Yeah. Mm. That's like a Twitch streamer's hair. That is not a kind of savior of in a good way. There are some fantastic people. that Wow. Have, Calling but... out the Twitch streamers with multicolored hair. I like that look. If I was a permanent, if I was a Twitch streamer that only streamed. If and you I were was, a Twitch I, streamer. If I were a <laughs> full time, that's what I meant to say, Twitch streamer. <laughs> and that was my kind of brand and I was making a lot of money from Twitch full-time, I'd be like, sure, I'll do that. You'd go for the toothpaste hair look. Yeah, why not? Although, I think I'd go yellow. It's my brand. No. <laughs> would you veto that? I would veto that. Okay. Anyway. Okay, so, so do we... you want engage in your top ten? Or no, our top 10? I think it's... Um, no, I don't think so. I, it's It was disappointing. I'm really sad that it wasn't that great, but maybe... It just I think it went back to a lot of old games and it inc- it's included a lot of characters from previous games so it was a bit of a a love letter to those that have played all the previous ones which I hadn't. Yeah. Three Houses I think stands out as a very good Fire Emblem game. Yeah. Okay. Now, I like how you press cut instead of just hitting delete. Oh, the delete button's a bit further up there. Sure. Um Right, next up is Forspoken. We both finished. Which we both finished. Now, does this deserve a spot in the top 10? 
No. I mean, it's is it barely... a good game that's worth playing? Absolutely. I mean, it's yeah, it's a game. I'm I'm going to stand up for Forspoken because it got shut on when it came out. Mm-hmm. Loads of people hate, hated it. Um, there was a lot of very racist people who didn't like it purely because it had a black woman in the lead role. Yeah, I mean, the hate that it got when you compare it to some other games that have similar styles and you know why the yeah. like that got exceptional amount of hate. Because the game itself, I I finished it. It's if really I finish fun. a game, if I finish a game, it's not a bad game. It's held me until the end. That's true. Even Cocoon was kind of close to me not finishing, and that game's like two and a half hours long. Wow. Although you said that it's three hours long, and I, I took nearly seven. I told you I got hit some brick wow. walls. I hit some brick walls. But yeah, Forspoken, I thought, was actually... It's genuinely a fun little game. Like, okay, the storyline is maybe not the best, and some of the characterization is a bit cliche, but I think its combat is cool. Its world is cool. Um, uh, it's a bit dead. The world itself is cool, but like well, going as around... Well, visually, yeah. at least. There's maybe not quite enough to do in it, and it... it the main story is very short, which is why we both finished it. And there's <laughs> a lot hours. of there's a lot of extra stuff that's very repetitive, I think. Um, but the core combat and movement stuff is really cool and really interesting. And yeah. I think this game deserved better than it got. Now, in in in, in the year 2023, there is there are far better games overall. So we can delete it from our long list. Yeah. But I just wanted to point out that it is better than people give it credit for and it deserves to be played. If that was on PS Plus, everyone should go and play it. Or if it's in a sale for like a tenner. Yeah, it's definitely worth a tenner. It. Yeah. It's worth a tenner for sure. And it's just cool and it's like you I love the game. And apparently it's an actual genre in uh in anime or manga or Isn't something. Kai. Is that the one where you go into another world? Yeah. Oh thanks for just ruining my story there. Cool. But I like the story. I just I love that kind of story where it's set in the real world, and then you go through a little portal, or go through something weird, or something happens to you, and then you wake up in this mystery. It's happened in like Nino Kuni two mm-hmm. and or one uh, and two, I think. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Like I do. Like I do really enjoy that. I, I think, mean, it's Alice in Wonderland. That is very true. That'll be the original. To me, my childhood was the um. Oh well, like the Northern Lights trilogy, mm-hmm. his, uh, his Dark Materials, and I think it's the second one, the Subtle Knife. Where he sees like a glimmer in yep. a road and he goes up to it and goes through it <laughs> with the knife. With the knife, yeah. And then goes to the other world. So that's when I was like, Oh, that sounds that's so cool. And then knowing that your yeah, that your real life is on the other side. But anyway, no, that was and I that made me want to finish it because I was like, Oh, I want to see a does she go back? Or does she stay? Or yep. what is the what is the story? Okay. I think the next one you might want to talk about. Hi Fi Rush. Hi Fi Rush. I think this absolutely deserves a spot, a spot on top ten. Uh, or at least we should talk about it. Um, it's it's a brilliant little game. Um, spoiler: It won best surprise in the Swapping Joysticks Award. If you didn't know that, another surprise for you. Sorry. Um, <laughs> and it also won um, best new IP. It did. Um, it came out of nowhere. We didn't know it existed, and then it was announced and released immediately. Um, and it wasn't a, a two minute game. That no, yeah. it was like a full 10, 12 hour. Um, game. If you haven't played it, it is a rhythm action game. So it's an action game in the same way as sort of Devil May Cry or Bayonetta, but it's all in time with the music. It's got a music theme to it. Um, the visuals is uh, uh, this sort of cartoon yeah. vibe. But it's really colourful, really, really, colorful. really vibrant. The whole world is alive with music and is all in rhythm. And it's funny um, as well, isn't it? Because I remember when you go back to the hideout and you have chats with people. Like if I remember, yeah, right, there's a lot of comedy bits. in it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's got a really cool soundtrack. It's this sort of rock soundtrack. Um, your your main guy 
essentially has an iPad in his chest mm -hmm. that causes him to sort of move to the beat. Um, and that's why you have to fight boss battles and fight enemies and stuff all to the beat of the music. Mm. Um, and it's all rock music, but then there are licensed tracks as well. Um, there's a really cool level, which is like the penultimate one, where it's a track by The Joy Formidable. Um, and it's a really, really cool track, which I then went on and listened to separately. And it's the kind of moment where, which you sort of get in your like, you know, kids cartoons where you've gone through all this stuff and suddenly all the gang are together mm. and you're off to like on your way to beat the big bad. And it's like the big climactic level and the music's pumping and the guitars the are going and game. you're like, this is just such a euphoric moment. Mm. Like it's so good when it hits a high, it's so well done. And I think it's just, it's a really original game. You know, we've had rhythm games that are sort of bringing music into different like dungeon crawlers or, or whatever else types types of games, all sort of putting rhythm in there. But I think Hi-Fi Rush is the one that really nails it mm. in the sense of like it uses music to empower you because you're hitting things to the beat. It makes you feel powerful because it's you think that the DK music. West did not make you feel powerful in uh, what was it called again? No Straight Roads. No Straight Roads. See, Hi-Fi Rush <laughs> does what No Straight Roads wanted to do. Yeah, basically, it, um, it was a music theme that rather than actual used. Yeah. They, they tried to make out, I think, that music was a mechanic to No Straight Roads, but it really wasn't. It didn't quite work. Um, Hi-Fi Rush does it brilliantly. I think it's a really, really special game. It's a really original game from this year. Definitely down to keep that for potentially a top 10. Yep. Um, okay, Story of Seasons, Wonderful Life. I uh, think I did a sponsored stream or they gave me a code, so I played it the day it came out. It is a remake of the original of the GameCube version. Which I used to have. I bought it on GameCube. And then I think I either took it back to CEX or I sold it on eBay wow. because I wasn't a massive fan of it as much as I thought I would be. And I really wish I'd kept it because it's now really rare. <laughs> I feel like... I don't think I played... No, I played Harvest Moon, mm. which was on the... Well, it was called Harvest Moon at the time. It was Harvest Moon, A Wonderful Life. And now it's Story of Seasons, A Wonderful Life. I wonder if actually I played that as well and I had no idea what I was meant to be doing and just stopped. Maybe. Because it was... Which is the one with the day-night cycle, the real-life day-night cycle, like Animal Crossing. I do not know Harvest anyway, Moon I, well enough. I played this uh, for one stream, and it was old. <laughs> so it didn't kind of hold up as well. Now, yes. Dead Space, did you finish Dead Space? No, I only played a small amount of it at the beginning. Same. Um, as did you. And it seemed really good. Looks stunning. But it is it is similar. I mean, it's just a remaster, basically, of... of well, it's a remake in that there are some changes, but it's not hugely different from the original. I think you can like move from one place to another a lot more easily. Yeah, there are, like there are yeah. some things that are different, but it's still, from what I could tell from, from playing the opening mm. sections, it was very similar. And I sort of felt like I really liked Dead Space 1, the original version mm. of it, but I don't feel compelled to continue with this because it, didn't, it wasn't different enough for me to think, yes, I really want to go through this again. So yeah. it was great. I think it's good. I don't think it's a top 10 of the year. No, I don't. I played it for just one stream. And I think maybe I was a bit kind of ruined with the stream because it was a really, because it's just really, really, really dark. Mm. And very, very miserable. And it's a bit of a puzzle trying to work out which thing to press. And it was not the type of thing I stream. And it was a bit dead. And I'm like, oh, it was a dead space. That's ironic. Yeah. Because um, so. you haven't played the original, have you? 
No, I was going to wait because I think Dead Space 2, is that the co-op one? Oh, is that three? It's not co-op, no. Uh, three, yeah, three, three went co-op and okay. weird, yeah. Oh, I thought that people liked that. No, 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 people hate Dead Space 3. Oh, right, okay. Dead Space 1 is great. Dead Space 2, I haven't played, but I still think, I, I, I hear is good. Mm. And then 3, they went weird. Okay. Yeah, so no one I mean, that. it's weird because I like that kind of genre. I love Alien Isolation. I love the Alien films, and I feel like I got that kind of Dead vibe. Dead Space is literally an ode to Alien, but with a different name. There you go. Like... I, I think you should go back and play it in your own time. No, it's horror. I don't play things. In, I don't play Great. horror in my own time. All right, we'll take that off the list. Okay. Um, next up is Metroid Prime Remastered, which I think we've decided we're not including because it was a remaster, not a sort of but I put from it the here ground up remake. Because I but... thought you might want to make a little comment about how much you like your little game. How much I like my little game. How very dare you? <laughs> Look, Metroid Prime Remastered is one of the best experiences that I've had. This. Can you stop kicking the wire? <laughs> which. I think there's just, a... just to tell people, every time he kicks the wire, we only get sound out of one ear. Yeah. And it's really irritating. I think I need to work out what, where, which the connect, which connection. It's the top connection because it's loose. Yeah. There we go. It's that. Anyway. I'll get a new one for next year. That'll Thank be you. on my uh, Christmas. Well, I mean, you can be that for Christmas. I know you're oh, struggling. it's too late now. <laughs> um, Metro Run Remastered is one of my favorite games that I've played all year. It is brilliant. If people haven't played it, go play it. Mm -hmm. I will admit a large part of that is nostalgia because I played the original as a kid and I just loved being able to play it again. So that's why I loved it. It was just an incredibly fun weekend of playing that. But um, So for me, it's up there as like one of the best experiences of the year, but it's not a brand new game. So I'm happy to remove. Right. And it won an award. It won the best remaster. It did. Fitting. Okay, the next one is Theatrhythm, uh, Final Bar Line, which is a Final Fantasy rhythm... Rhythm well, game. Rhythm That's game, pretty is. much, yes. It's button presses. I was a bit disappointed by this. Mm. Um, just in that it didn't work how I thought it was going to. And the Theatrhythm games are a long series and they all work similarly. So people who have played previous ones will jump straight in and will love it and it's fine. I hadn't played any of those. Mm. And essentially it's it's a hit the button at the right time in time with the music sort of thing. Um, but it's not specific button presses and that confused me yeah. because there are multiple buttons that you can use. And so there are times where you have to quickly alternate, but it's up to you whether you use the triggers or the face buttons and how you do it. And for some reason, I just didn't find that very intuitive. So I found it quite tricky actually to get into it. And I, you know, I love music games and I pride myself on my ability to play rhythm games and have good rhythm. And I found this even on like, well, on easy mode, it's really easy, but playing it on like hard mode or whatever, like it's super difficult. I just, I found it really hard mm. to get into. It's got a really cute style. I love all the remixes of like Final Fantasy tracks um, or the use of them. It's nice going into the games that you loved and being like, oh, I remember this song. Yeah. Oh, yeah this, and it's More good than anything, nostalgia. it made me want to go back and play all the old Final Fantasies again, which I guess is sort of the point of it. Mm. Um, it's a cute game. It's not a game of the year, but it, it was it was quite cute. It just wasn't quite what I thought it was going to be. And they added Final Fantasy 16 stuff to it as well, which was cool. Have they? I think so. I don't know about that. Okay, well, you, you keep talking and I will find out. Um, the next one is Wild Hearts, which was um, an EA original that was sort of riffing on Monster Hunter, which I think actually is better than people give it credit for. Yeah, um, I was right. Oh, you were right. It involves, uh, so yeah, it was uh, Game Informer. The, that is Game Informer. They had My Star, Hide Hideaway, To Sail Forbidden Seas, Away Control, Titan Loss, Ascension, The Riddle, Logos, Find the Flame, and No Risk, No Reward. Oh, that's a lot. Yeah. I mean, I, 
just to add to that, they have supported that game very well. Didn't you get an expansion pack, actually? I, mm, I don't know if I got that, but mm. yeah. I, there was a lot of stuff, like from other games, not even Final Fantasy, that they added in. So mm. there was some good stuff. Yeah. Um, Wild Hearts. So it's basically just a riff on, on Monster Hunter. Um, we played a little bit of it at the start. Yeah. It seemed good, but very Monster Hunter-y. Sort yeah. of has its own spin with making your own tools, but it was a bit complicated. It was, and I wasn't a massive fan of the... I remember just like it kind of faded in and out and it had a slight weird art style to it that I just didn't quite resonate with. You know, the kind of, I don't know, it just felt like the palette was a bit washed and like you could, the camera was going through the monsters and different parts that wasn't getting, it was kind of annoying me. Like I couldn't get the camera working very well. Oh, Maybe they fixed that and updated it, but fair enough. I remember that just being a bit annoying and dying once because I had no idea what I was looking at. Of course. Well, I don't think we've played enough of that. So no. I think that can go. Mm-hmm. Now, Horizon Call of the Mountain, that was a launch title for the PSVR 2, which we both played. Mm-hmm. And it's weird because it's a VR game and, it, you know, Horizon is this stunning, beautiful, open world game. So having a VR game for that, I mean, it's a great idea and you can look out far away. But, like, the majority of that game is kind of climbing cliffs. You're and just looking at a mountain. So all your, yeah, it's Call of the Mountain. It's like, yeah lick of the mountain because you've got your nose against it most of the time when you're climbing yeah um, i don't think we played really enough of it to talk maybe maybe that was just the opening part and later on it's okay but mate well the very opening is very impressive when you're in the canoe yeah. and there's like um the the robots going over you like literally stepping right over you and you're looking up and around and mm. um like it's it's a very impressive showcase for the psvr2 which is a great bit of tech they just aren't amazing games for it yet mm. um and Horizon uses the tech the best, I think. Yeah. Um, the eye tracking to aim is incredible. The way mm. that it literally can track where you're looking at the screen to, in order to aim the bow. Yes, that we, Stuff like that's amazing. Like that. Yeah, when you're in there, because you, when you set like and calibrate the game or calibrate your headset, you kind of look and it shows you where you're looking. You're like, how do you yeah. know? So like that's that's really clever. So I think as as to show off the tech, great. But mm. it, I, from what I played, I didn't feel drawn into it in the way that I was with Horizon games in the past. Too much Horizon games, never really. I just never enjoyed the worlds. Wipe it off. Speaking of eye tracking, when I was a kid, I remember used to I used to think that that I don't know why I was very very young, obviously and immature and didn't know. But I used to think that you, when you were looking, your eyes didn't move. So I always remember my mum was talking to me and she was, and I remember just completely turning and looking at the TV and she's like, you're not looking at the me, you're looking at the TV. And I, in my head, thought that was weird. What? You know, so your eyes, you no, can I, see where I you're looking. <laughs> I didn't realise you could, that, yeah, when I was, I remember just being once when I was really young, being like, oh, I can, if I turn and face my mum, she'll think I'm talking, but I can actually just be looking and watching the TV. And uh, she, she spotted that I wasn't looking at her. No shit. I was like five. It was like one of my earliest memories. I just... Wow. Yeah. Anyway... I haven't always been this intelligent. Uh, mm. Speaking of VR, Kayak VR Mirage, where I killed a penguin. That is my main memory of that game. <laughs> and they've, made, they've released a Christmas update as well, so you I can have. go in... Uh, I, don't, I haven't tried it yet, but I really enjoyed that game. It was just really relaxing. It was a nice... Mm. Well, let's say a game. Well, it is a game, but it was more of an experience where you can yeah. just go and choose where you want to be and you can just go and do some kayaking. Yeah, and lovely water effects. Lovely water effects. You do feel like you're in a kayak because it's yeah. kind of like the level that you are. Yeah, because you can change the weather and make it really stormy mm. and wavy. And I was like, I'm going to vom if mm. if we have that. So I needed still water. Yeah. But it was it was a really impressive visually, uh, visually impressive game. Yeah. 
And uh, for some reason, that video of me playing it has done really, really well on YouTube. I'm not sure why. I think people do enjoy watching those streams. So, Because you killed a penguin. I think it's the penguin killing, yeah. Okay, Octopath Traveler 2, what did you think to that? I really enjoyed this game. I am a good 45 hours in. Bloody Ollie, you can definitely talk um, a lot about I don't that, even think I'm halfway, to be honest. Mm. Um, I've really enjoyed what I've played so far. It has beautiful music. Mm -hmm. the, the soundtrack's incredible. Visually, it's really lovely. It's the 2D HD thing of like 2D characters and 3D, 3D worlds. Um, so it's giving you that retro style, but modernized. Um, there's some stunning lighting in it. It looks absolutely mm. gorgeous on the Switch. Um, and it was, it's a good travel game. When I was traveling different places, it was a, it was a good game to get stuck into on like flights and stuff. Um, and I love how all the different opening, uh, all the different characters have their own very, very unique stories. Yes, and you can do them in any order. So there are, funny enough, eight characters for Octopath. And you can do them in any order you want to build up your party. Um, and then eventually, once you've done the first chapter of each of them, mm -hmm. um, you then sort of, I think everyone has maybe four or five chapters, I think. Um, so once you've done the first of them, from there, you can sort of choose your team and just continue what order you, mm. the, the stories you want to do. Um, so I've, I've played a lot of it and I've really enjoyed it. I've just got to a point with it where it's got very grindy and that's where I've mm. stopped because it gives you a suggested level for each character's chapter. So for instance, the first chapter is just you do you level know, one, yeah. level one, that's fine. And then for some characters, the next chapter might be like level eight mm. and for some it might be level 12 or level 20. And it's only a suggestion and it's more of a sort of average across your team more than that one specific character. Um, but I feel like I've got to a point where the next chapter for all of them is like 10 levels up from where I am. And I'm like, hmm. I could go in and try and do it. But if I'm going to struggle and die a lot, it's just going to irritate me. But then that means also having to go and do loads of grinding. So it, it's just got a little bit grindy for me, which annoyed me. But I think if you like that sort of retro style RPG, um, it's it's a really, really good game. And it's absolutely worth playing if people are into it. Yeah. I just remember the, uh, I think it was a samurai guy. And then I was talking, then I went and played as the um, cowboy. What was his mm -hmm. name? Oh, I can't remember his name. I'm blah, blah, blah. Yeah. yeah. Him. Oh. The voice acting is interesting. Yes, it's very, very <laughs> over the top. Um, For me, that's that Octopath is like a borderline. We'll definitely keep it. So keep it up there. Yeah. Okay. So we'll keep Octopath. Octopussy. What about Wurlong? So everyone said that this game's first boss is like the hardest bit. and But you have to sort of try and get over that. So I played up to that first boss. And it took me half a day and I eventually did it. And I felt really good about it. And then I haven't gone back to it since then. My favorite so bit I've was done hearing, the hard bit. <laughs> my favorite bit was that while of anger and shouts. Then you screaming... And then, like, 30 seconds later, going like, what the fuck? Because there was another stage. <laughs> yes, there was a second stage, which annoyed me. And also, there's this special move you can do where even if you've only got it, like, halfway, once that move comes up, you can basically kill it instantly. And I did not realise that. So I pushed all the way through, getting it down to, like, mm. low health, like, just through normal combat. Um, Wolong seems really cool. It's basically Team Ninja's take on Sekiro, and, but set in China. And it seems really cool. If you like Neo, it's kind of the mm. next step on from that. Um, it's not my favourite Souls-like of the, of the year. I didn't play enough of it, but it's it was fun. I like it seemed it. to come and just disappear. 
Yeah, it didn't really stick around, no. which was a shame, because I think it is decent. Yeah. Okay, next one, Chia. Chia bored the shit out of me. Let's remove it. Yeah, I mean, I was I played it for one stream, <laughs> but it was... like I, I like the messaging that you can become anything in the game. It's got a lovely message. It's You can it's, be a bird that poos, can't you? You can. And yeah, you sort of take over things. Um, like it pebbles. seemed lovely, but I found it really boring. Yeah, it it did not interest me no. after a while. Okay, Resident Evil 4. Go on then, tell us about that. Fucking brilliant game. Now, not from the beginning. When I first played it, I really struggled. Which I didn't. I found it really difficult. That opening village bit. I did it second try. It took me a good few goes to do it. And it this is really, the first time ever. Yeah, I know. And it really irritated me. And I was getting really angry because I was like, I want to play this game. I know it's going to be good. I can tell already it's good. I want to stick with it. And I found it so difficult. The original on the GameCube, I never finished, but I got almost to the end of the castle section, which is a decent way through it. But I never finished it. This one I finished. Mm. Um, I absolutely loved it. I I think, is it better than the original? I think maybe it is. Because it's going to be better. It's remade. Well, not necessarily. Um, I think... Without the nostalgia because, glasses, people are not going to go and play the original instead of this one. They're not. And I think people who like the original will have that nostalgia, which I sort of semi-have, because I've played the beginning, uh, or, you know, a good half of it. Um but they have changed some things in Remake. I know the castle section in particular, they really changed a lot of it. And I think maybe for the better, I think the pacing of it is, is decent. Yeah. Um, I, I Visually, it's stunning. That castle section suddenly becomes like practically Elden Ring. Like it's so gothic fantasy. Um, it's super cool. Um, the parry mechanic is new and works really well. My favorite bit was the, I think if you play a new game plus, you can get all the weapons at the start and then there's a sniper rifle. So yeah. when you've got the village, you can actually shoot the bell, can't you? So it ends early. Yes, exactly. Um, so just like little tiny things like that I find, yeah. find really cool. They changed up Ashley as well. So can't look up a skirt. You can't look up a skirt. Good. Pervert. Um, and I need to get this right now. I think they got rid of her health bar. So you don't have to worry about her health as much, um, which means she doesn't get in the way as much. She just goes, Leanne, all the time. She doesn't do that as much, which is much better. Um, but yeah, it's it's a phenomenal horror game. It's really, really, really well done. I don't think it's quite my favourite Resident Evil game. I think that's still Resi 1. Um, but mine, mine 4 is... has a nice balance of like camp and horror to it. And it's mm. it's brilliant. It's a really... I think in, if you ask me like the best remake... We had re best remaster in our awards. Mm -hmm. If we had best remake, I think Resi 4 would win it. Ahead of... Ahead of what? Yeah. What? Well, good question. <laughs> In but a field of one, it would win. <laughs> it would win. There you go. Uh, yeah, it's it's a brilliant game. I think it's it's deserving of a consideration in top ten. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I played I played a fair few hours of it. Like I played six or seven hours. Um, I mean, I played the demo, loved that. Went and played this and got to the siege, like the house siege, mm -hmm. um, and then escaped from that. So I killed like the first couple of bosses or whatever. And yeah. So yeah, no, it's cool. I like, I do like a good Resident Evil remaster. Like to me, my favorite is still. Oh, I think seven is up there definitely. It's either seven or two. I think two probably, just as a the remake of two. The remake of two, yeah. and then seven, just because seven was the first one I beat. Like the first game properly, I like a full size game that I beat in VR, and it was it made me terrified. 
shat myself so many times. That is understandable. But it was also a really cool experience and it's a very typical kind of haunted house. Mm. Whereas I also love, I like it when it's a bit more contained, which like Resident Evil 2 was as well, like in the police station. That's why I love 1, because 1 is all in the mansion. Okay, and maybe. And it's proper gothic. I, I love the sort of gothic horror um, vibe of it. I love the puzzle solving more than the combat. And these 3D ones have mm. become a lot more combat-y, which is fine. Resi 4 is is very combat driven. Um, and I do prefer the more puzzly ones, but this is, if, it's still brilliant. I wonder if they'll remake one in the same engine as like two and three. No, don't do that. No? No. Would it ruin it? They would ruin it. I'd only play it if they did that. Wow. Okay, so that's Resident Evil 4. Now, <laughs> the murder of Sonic the Hedgehog. What the fuck is was that? was a lovely little surprise. Yeah, oh, that should have been the biggest surprise. There you go. Um, for Sonic's birthday. I think it was Sonic's birthday. Um, it's a murder mystery visual novel. Um, with Sonic and Sonic is dead um, and so it's all the other characters coming together to to work out why he died and you know who why he died him. I do but I'm not going to spoil it for you <sighs> um, it's actually like an hour yeah it was, yeah, it was, a val- it was it on, on April Deck. Fool's Day wasn't it yes maybe it was that not Sonic's birthday oh was it Sonic's birthday I can't remember exactly now hmm. Sonic's birthday is June something uh, the murder of Sonic the Hedgehog came out on the 31st of March, 2023. There you go. So, yeah. So, it was an April Fool's. Mm. Um, yeah, it, it was cute. It, I mean... Ah, we now I know it. who won. Oh. Well, we can remove it. But it was it was a fun little diversion. Yeah, I like Thank it. Thank you, Sega. And More sorry, we should have probably included that in the biggest surprise. Pixel remaster we mentioned yeah, um, on the last one about uh, in the Game Awards, where we're not... We're including remakes, uh, but not remasters. Yeah. But I wanted to include that there just because... It's so cool to have all of those games in the same kind of format on one disc, even though they install it as different games. Yep. It's, they're really cool. Also, the artwork's awesome. It is. Roots of Pasha. This is one for you. Pasha. <laughs> yeah. We went to Pasha, didn't we? Not the Pasha. We went to Pasha in Cape Verde and it smelled of sick and we left immediately. And it yes. was a tiny, it was about the same size as our flat. And it was full of straight people. Yeah. And very, <laughs> people from 18 to 78. It yes. was a... Yes, it was an interesting uh, thing. Anyway, I digress. Uh, Bruiser Pasha is the prehistoric farming simulator type game. There are a few games here that I'm just going to kind of gloss over a bit. As like, Obviously, Stardew Valley was very popular and they're still producing games that are similar to that. Bruiser Pasha was quite interesting because it had this yeah prehistoric vibe and you had to go into, I can't remember if it was Mountains or Cave because I haven't played it really since the release. So I'm definitely not going to be including this. I played an alpha and it seemed nice, very, now I don't want to make this sound bad, but very budget. <laughs> and wow, it just didn't... Cheap is what you mean. Yeah. It was cheap and shit. That's it didn't it. reinvent the wheel or invent the wheel. Yeah. And on that note, let's remove it and move on, <laughs> shall we? Wow. But I, there are people that do like that game and I, it definitely has, it's not a bad game. Okay. Star Wars Jedi Survivor. Now you played more of this than I did. Finished it. You finished it? Yeah. I didn't realise that. I enjoyed it. Okay. Tell us what you thought then. I thought it was great. I played on easy. Um, <laughs> yeah, I didn't particularly want to get really stuck in it. But no, I really liked it. It's a, it is a Metroidvania. Well, you do you do develop certain things to progress. And is it, there is an element of puzzle solving in it. Um, but it's, yeah, you get to play as your Jedi. I don't remember it too well. Um but it is one of those where, yeah, you get certain skills and you can progress p- further into a world. I remember it being quite glitchy, but I also mm. remember the first one being a little bit glitchy as well, but this one even more so. 
Um, but it's just like reliving, it's just living your Jedi fantasy, being able to kind of explore these quite large and intertwined worlds that it's a bit, they're quite difficult to get from one place to another, especially before you kind of unlock certain paths. So you kind of have to go from one place to another and eventually you get like fast travel and you can, uh, you can ride, uh, mounts and stuff, but yeah, it was the story was, I said the story kept me interested, but I don't remember any of it. Um, that sounds like Star Wars. It's just a generic Star Wars story with some generic characters. I very I much enjoyed, Wars, by the way, just yeah, say, no, I, I very much know. enjoyed the combat. I thought the combat felt great. You know, mm -hmm. using the force and your lightsaber and you can change things around. And luckily it's, it's improved. It's improved pretty much everything on Fallen Order. Like you're not just changing a poncho this time. You can kind of change a lot of your, uh, of what you're, wearing mm -hmm. there's some yeah there's some really really cool moments and lots of little hidden treasure areas i think they are definitely inspired by kind of what i imagine is metroid prime remaster that kind of game you know where to get to the next place like with your with the skills that you've got you can explore all of this and then later on in the game you'll have a skill where you can go back and then explore a whole new area of that world so it's yeah very much like that Similar to the first one, it felt great to play. There were some really cool boss battles, some memes as well. The, the, um, <clears throat> you fight a guy who, I think, was a meme in the first game. I don't know if it was just a random droid that had a lot of health. Okay. And you had to kill him. I, I can't exactly get it, but that random droid appears as like a boss, like comes up with a big boss bar. Oh. But you can defeat him in like three hits. Oh. So it's um, it's quite interesting and it's like a, a throwback to the meme. I remember fighting that and being like... Cause a, a boss... Is that early on or is that partway through? Partway through. Okay. I don't know if you've got to that bit yet. So yeah, so just a while, I, I've done the first like world in a bit, I think. Mm -hmm. And it was fine. Mm -hmm. um, my main memory of this game is that I was doing a sort of medical at home test at the same time. So I was playing that whilst not eating and trying not to be sick. So it was trying to distract me. And it was distracting, but that was about the extent of it. Rick, the door technician. Oh, I, okay. That rings a bell. Yeah. yeah. So um, they wanted to give them a break after a big go. It was right after a fight. And I remember seeing him and I was like, oh, fucking, I've got really low health. Mm. So I played it really defensively. And I think I actually died to him, even though he's incredibly weak. But because I was just defending, 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 because I'm like, I'm not going to go in all guns blazing because I didn't realize that he was going to be weak. And I just, I had hardly any health. So I was kind of defending, defending, and he ended up killing me. And then I went back. Shocking. Killed him in seconds. But yeah, he's, um, he's the fan favorite. So fairly late into, yeah, you always oh, fairly late. Like while you're doing this, um, according to Respawn, he was created to make you laugh and feel better after a tough fight. Sure. But oh, I thought it was named after... People were stressed after a big boss fight, so they purposely designed it to be even tenser by not including a checkpoint. That's right. So you're nervous as what was to come. Um, oh, I thought it was a, I thought it was a character from like the first game or something, or like a, maybe it is. So I've played the first game. I don't necessarily remember that, but it was also a few years ago. I wasn't a massive fan of Fallen Order. To me, it's just Star Wars mixed with Metroid Prime and Dark Souls. And I would rather go and play Dark Souls and Metroid Prime mm -hmm. than play Fallen Order. But and this is Star just Wars kind character, of... A Jedi. A Star Wars character. A Jedi. Um, a Jedi. 
I just thought Survivor was more of the same. And it's got a few new ideas, but they're just stolen from other games. Like you get a grappling hook really early on, which is exactly the same as Aloy's in Horizon. It it like it just it's I don't find they're not bad games, but they're not original. They're just pilfering mm. ideas from other games and putting it together with a Star Wars banner. Yeah. And I guess that sells. I yeah, it's more of the same, but better. And I like that. Okay. I thought it was great. Do you um, want to put it in the top ten? Um, it might be in my top ten. So I will keep it on because it's if it's in I think if a game is gonna be in one of our top tens, then we should keep it on. Okay. Next one is probably not going to be in our top 10, Redfall. Now, you've not played that, have you? I haven't played it. You touched it. I touched it for half an hour and was like, ooh, the lag and kind of 30 FPS, just, it just didn't do anything for me. So, no. No. Gollum? Next up is Gollum, which I played at preview. I haven't played the final version. You haven't touched it. I think it's notoriously not a good game. So yeah. that could be removed. The day before is not on here, unfortunately. Oh, oh, I did. Pl- oh, I did play that. You did? Oh, so maybe I've, game. Got, maybe I've got 62 on my list in that case. Mm-hmm. Does that go. count as a game? It's not a game anymore. Well, no. Right, next up is The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. Should we save that <laughs> to talk about? I because think I we think... all know it's going to be in the top 10. Yeah, so I think maybe we'll talk about that when we're defending the position of it. Okay, mm-hmm. because we, we both enjoyed it at the very least. I Yeah, I didn't love it, but I enjoyed it. Okay. I, I did one boss. Okay, yep, 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 yep. Fine. I know where you are. Um, yes, we'll come back to that. Mm. Right, Humanity. Now, I had to double check because there was two there were two games. There's Humanity and Humankind. Humankind is the civilization one, yes. which I didn't play. But Humanity I played, and it is in VR, but I didn't play it in VR. And it's a really cool puzzle game where you have to get a group of people from one area to another. That's generally the purpose of the levels in this. And it's just like a really simple game. A bit like Lemmings. Yes. Although I never played Lemmings. What? No, I had Worms. Worms was out. I think Lemmings came out before Worms, but I was yeah, obsessed with Worms. Did. I never had Lemmings, it was like 89 or something. It oh yeah, I never had really a old. gaming PC, so never played Lemmings. I played that at school. We played Duke Nukem and we got women to take the tits out. At on... school? Yeah. We and had very different <laughs> upbringings. Uh, from the north. <laughs> no, we were in, I was in year six and I remember having the, there was the computer at the back of the classroom and they installed Duke Nukem 3D on there. And What uh, teacher did that? I No, one of the. I mean, a cool teacher. Yeah, no, it wasn't the teacher. Although uh-huh. it wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. Uh, Duke Nukem. Wait, when did 3D come out? Let me double check. 95. Uh, it came out in 19... Where's the actual release date? 1996. Oh, so I will have been close. eight. But yeah, when it was a few days, a few years after. But we had a computer at the back, and we installed it, and we found out that if you throw money at the uh, ladies on the pole, uh, they got their boobies out. So wow. we all found that hilarious, and we kept doing it. And uh, pixel boobs. So we didn't have lemmings anyway. <laughs> well, I had lemmings anyway. Humanity sounds like lemmings. Different mammals. Yes. Yeah. Um. Yeah, Humanity is a bit like that, but it's just like beautiful music. It's made by the same guy that does uh, Res Infinite and... Mm-hmm. And another one I've also forgotten the name of. Not Tetris Connected, is it? Yes. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I knew I was going to like this, and it's in VR as well, but like I said, I've not played the VR version. I've heard it's a bit messy. Oh. Or it was okay. at the start anyway. I don't know if it's been fixed now. But yeah, no, it just is a really cool, simple thing, simple puzzle game where... 
it's like, yeah, you need to get a group of people from one side, maybe from one area to another, but they might be going through jelly and you have to direct, put like a random direction button. So you're in the putting jelly. arrows on the ground, right? Yeah. You're putting arrows on the ground to turn them left and right. And there's some, but there's not just arrows. It might be jump and it might be that they get a special boost before they do the jump. So they jump further and eventually gives you more and more mechanics. And it's just a really clever puzzle game and you can do a level quite easily. I've just realized what it's stolen. It's the Clank levels from Ratchet and Clank. Is that what it is? I don't think I... So in Rift Apart, well, in all the Ratchet and Clank games, they always have a section like puzzle levels where you play as Clank to like switch it up. Um... And in Rift Apart, you play as Clank and there are copies of Clank that you like clones that you have to get to the other side. Mm. And so you have to put directional buttons down and, and, and pads and get them moving across. I do vaguely remember that. It's been a long time since yeah. I played that game. I've just realised it's stolen from that. It's not stolen. Anyway. It's influenced. But I, I really like that, but I didn't finish it. There were some parts, because there, there are things where you have to collect some tall people. So there's all these people, they're all just like faceless white blobs. Mm-hmm. And there are some, I think, I don't know if it's golden. They're gold. Or think, the gold yeah. ones. Yeah, so there are some gold... I think taller ones do exist in there, but there are some golden ones that you have to kind of collect and to get to the exit. So you might... Instead of... It might be really easy, but like, hey, you literally need to get from A to B. But there might be a golden person. Oh, there might be three. There's usually like a few of them. There might be three golden people. And it's like, oh, how the hell do I get over there? And, oh, I've got to go and do a like a loop-the-loop or I've got to do all these other kind of um, planning to get... to make sure that that gold person gets to the exit as well. And that gold person has to be, like, once they're... You can't kill them off. Whereas with humanity, you can kill as many people as you want. Like, mm. you can leave it running for there just to fall off the end, end of the world. Like, it's an endless supply of people. You just need to get, I don't know how many people, through the final door to, to progress. Yeah, it's probably different for each level. Um, but it's... No, it's just, it's just a really cool puzzle game. Um, is it a game of the year, I though, don't ben? think it is in the top ten, sadly, even though I've been raving about it. But it, it's just, it gets repetitive after a little while. Yeah, I see that. Um, but it's cool. It's very, very cool. And if you, I would quite like to play that on PSVR too, because I have it on PS, on PlayStation 5, so I may as well try it at some point. But yeah, it's a, a nice, relaxing puzzle game. And I think a lot of people that listen to us would probably enjoy it. Nice. Go give it a go. Hmm. Next up is Diablo 4. Four. It's a good job we didn't have the most disappointing game. Now. <laughs> now, we both finished this, so I lied, actually, because earlier I was like, if I finish a game, it must be good. Yeah, well, so Diablo 4 was my second most played PlayStation game this year, and I would compare it to a drug, because oh, yeah. it's really bad for you. It's not a good game, and yet I was utterly addicted to it and felt compelled to finish it. So I played it for, like, over 50 yeah. hours, and I hated every second of it. But I still played it. That's like Destiny Two. Yeah. Um. It. I. Whereas I. It brought out the Yorkshireman. Yorkshireman in me. Because I paid ninety fucking quid for it. And I because was gonna finish it. Because you wanted early access for a whole five days early or whatever it was. Yeah. Which is not worth it. Because you couldn't wait. No. People would. I, I get caught up in the hype. That's why I hate games that have, like, that are pay extra to play this game early. Yes, and this is. I mean, it's a Blizzard game. Of course, it's got that. Because they want that money from you. Still, it, it still annoys me. It was Hitman Three that did it the first time for me. By the way, speaking of, just I just had a thought before we continue. I did say at the end of this, I will be talking about the games I'm going to be doing my let's play. Remind me, before I forget. Okay. 
I, I said that because at one point I was going to do Hitman 3 and do the levels on there, but yeah. I don't think it'd be interesting. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it is like one of those. I just, I hate game. I hate it, hate it, hate it when they give you early access for getting the, like the digital, ver the digital deluxe version or whatever. Mm. I don't, if there's loads of other extras with it, I don't like it, but it, it, at least you're not just paying to play a finished game a few days early for the privilege of that, because that's, I just, if there's something like, you know, it comes with DLC or it comes with extra costumes, then I'm like, okay, you do get a little bit extra then. But if it's literally you're only paying for a few days early, then that's just a scam. Yeah, that really is. Because um, like, oh, let's delay the, yeah, it's just. The game as a whole, for me, is incredibly repetitive. I could not, people have been raving to me about how good the story is. And I was like, what story? You kill Lilith, Lilith done. Like, bye. Yeah. I, I honestly, the story did not grab me at all. There was some little side stuff that were quite interesting where it's like, oh, my husband's gone off to the marsh and I don't know where he is. Yeah, I think. So and then you, you fall in a cellar and the husband becomes a demon and you kill him and then you do that endlessly for every single oh, like side the quest. The one where it's like, oh, my husband's gone into the marsh and you go to the marsh and you find that he's run away with this woman, but they've both been murdered by this cult. And you're like, oh, God. It's all grim. It's the most grimmest. And the guess grimmest what's game. behind it? A demon! Every single time. It's so repetitive. The combat is repetitive. You're just pressing the same buttons and watching stuff explode. Like, it's just... I don't know why I played it. I cannot I cannot explain to you why I felt compelled to finish People this game. People love a loot game. It's the thing of, oh, maybe it will get better in the next five minutes. And then you just keep playing for another five minutes. Mm. And suddenly 55 hours have gone by. And you're like, what the fuck was the point in that? I actually quite... Please remove it from the list. I do not wish to... Just to, to acknowledge it, it or think about it anymore. It angers me that I put so much time into that game. I quite enjoy the fact. I, I quite enjoyed playing it. Well, I played it on stream, and I remember Jurnopoly joined me for some co-op. So we kind of, and we we're both very similar level, but it made it a lot easier, and I enjoyed that a lot more because it was kind of we were just kind of scooting through and mm. not really having to grind or not grind, but not having to kind of spend too much time on encounters. It's not for me. I also got caught up in the hype because I wasn't fussed by it. And then everyone was going on about it. So and you're like, oh, I, I need give to play it a go. It. I need to play it for work. So, because we wrote loads of stories on it. So I'm the only person in the team who's played it. Are you really <laughs> the only one in the end that's played it? Well, in the news team anyway. Mm. Um, other people have. Okay, the next one is a, not a AAA game. Connections. Right, I fucking hate this game. I love it. So Connections is the New York Times game. It's similar to, well, it's not similar, but it's kind of in the same category as Wordle, where they give you uh 16 words and you have to get you have to connect them in groups of four so for example it might be that there are four different colors and you press those and it, it won't be that easy but it's uh yeah you just have to kind of find the four that have a common connection between them and then there are obviously four rows of that and i just really enjoy it because it makes you think now unfortunately it's what it's a little bit like cocoon for ed where it makes him feel really stupid I hate this game. Bring I, back Wordle. Yeah. It's just, the connections for me is just sometimes so ten, either really tenuous or, sorry to America, but it's it's an American yeah. thing that it's very specific to America, the connections. Some of them, So yeah. then I'm like, I haven't, it'll be like American football player surnames or something. And I'm like, I've got absolutely mm. no idea. So it just makes me feel stupid and I don't like it. Yeah, like right now there's Dinky, Itchy, Index, Buzz, Pinky, Ring, Slight, Minute, Speedy, Little, Appendix, Call, Chapter, Dial, Jerry, Preface. And I know, definitely, I mean, we've got, also, we've got Preface, Index, Appendix, and Chapter. They're going to be parts of a book. Submit. 
done. And I bet there's a finger because there's pinky, which is a pinky finger. Ring, which is ring finger. Finger. There's... I don't know. The way you do this so quickly, and I'm like, what? Actually, I don't know. Buzz, but ring, ring and pinky. I, I need to visualize Speedy. This. Oh, I know. It's fine. Uh, <laughs> dial. Dial. But So there's some that might be like sections of a book, or it might be ones that come with a word afterwards. Like the word bone might be. They'll be funny and tea and give edda. Tea bone? Yeah. Is that a thing? Have you been tea boned? It's like when a lorry... Goes kind of on its goes and does. Oh, it's degree. also a steak, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Okay, fine. Anyway, I I hate it, but it, how much do you love it, Ben? Um, I do really like it. I don't think it's in my top ten, but I think it's a game that should be. That I think people have got that in their top tens because it is a it is like the wordle of twenty twenty three. But I don't think we will no. because you... It's a, it's a group <laughs> effort. <laughs> now, F1 23. We didn't play this, unfortunately. We played 22 back in the day. Well, we played 22 and I got very angry and we stopped playing it. However... Yeah, apologies to anybody that's, that has been waiting for the climax of that YouTube series. Formula Joysticks. Formula Joysticks. It's not happening. Ever. Never again? No. Oh. I, it, it infuriated me. I feel like we could do it split screen. No. With, no? No. But tell us about the story mode of F123. Oh, I did play the story. God. You did. Oh my god, I have the worst memory. I need to start making notes. And I like things. how I remember what you played. Yeah, no, F123. They had a story mode where you play as a guy who is part of a family team, and it's really the the thing that stood out the most was the mocap. Mm. Like it was obviously based on real people, but like really, really well done. Um, I've not seen it done that well in can't even think of a game that's got it that's done it that well because you look at it and go like i know what that person looks like in real life it's as close to human looking as as possible um but it had like yeah a good bit of drama you it was fantastic as well because you had a teammate who struggles with i think he goes blind or he's visually impaired at points okay oh no yeah he has bad eyesight but he's trying to kind of deny it and stuff and i think i don't know what it is but he, yeah, so he then has to leave the team or he, he steps back and then his sister comes in. So your teammate is a, a woman in Formula One, which, fingers crossed, one day it's going to happen. Yeah, hopefully. There are rumours that, well, not rumours, but there are definitely people who are improving a lot and uh, hopefully getting there. Nice. I, th I think we'll see a female driver in F1 in the next 20 years, which I know is a long time, but it's a big, we've had it before. Um, anyway. It was a really cool story and I enjoyed playing it and finished it in like two days, even though it is a good 12 or so hours. But I, what I loved about the story mode, and I think it's similar because it's the sequel mm -hmm. to a previous one. So this one is you, it's um, in, I think before you played as Alfa Romeo, I feel like that was your team. Okay. Whereas in this one, it's a created one. So because it's right. a created team, they can have a lot more like artistic license with what they're doing yeah, yeah. and they can kind of smash things up and have these anger you know, angry uh, directors or whatnot. Um, and it's interesting because they do have kind of cameos from real people in it. Mm. But the, my favorite part of it is that it tells a story, but it kind of, most of the time it'll go into a race. Like it'll, you'll join the last four laps of the race and there'll be a cutscene at the start that's maybe you've spun out or you've had a collision with your teammate or something has happened and or there was a problem with the pit stop and you're like down in 18th and it'll be like, you need to finish in seventh. 
Um, or it might be, you need to get to seventh place. Not finish, but get to seventh place. And when you mm. get to seventh place, like a cutscene will happen. Yeah. And so, yeah, you are, you do feel like you're playing a story. Is the way that they've managed to make racing quite interesting and part of a story, I think you would actually really enjoy it. I was going to say, this actually sounds like my, I, yeah. I, my kind of thing. I love a story game. So it's it's less the pressure of you must win necessarily, oh, yeah, yeah. but like you're part of a story and also I'm not competing with you. No. So that will also help me. Yeah, and you, you might get better at the game. Wow. Uh, <laughs> but also it's, wow. it's very, I think only maybe twice did I play a whole race. And when I say a whole race, it's like eight laps. Yeah. <laughs> eight to 10 laps or whatever. It's like way shorter than when we were just doing them. Mm -hmm. um, and that was very rare. Like most of the time it was like catch up to your teammate in three laps. And I think I only have ever failed once or twice in these because I think I whacked it on easy just because it's quite fun. Sure. But it's, um, yeah, no, I really enjoyed the story mode on that. And then obviously the, I love the game because it kind of, it brought in Las Vegas before mm -hmm. Las Vegas was even kind of people knew what that, well, they knew what it looked like, but obviously it never, the Las Vegas track, which was new this year, hadn't been completed. Yeah. Or hadn't been completed. Hadn't been competed on before. So I was able to go and play and like get a feel of the track, which is really cool. Like one of the reasons why I love Formula One games, and actually one of the reasons why I love Formula One is like playing the game so much. So I used to play the game a lot as a kid. And then I used to learn the tracks because you go and do all the practice sessions, you do all the qualifying, you do the race and you know that track so, so well. And then when you see it on a Sunday and you're you know, in real life, you're like, oh, I know that corner. Yeah, I know that. Oh, yeah, that's a tricky uh, part. And yeah. It just adds to to my fandom of F one. So, yeah, it's a uh, it's the. I think every time they release an F one game, it tends to become the best F one game there is, which is good for them. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I'm very I I enjoy that a lot. Okay, do you want it in the top ten? Let's keep it on. Okay. Let's keep a sports game on. Let's do something a bit different. Wow, it's not the last sports game as well. Park Beyond. There's another one for you. Um, so I'm in the I'll, disclaimer. I was in the Visioneer program. Nice for Part Beyond, where they got us to play a got to play a bit early. And it's a theme park management game. It is. It's a theme park management game, but with a twist in that it kind of defies the laws of physics. Hmm. And honestly, the more I played of that game, the more I wanted to play Planet Coaster. Okay. <laughs> so no, it everything it did. Apart from like obviously the alien-y kind of the weird kind of the rate the, there was some, for example, I don't know. I like a, a roller coaster game that's realistic. Like I love a yeah. part management. Roller Coaster Tycoon was one of the first games I ever played. Loved it. And is one of Classic. my favorite games of all time. Roller yeah. Coaster Tycoon 2. Like I I remember playing that game so much. I once had a park that I filled every single square. Wow. Like it was full. Like every single corner of the available part of that map had something on it. And it was raking in like hundreds and thousands of like, it was, I was making so much money. It was just constantly going up and yeah. it, like, that's how much I love. In fact, I remember there was a big lake and at the end of it, you couldn't even see the lake because I just kind of paved over it. Well, not paved over it, but just had things that were on the lake. So it, yeah, it yeah. was like water was underneath it because I just used to love it. Whereas so, I did, so I didn't play two. I only played one. Two is um, better than one. Yeah. Well, I had one and then I had the expansion for one. So I had that as well. But I remember you could download levels from the internet and someone created, recreated Alton Towers. Yes, I remember that one. And so I was actually like, it was my favourite theme park that I'd been to so many times. Have you times. done Planet Coaster? And then, no, I haven't played Planet Coaster. Um, and then I got to like play and manage Alton Towers on the game. It mm. was super cool. You need to, uh, oh, I haven't done this yet, but I bet downloading 
uh, Planet Coaster on. Sorry, downloading Alton Towers on Planet Coaster would be really cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's things that I think it's like Kew Gardens on there. Wow. Like it's the things that people do on it. But like, yeah, I want my video. I want my park management games to be rooted in realism, mm. which this didn't. But also, it was quite glitchy. It didn't have anywhere near the features that like Planet Coaster does mm. and the customization. So it just it's fine as a game. It just wasn't what I was looking for in a park management game. And Fair. I'm just fingers crossed, praying and praying and praying that I'm hoping that Frontier, because we're going to talk about another Frontier game. I hope that they, after kind of maybe not what the best launches are for the F1 manager games and also the Warhammer ones, I'm hoping, which I know is like different publishers and what they develop, but I hope that they go back and just focus on the like management games because oh, if they announced a Planet Coaster 2, I would jizz on the floor. Cool. Well, I think Pop Beyond is a no. A and no. I think at that point, we can move on. <laughs> At this point, we'll take a break because Ed's horny. No, absolutely not. <laughs> right. Well, next up is Final Fantasy 16. And I think, as with Zelda, we're pretty <laughs> certain that that's going to be somewhere in the top 10. Yeah. Okay. So let's move on from that. Street Fighter 6. Now, Street Fighter 6, I played a decent little chunk of the, of the single player story mode, which was basically Yakuza. Um, but in Street Fighter, which was quite fun, surprisingly. Yeah. Um, I suck at fighting games. I've never been good at them. Um, I Actually, I'm very good. Well, very good. I'm pretty good at Smash Brothers. I played That's a lot not, of that. doesn't count. That's well, it's kids. a different... It's, it's a more Baby's of a party fighting, fighting, fighting game. game. Oh, you hush. <laughs> um, but this sort of Street Fighter, Tekken, all that sort of stuff, I've never been good at. Um, I loved Soul Calibur, but I wasn't good at it. So single player or even like multiplayer Street Fighter, not for me. Like I just button bash and I'm terrible at it. But button bashing my way through the through the story mode was surprisingly fun. Yeah. Um, there's a really good character creator in it as well, which is a good fun. They've made it very approachable, I think. Yeah. I, think, I feel like when these games do come out, they do, like, recently at least, they make it very approachable to new people. I think Tekken 7 did it. The new one's eight, isn't it? The new one's eight, and I think they're they're seven. adding some good training modes into eight. Well, seven, I remember. I think you fought, you played the story. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but you play the story and you unlock cutscenes from previous games in seven, mm. so that even if you hadn't played the previous six, or whatever, you can see the evolution and the stories of of that. Okay, it might not be that. It might be like a Mortal Kombat, uh, but I'm pretty sure it was Tekken okay. Seven that did that. I mean, Street Fighter, they have definitely made it approachable. Um, I have another biscuit. Go for it. I'm going to put the microphone away from me, though, so they can't hear me crunching. Sure. Um, they've made it very approachable, and you can just jump in. There are lots of different control schemes as well, so you don't have to use, like, your six-button control stick and whatever. Um, it, it's, it's a as fighting games go, it's really decent. It wasn't, unfortunately, enough to grab me long-term, um, but I'm glad that I've given it a go. Um, and I'm sure it, it would be fun for us to like play it play together maybe yeah like i like being able to just completely i like to be as goofy as possible and that game lets you yeah whereas something like it's just fun it's very silly yeah. when it as, as a fighting game whereas i think tekken's a bit more serious as much as i love tekken because that was a game that i um played a lot as a kid even though i was terrible at it yeah but mm. i will say as well street fighter 6 feels quite western mm -hmm. as far as like japanese fighting games go um and, and Street Fighter is about the world. You know, it's all different fighters from around the world. So it's meant to be this sort of global vision. But it does feel quite Western in some of the presentation. Um, and it's got really good representation in it as well. Mm. Um, one of the new characters, Kimberly, is incredible. And I think 
like we've spoken to um you know we have we have twitch friends who are black women who have played street fighter and have praised how good that character is because it's created by black women or, mm. or at least have had um um have had help on that so it kimberly's a great character and they've done a really good job of introducing exciting new characters and um, there's a middle eastern character as well um i can't remember his name but he's he's an, another new character mm-hmm. um they've done a great job with that game it's i i'm just not a fighting game kind of guy i don't so, think either of us are unfortunately no. the one the one fighting game if there's a fighting game that comes out that gets us into fighting games it'll win game of the year Really? If there's ever a game that gets us into fighting games, I mean, I do love Street. I do love Soul Calibur. No. Right. Next up is Dave the Diver. Mm-hmm. Now, I think you've played more of this than I have. Yeah. I've enjoyed what I've played. Mm-hmm. I think it's a it's a fun little game. It's surprising in in sort of how well made it is. Um, is it an indie? Let's not go to that. Yeah. Um, I don't think it's one of my personal favorites of the year but i i can see why people have enjoyed it and have seen it as a as a fun game without with no pun intended it has got quite a lot of depth to it wow um which is what i was quite surprised at when it came because i'm like okay you go and i expected when i first played it that you go into the sea they're like oh it's a sushi restaurant management slash deep sea diving where you get the fish and i was like okay you go in there you probably just have to kind of grind get fish maybe you get like achievements for killing a certain amount of fish and whatnot and you can collect things and then you go to the sushi management game and you serve it up and you can make more money to get better tools and whatever and it's a lot more than that Mm. like the game itself yeah it's 24 to 30 hours or whatever yeah there's a story in it where even from Mm. what i've played it's like following sort of mer people and there are there's like an ancient Mm. civilization under the sea and all this sort of stuff so there's there yeah there's definitely a lot of it's interesting it. it keeps adding new layers as you go I, I presume. Yeah, it does. And I don't... Mm, I need to double check because I don't think that it is a randomly generated map. I think that is the map. Yes, it's the same each It's time, the same yeah. each time. Yeah, because for me, I mean, I've got the worst memory. I'm like, is it the same? It feels like the same. And I, th- I think sometimes they drop you in at slightly different... Well, maybe... Mm, yeah, maybe there are some changes that are randomized, mm. but it feels pretty similar most times. Yeah. And it just... Yeah, and it's like now I can kill a shark if i want to but at the start i couldn't so mm. you're obviously upgrading so i mean the actual survival thing yeah you get upgrades um as you progress the story and as you progress like with the money and things that you get because you get upgrades on your phone and it'll give you like you can upgrade your tank so you can last longer and you can go further down into the depths so obviously like you're getting further and further each time but it's not just that like the actual like the sushi management level is just as like as depthful in depth, as deep as deep. <laughs> I can you can tell I've been my brain's gone wow. depthful. It's depthful. Oh. <laughs> it's very depthful, and like you can customize anything in there. Like you can customize the chairs on your in the restaurant, the signs, the various things that you're putting up. But also, like you really can customize the uh, and like increase the level of the food that you're serving to get as high enough, a higher rating and more money. Mm-hmm. And I think it's like if you get if you create three things, you can kind of sacrifice three dishes to get the next level up of that dish. So you could just kind of grind that, not make much money, but then all of a sudden you've got these high level dishes and when you sell them, you're actually making loads of money. So there's like a really fancy way of 
there's there's the management way of trying to work out what you're serving and what you're doing and you know you're hiring another person to help serve and you're hiring another person to help create food because there's more people wanting stuff and there's all of that going on alongside like you are helping as well because you're going out and you're serving so it's not just a management game you're also kind of you know yeah you're serving tea and action management action management it's just yeah it's fun it's a really really fun game and I, I will say as well i was playing it on the steam deck I, it really well so it runs really well on that and it was a nice excuse for me to play mm. the steam deck yeah um and test that out it's 100 percent on my top 10 so i think we should maybe well, let's keep, that. keep it then yeah right um viewfinder i wanted to mention viewfinder despite the f well both of us have played the demo i've got to give a shout out to luke boogie who was playing it at wazd and managed to do a fair bit of QA testing on that game mm. on that demo because the people like we had a bit of a crowd of the of the um, publishers. Um, I don't know if they were devs or publishers. Just like crowd around, being like, "What are you doing?" Managed to get some kind of managed to like climb to pretty much the top of this level by. I think we'll explain what the game is first. You yes. take photos, and in that photo, you can enter or like you take a photo of something, and then you, you use that photo to into place. The world. Yeah. So if you take a photo of some stairs. You can then use that photo in another place to kind of go through those tests. It's very trippy and kind of mind bending, and it's and I think there are quite a few ways to finish certain levels. It, it does. There are definitely kind of ways to complete well, something. Yeah. There's, yeah, there's ways to complete something quite easily, but I think you can also have a good laugh and goof around and mess around and break things in that game, which mm -hmm. I which I admire. But I put it on here because I'm going to be playing it in the next few weeks. And I just know that I'm going to regret not putting this really high, maybe even on the top 10, because I saw what I saw in the demo, I loved. I just, even though it's like three hours, I just haven't had the time or the moment to to play it, whereas I will. And I just have a feeling this might be like the citizen sleeper of, uh, of next yeah, year. Yeah, this might end up being the game where we're like, oh, this was actually really good. We should have included it. Because totally for now, we just, we just haven't played enough. I totally forgot about like the different art styles and stuff that you go through. There's like mm. the kind of the old school kind of 3D Doom-esque yeah. level. And yeah, it's a really, really cool game. And I, I know a lot of people love this game. So it's not going to be on our top 10 because neither of us have played the finished um, release. But listen to Swapping Joysticks next year because I'm sure we'll have an yeah. episode where we talk about it. Definitely. Next up is Planet of Lana. Do you know what that means? Which... Um, something of wool. Yeah, well, planet of wool. Planet of wool. <laughs> something good. Um, planet is planet. <laughs> um, so this is a. It's guess what? It's a two D narrative platformer, um, which you're like, oh, okay. It has a really lovely um, sort of Studio Ghibli kind of style to it. Um, it's a Swedish developer. You play as this young girl called Lana. Oh, okay. funny enough, Delray. No, and <coughs> excuse me. Oh. <coughs> um, he hates Lana Del Rey so no, much No I don't, I really like Lana Gets his gag reflex um, going And she has this little sort of cat companion blob thing um, Who can also interact And you have to be aware of robots Evil robots that are coming and stealing all the humans And you go through this really beautiful fancy world um, Sort of stealthily uh, getting past the robots because you can't fight them. Um, but it's all platforming puzzle challenges to like work your way through the world with a very lovely sort of ambiguous minimalist story. Which in some ways is very much my kind of game. Um, this was done really nicely, but there are so many games of this type that I don't think it's any better than mm. Inside or 
Limbo or however many other games there are like this. So it was it was a really lovely game. It's only a few hours long. It was perfectly pleasant. I had a lovely time playing it on Game Pass. Mm. Um, it's not a game of the year. Okay. And the next game is Pikmin 4. I think we'll do Which the same. Which is a game of the year. So <laughs> Yeah, let's, uh, let's just go and skip straight past that because we'll talk about that when we're talking about bigger games. Hello Kitty Island Adventure. Right, tell us about it, Ben. Now it's my turn to have a cookie. Genuinely is a brilliant game, and I'm glad that other people agree, because I've started seeing other people talk about how good a game it is. It is... I don't know if it's Apple Arcade, is it? Oh, you can play it. You downloaded it? No. You better. So it's a game where you... It's a very Sanrio characters. Now you need to teach me about these. With the Gudetama. And I'll, I don't know if Gudetama's in it, but there's the one with, like, the bum hole. What's the one with the bum hole? The dog... I don't know. Oh, there's a poppery, poopery, poppery. I mean, I know which, I know which one you mean, but yeah. I don't know the name of the character. Anyway, there's a bunch of those of Sanrio characters. You're on a plane, and I can't remember if it crashes or something, or you have to jump out, and then you land on this island, and then you have to find your friends, and you've got loads of tasks that they will do. It's very much Animal Crossing, but with quests, and it's really, really good. And yeah, it's like, oh, hello, Kitty Island Adventure. It sounds like the most banal kind of wishy-washy, very, like, go and play this, like, with no depth whatsoever. But it's not. It's really, really good. It's way better than a game which actually I've been playing this year a bit, the Animal Crossing... Pocket Camp? Pocket Camp. I was about to say New Leaf, but that's the DS one. Um, Yeah, the uh, Pocket Camp. I've been playing a bit of that. And, like, just comparing the two, there's absolutely no comparison whatsoever. This is really, really good fun. And... uh, yeah, like you can, you chat with the characters, you get them to do different things. You're walking around the, you know, the different uh, parts on the island. And yeah, it's not just Hello Kitty. It's all the the characters around there. And yeah, you learn about them and it's got a nice bit of humor and decorating things and collecting things. I can't remember how much, if there's any like combat, um, but it's, yeah, I, I definitely recommend giving it a go because you'll be surprised. It's also got a nice bit of humor in there as well. So Hello Kitty game of the year. We're done. <laughs> can you imagine I've seen it on people I think it was on the top was it on the top 20 Guardian one no it was nominated for best mobile game at the game of the year awards, uh, the game awards yeah and it should have won <laughs> another F1 game yeah okay, but is it better uh, so it, F1 manager games I've played 2022 and I played 2023 only for like two races each um I have done sponsored streams for them just to, you know, kind of get all that out. But to support them. To support them, yeah. I mean, I love Frontier. Frontier are one of my favorite publishers and also big. A uh, lot of love to those people who have been laid off by Frontier because I know they're going through kind of a tough time at the moment. But I love Frontier games. I, we just talked about Planet Coaster, love Planet Zoo, Jurassic World Evolution 1 and 2. They were brilliant as well. Um, so... Yeah, playing this, I was very happy to do it because I love F1 and I love management games and I love Frontier. So it's like so a it's perfect a game three. made for you. It is. And I actually, I had a lot of fun and I streamed it. And it's a kind of game that I thought, oh my God, people are going to find that so dull. Because I, I know for a fact that a lot of people uh, in the community are not F1 fans and they don't particularly like management game fans, uh, management games to watch on stream, except for maybe like a park management or mm-hmm. City Skylines. Um, so playing that was a bit of a, a worry, but I don't know if it's the 
save files I was using or something like that that they provide you with. But their races were really exciting, like really, really, really exciting that we had. And it was, I was doing what I thought was right. And, you know, you're, you're playing as the team principal, which if you're playing, if you're watching F1, you know, it's always like the dream. You'd mm. be a team principal and like having that job would be really cool, but it might not be that exciting for other people watching. Um, but the fact you can actually see the racers, you don't control the cars. Um, I just thought that was really cool. But yeah, the races themselves, like right at the end, they got really exciting. Like the F1 Manager 2000, uh, 2022 I played and I was playing as McLaren and I actually sacked Ricciardo immediately and hired Piastri. And this was before Piastri had been announced, but he was like rumoured. How prophetic. And that video, so I... I actually had this clip and put it on YouTube and that video still gets people watching. Like people still watch that for some reason, like this old 2K20, uh, 2022 F1 manager game with those two. But anyway, um, that one, it was when McLaren were terrible. And if you're, if you know anything about F1, if you're in the top 10, you get points. And I was like eighth for a little bit. And then I went ninth and then like the tires started fading mm -hmm. and I lost by zero I, I came 11th by 0 0.003 or two seconds. Like literally on the line, I was overtaken. And similar to this, like this time I played as Red Bull because I wanted to play, I think I'd put it up to the chat. Chat could Yeah, choose. I think we forced you because we forced you to mm. play as Verstappen just to annoy you. Yes. And I sabotaged Verstappen. Yeah. Right at the beginning, I brought him in to change his tyres so that would put him at the back of the pack. Um, and I really wanted Perez to win. And I think... I was sabotaging them. I sabotaged them. And then I was like, okay, now we've, now we're quite a bit further back. I'm going to try and see if we can play it properly and just see mm. how far I can get them. And I ended up like on the last lap, I think Perez won. Like on the last lap, he got an overtake to win. And then Verstappen, I think got third place or something, or he, he got there on like the penultimate lap as well. So what you're saying is it was realistic. It was really, it was realistic. <laughs> it was incredibly exciting for what a kind of game it is. And it, it surprised me just how much I enjoyed that. And nice. the thing is, I would love that game within F1 23 or 24. Right. Like if you can do the, like the management game and you can sort out contract, because there is run your own team mode on F123. Mm -hmm. But if maybe that was a little bit even more detailed and like there was a proper management mode screen, but you could also play as the cars or like you could drive or maybe you could kind of switch between the cars mm -hmm. uh, during the race to play as them. That might be a little bit more involved and a bit more exciting. Okay. So I, um, yeah, I mean, it's not going to be one of the game of the years, but it is a fun game and I'd be surprised if they make another one unless they've got like a contract where they have to, but it's, which is a bit sad, but yeah. if you like F1, give it a go. It's probably really cheap. Okay. Baldscape 3. Yeah, should we? I think that's up there. That is definitely up there. Yeah. Overwatch 2. You mm. dabbled in this. I did. And it ran really well. And I ended up getting play of the game as Zenyatta when you were sat next to me. And then you never played it again. No. So I guess that's a no. It's a no, but... <laughs> and I also, I think it's had quite a few complaints recently about like the... Well, win. they want yeah, and they wanted to do the single player mode, and then it win, didn't, but... and then it didn't work out, and it's been a bit of a mess. Yeah, they kind of they screwed up so badly. Mm. They should have just kept Overwatch. Like, was he not yeah, making the money? Make or it something? Overwatch and just keep it as it is. Yeah, but the thing is, I think they said they would never charge for new characters. They shot themselves in the foot. They oh. they said in Overwatch they would never charge for new characters. So then they brought in Overwatch two to charge you for an entirely so new you game. can charge. Yeah, wow. But I mean. <clears throat> 
I don't know. Uh, I don't know. But I don't know why didn't they didn't just say, hey, this game is a lot more popular than we anticipated. Um, you know, we are going to start charging for it. We're going to give everybody some points or whatever as a way of apologizing and being like, but now we're going to show, now we're going to be able to support this game even more with all this, that, and the other. And instead, they've just kind of fucked up everything. Yep. Good one. <sighs> Disappointing. So next is Stray Gods, the role-playing musical. Now, this for me was quite a big disappointment this year. Um, as as we've already talked about with Hi-Fi Rush, I love a music game. I love a rhythm game. Um, and this is a essentially a visual novel that is fully sung. So it's, well, it's actually not fully sung, but it's mostly sung. It's um, it's a musical. And it's so it's a visual novel game that you play as di- directing it as a musical, essentially. Um, which is such a cool idea. Such a cool idea. Really difficult to achieve. Really difficult to make. Um, so I will say I think the game, the developers put a, did a good job of like making it sort of work, ultimately. Um, and it has an incredible cast with amazing names from, from video game voice actors. Mm-hmm. Um, essentially, the story is um, you play as this young woman who witnesses a murder. And, or at least she finds a dead body. And at the end of that, she she ends up getting these strange powers that allows people to sing, which is basically she has the power of a muse, like the Greek gods and the muses. And so she ends up getting intertwined with the Greek gods um, and she has to prove her innocence because they accuse her of the murder. Um, and so she has to use her power of as a muse to sort of make people sing and bring out the truth in people. Just quite a cool concept, um, especially for a musical. You it's quite this, like, right? yeah, it's quite sort of operatic and sort of Greek tragedy sort of vibe. Um, I just found it flawed on quite a fundamental level, um, partly because I didn't like the music, which is quite a fundamental yeah, point. Yeah, about to it. say that. <laughs> um, but just in a gameplay level, the way it works is, as as with a visual novel game, there are multiple options um, for dialogue choices. It's just that in here, these aren't dialogue choices. They're sort of song mood choices, really. Um, and you can choose whether, I've forgotten her name now, but the main character can be sort of intelligent or charismatic or aggressive. Um, and whichever one you choose, it will change how she sings the dialogue next. But it's not just that. It's also changing the genre of the of the song. So it might be it's a sort of jazzy number, and then you say, right, I want her to be aggressive in the next line. And so she starts rapping instead of singing. And so it starts like chopping and changing the genre. And like, it's a really clever idea on paper. But in practice, it ends up that you have these weird fragments of music mm. that just don't sort of come together as a song. So I never felt like I got to an end of a song and thought, wow, that was a really cool piece of music. I really want to listen to that again. So it's kind of interesting Mm -hmm. but not satisfying as a piece of music and as a musical and it's all presented in this sort of graphic novel style with like static screens which has a really lovely visual style but when they're all singing it's just lots of pictures of people with open mouths going oh Mm. and sort of statically emoting but not doing very much um so it just for me it just didn't come together it didn't work as a musical in the way that i wanted it to so it's a really cool idea but it for me it just didn't work which was quite disappointing so should we get rid of it yes all right so this was bumbrush cyberfunk which is an homage 
A love letter to Jet Set Radio, yep. the original? Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. I don't know about the other Well, there's two. Yeah, I didn't play either of them. Yeah, um, old Dreamcast games. Yeah, I never had a Dreamcast. Neither did I, and I always wanted to, and I always wanted to play these. Maybe we should get one. Maybe we should. We have, I mean, we've got uh, plenty of things over there which you can't see on the street. Nice. Um, I really enjoyed it. I only played it once. I played it as a YouTube uh, quick you look, which is, I think it was one of my first ones I mm-hmm. did. And I had a lot of fun playing it. It was, so you're playing as a skate, uh, roller skater. Yeah, not skateboarder. Roller well, skater. You, you can choose, right? Between different, because there's roller skates, there's skateboards, there's bikes, yeah. there's everything in this. So you get to play as that and you're kind of, it's just very, very, oh, like 90s rap, hip hop. It's very 90s hip hop, isn't it? I'm trying to, you're the I mean, one with the more, music. It's more noughties. Noughties, is it? Okay. Because the Dreamcast was the noughties. Okay. But the music itself Tur- feels Turn like something... Yeah. Feels like something it's from like, my childhood hip-hop. Yeah, or it's sort of hip-hop, funk kind yeah. of vibes. Bonfuck MCs. Sure. It's a bit like freestyler. But yeah, Bummer Cyber cyber Funk. It's not Cyberpunk, is it? I think I got the name wrong on here. Um, it was cool. It was just... I didn't play... I played it a fair bit. Uh, I played it for like a good three or four hours defeat a few like a boss level but you I was kind of like yeah skating around uh you do some grinds and you do these special moves you're collecting various things in the in the world and it's set in kind of a very well the bits that I was in was a very kind of futuristic but wasn't it called minimalistic. New Amsterdam yes it was which is New York's original name huh. you don't know that no oh, yeah that's what it was called before New York oh and uh, yeah, because they got there first and then we got there. Uh, Old York's better than New York. And yeah, it's just like a very kind of built up in um, city with, yeah, very urban layout. And yeah, I liked it. I, the thing I loved most about it was the music and the voices. Like the voices were very kind of deep. Hey, how are you doing? You know, very, oh, I don't know. It just... It was it's difficult to kind of talk about it because I only played it for three hours about three months ago. So I'm trying to remember it as well. But the controls for it, like if you want to talk about the gameplay itself, like going and skating around was pretty easy. Um, if you wanted to kind of do a, a wheelie from one side to another, you could do that like with no problems. And it, it felt really rewarding as you were doing it. And you're, you know, you're facing these enemies, but you could skate around them or whatever. It's, it's hard to explain too much, but if you liked... Jet Set Radio, you would like this game. And yeah, it's got a lot of style. Definitely. Art style, music style, even like the voice and the verse when you're, you know, when they're kind of rapping or when they're kind of just talking to you. It's just everything is really stylized. Yeah. But I guess we didn't play enough. I I played, no, I played it for like three hours and I loved it. Like I loved the... I love what I played of it, but I imagine it might get a bit repetitive after a bit more. But I I won't Interesting. say because I haven't played more. Disney Illusion Island. Now, I reviewed this um, for Eurogamer. It was okay. Um, it's a cute family Metroidvania platformer. Um, there is a very, very grumpy Donald who I absolutely adore. Because um, oh, he just, he's constantly in a flap, literally. Um, and I love him. The game as a whole was just quite basic. So as a sort of Mickey's first Metroidvania for young kids to play, 
Um, I think it's perfect. I think young kids will love that and it will be a great family game. Um, it just didn't have the complexity really to draw me in. Um, and some of the visuals I just found a bit bland, um, which was a shame. So it was it was cute, but yeah, no more than that. No. Well, I didn't play. And also, didn't you... Couldn't you go off the screen or something like that? And Or did it zoom out so far that you couldn't see things? Because didn't we play a little bit of co-op? We played a little bit of co-op. Yes, it's a four-player co-op game. And um, yeah, it sort of zooms out quite far, I think. So you're quite small, mm. um, which is annoying. I mean, but also then you sort of... Yeah, if one of you jumps ahead, the other person can't catch up. And I found it a bit messy as a, as yeah. a multiplayer game. The other game, in fact, the next two games are pretty much you talking. So the next one is Armored Core 6 Fires of Rubicon. Now, I'd never played an Armored Core game before, but I have played my fair share of FromSoft games yep. uh, from all the Soulsborne games. And I was really excited, therefore, to play this. Now, it is not a Soulsborne game. Everyone was like, oh, is that going to make it a Souls-like? No, it's not. They are very different. It's very difficult, though. But there are some similarities in the sense of it's very difficult and it's very rewarding when you get over things, mm -hmm. um, when you get over that difficulty. And there are a lot of very cool bosses. Now, the previous Armored Core games, I don't think had bosses in the same way. So that is quite a Souls-y thing, I guess, that they've put in. Um, but it does play very differently to the Souls games. Um, combat in Armored Core is brilliant. It's really, really well done. It feels great to play. It's smooth, it's fast, it's it's responsive, and there is a lot of customization. Now, customization is a big part of the game because you have your your mech, I should say it's a mech battle game. You're, it's set in the future um, on the planet of Rubicon and mm. um, there's like warring industries after um, this, this precious Mineral, resource. Yeah, about the um, resource. I can't remember what it's called. Um and and it's all sort of these mechs that go out or people in mech suits that go out battling each other for control of stuff. Um, so it's it's a you have your mech and you have to go out and you have to customize it before you go out on missions. Missions can be anywhere from like two minutes to 20, basically. And you have to customize your mech. And there's a lot of detail in choosing like your four weapon slots. So it's your two arms and your two shoulders mm. And you have different types of weapons on those. And then you've got your head, your chest, your legs, booster packs, other bits and pieces that all affect different stats. And they they have a wild impact on the actual gameplay. So yeah, I saw are people... you really heavy and tanky yeah. or are you really light? How quick do you move? Do you have a high jump or high dodging? Because I saw how powerful you, are you? You were playing it like flying around all over the place. And I was looking online and somebody was like, Oh yeah, we've got I've got like the tracks. Or like the caterpillar tracks, yeah, and they just like kind them. of wheel around there, and they never get off the ground and stuff. Yeah. It's so you such can, a different style. Yeah, there's so many different approaches, and every mission you can approach in different ways, to, which is great. Um, it's an interesting thing when it comes to bosses because I think with the Souls games, people have their different approaches. Like, are you more of a melee build, and is that strength or dexterity, or are you a magic build or a faith build or whatever? Um, whereas and once you've chosen that, you sort of stick with it for the game. Whereas this, you can change up your build between missions constantly. Mm. And so it really rewards your thinking behind that by, okay, so this boss is fast, so I need to be faster. So I need to have these items mm. and this type of weapon and things like that. So you're constantly building it up and it really rewards you for, for customizing. Um, 
I feel like it as a game overall, it's very cold. Yeah, it didn't seem like a well and, fires of Rubicon. Well, yeah, it's well, it's cold because it's mechs and it's metallics and it's evil corporations. There's no personalities in there. It's 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 very minimal. It sort of mm. to me plays a bit like a PS2 game. Now I haven't played the old Armored Core games. The original was on PS1. They got very popular, I think, more around PS2 time. This plays like a souped-up PS2 game to me, mm-hmm. in that you choose everything from menus. There, there are no cutscenes. It just gives you some spoken dialogue uh, uh, over like static screens, and then you go to your mission. Mm-hmm. Like the story is very badly told, <laughs> mm-hmm. and is not a great story. It's pretty loose. Um, so you play this game purely for the gameplay, and that is a series of very short missions you jump in and out of. So it sort of feels quite retro and old school, but the combat is so well done. Um, but all of these that mechs makes that you're fighting, they've all got a person inside them, have they? Yeah. Okay, interesting. Um, and it's got some really cool boss battles. There was one, we talked in the last podcast, there was one, the Ibis, that is probably the most difficult boss of the year, I think. Um, it was super difficult, and I felt very good when I got over it. Um, so I think it, it has really, really good combat, and it's really strong. I don't think it's from software's best game. I still think I prefer the Souls games mm-hmm. um, and Bloodborne um and Elden Ring um but it's a very very good game it has very very strong combat it for me it's a borderline well we can keep it if it's a borderline yeah um next up is Sea of Stars which is absolutely going in the top 10 okay. so yes uh and after that is one for you Starfield so I finished Starfield mm. the main campaign anyway and I kind of rushed a bit through it it's I didn't for those of you who don't know, Starfield is a big open world Bethesda game. Similar, well, it's from the people that brought you Fallout and Skyrim. Um, Skyrim. Scrolls. So those kind of those kind of games. And when they said that they were going to space and they were having all these thousand planets or whatever that can be all landed on and you can do stuff on there, people rightfully had their minds blown. And then the game came out and it would have made it. It would have been, let's just say, it would, it would have been a much better game if they'd stayed within a solar system. Mm. If they'd been like, okay, this is the this solar system. It doesn't even need to be Earth. Maybe, yeah. maybe the the story is that they left Earth and then went to another solar system, and then they can't escape further than you know to go back to Earth or whatever. But like, there were just too many planets. There were a few kind of big cities in the game on some different planets. And you can go to them, and it looks incredible. There was one called Neon, which I think I've shown you. Mm-hmm. Have you visited it? Have you seen it? I've seen it. It's very, very cyberpunk yeah. um, with all the neon lights and the kind of the back streets, and there's always drug deals going on. And Is it like always bars. raining? It's always raining. Yeah. Most of the time it's raining. It's, it just always seems dark there. Um, so that was really, really, really cool. And then you had to... But then for every one of those, there are a 100... Um, planets that are just completely bare. Well, they're not bare because you go there and it generates like a base, like mm. a copy-pasted base, or it generates a telecoms tower or something. But it's very similar to kind of like just the same. Like you, wherever you land, there will be something nearby, but it's just something that they've just added. And But like sometimes it will surprise you. Like there's one bit where I landed just on a random planet and next to me was a base that I went and explored and next and a bit further on was a telecoms tower and I went over to the telecoms tower and there was a person there who was like a trader and we chatted for a little bit and then so that kind of that that when because I was quite near the beginning I'm like oh this is really cool like there's these NPCs and stuff that you can chat to and find out but I haven't really discovered many more of those and 
the game itself, like you can, it's also just quite a difficult game to navigate. So the maps are a pain in the ass. Mm. Like I've no, I still haven't managed to like navigate it. Like, so for example, Neon I went to, I had to like write down where Neon was because it's on, it's a city on a, on a, um, it's on a planet whose name I didn't remember in a solar system in name I cannot remember. So you had to kind of focus on, you had to remember with the location of all of these. There's no like quick menu where it's go to this place. I don't know if they've oh, added God. that or if I just completely missed it, but I'd looked and other people were saying like how atrocious the map was to kind of get mm. around. And, but yeah, there's like, there's a cowboy town where it's a very much like you're going to somewhere like Fallout New Vegas, um, that kind of style. Mm -hmm. And there's like obviously the big major city with all these different districts, which you have to kind of fast travel to get from different parts of the district to another, which I thought was a bit weird for a Xbox Series X kind of launch. Yeah. Like, well, it's on S as well, but yeah, having to kind of fast travel between different areas in one city is a bit, I don't know. I didn't particularly like that. It's a bit Xbox 360. It is. And it's, it doesn't really make sense as well because you're not sure where. I just found navigation really tricky for a, and for a game that is all about navigating the stars and being able to explore anyway like anywhere it's like a fundamental thing is to be able to uh to do that mm. but also just like leaving space or leaving a planet there's a loading screen so there's a loading screen when you're going from one area to another within a city or even like through this i think there's one area i was in like a mining area and i went underground to the like the base but then to go into the slums area there's another loading screen mm. and yeah, the um, t when you're about to take off on your... So you go to your ship, the loading screen to get into the ship, and then you're wanting to go into space and then fly around or whatever. You have to go through another loading scene. Like even No Man's Sky, I mean, it's obviously a lot less graphic intense and stuff. That you go from entering your, build, uh, entering your ship and then taking off and you can fly and land wherever you want. Seamlessly. Yeah, whereas this just seemed very kind of like, oh, no, we don't want you to give have too much choice or too much freedom yeah, yeah. oh we we can't we know we can't let you do that i'm afraid it just if they'd focused on eight planets and been a lot more kind of careful about what they were curating on these or just carefully curating these eight planets or nine planets and yeah you can land wherever you are or like wherever you want to go on this planet and there are some like major cities in there it would have just made it a lot more enjoyable and mm. more i think you'd be more likely to explore even if there's less, because now you're like, oh, if I explore, it's going to be a planet that's just randomly generated and there'll be, uh, there'll be a random base, there'll be a telecoms tower. and You know what to expect. Exactly. Um, so, yeah, it was very disappointing in that way. The story, I didn't mind. Um, I finished, like, I finished it quite quickly, the game. You did seem to race through it. Yeah. Well, I started doing some side stuff, which had some interesting things. It's weird, because, like, you get some side quests, obviously, early on in the game, and... Then you get like some checks, some um, skill checks, similar to Baldur's Gate 3. Um, mm. But there'll be like a much higher probability of it being, uh, of it passing if you've got a very high level in this certain skill. And at that level, like when it's right at the beginning, you're not going to, so it doesn't unlock this skill. Yeah. And I'm like, well, why, why are you giving me this? I mean, like, I don't, are you just making me play the new game plus? Are you wanting, like, why is this even an option? Um, it just pissed me off a bit that did because I'm like, oh, well, now I've done this mission for the last hour and a half um, or this, this series of missions for the last hour and a half. And now I'm not going to get the good ending because my level whatever isn't that high enough. So, yep. yeah, that annoyed me a bit. Anyway, I 
don't have an opinion because I haven't played it. Everyone said it gets good after however many hours, and I thought I don't have that time, mm. so I haven't played it. All I'm going to say wait is, for the models. Um, all no, all I'm going to say is go and play Mass Effect because it will give you what you wanted from Starfield. Yeah, I will. And in fact, randomly at the middle of this podcast, even though oh god, I don't know how long we've got left, but um, yeah, my next game that I'm going to be. Uh, playing as my let's play because as of this coming out um i pretty much finished or the next episode is the last one uh of my playthrough of spider-man 2 and uh the next game will either be mass effect 2 or legend of zelda the wind waker it's gonna be one of those two i haven't decided on it yet but let me know what you prefer in the comments well you're welcome for that segue Thank you. Randomly in the middle purpose. of that. <laughs> okay. Um, should we have Let's... a very, very quick pee break? Okay. Yes. Because I've been drinking far too much Coke. I need some water. All right. Back in a mo. Right. We're back. How quick was that? Final Fantasy VII Ever Crisis. Now that is a trash. Game you... Move on. Okay. <laughs> People seem to it's, like it though. It's money grabbing trash. Wow. Uh, okay. <laughs> we're not. Well, we're going to speed through some of these. Yeah, I'm purposely trying to race through these now. <laughs> um, right. Let's just quickly get rid of that thing in the corner. Faith Farm, I played a little bit of. I It's quite good for those, you know, when I saw Faith Farm, I'm like, oh God, what's this shit going to be? Um, it's another farming simulator. And it, it is pretty much, but it does it quite well. And the graphics are a lot better than quite a lot of the kind of Stardew-esque clones that there are. And I've heard that like the story goes places after chapter four. Ooh. That's all I'm saying. But I didn't play enough of it, but it's, yeah, it wasn't a bad game. Nice. It's better than I was expecting. Okay. F099. Now, this is F0 in the SNES F0, the original, as a battle royale. And it was a nice little freebie that was put up on Nintendo Switch Online. It is the first F0 game in forever. I was about to say, it's the F0. (laughs) Was it the one you wanted? No. What (laughs) I wanted was F0 GX remade on Switch in HD, which is what everybody wants. And they need to just make that, and it will probably not sell very well. But those of us who love F0, We'll have a lovely time playing that online. But unfortunately, this is all we have for now. And it's it's a fun little game. It's like playing, racing in a pinball machine, basically. Um, it's fun. It's not a game of the year, but it was a cute little free extra. So thank you, Nintendo. But more of that, please. Lies of P. Okay, we're going to, you can, you're there, you're racing through. I know, well, you're well, hungry. We can pause and have dinner if you need if we need to later on. No, no, it's fine. Okay. Lies of P. Should we just automatically wait until top 10 for that? Sure. For me, it's a bit borderline, but okay. Oh, I loved what I played. Well, there we go. Okay, well, we'll I think that's a potential... Okay, we'll talk about that. Like that. Now, Partown, should we just put that straight up there as well? No, I think we can delete that immediately. I, I mean, I love Party Animals. It's like Gang Beasts. It's a, if for those of you who haven't played it, it's like Gang Beasts, which is a party game where you control a character, usually with quite tricky controls. And you have to be like the last one standing or there might be various other game modes in there. But it's just goofy. It's not serious. They The controls are they awful. Don't re- are awful. Um, but you can just goof around and it's yeah, that's part of the fun. It's not fun. I don't find it fun. It's very competitive. I'm too competitive for it. It's my own fault. You were about to review it, weren't you? Let's not go there. You <laughs> got too frustrated. Moonstone Island. Okay, that was a game I put another one of those typical kind of like farming Sardew-esque uh, ones. And I enjoyed what I played. I played a fair bit of it, but it it, well, it didn't break any like new ground. You play as an alchemist 
who has to be as part of their training goes and stays on a an island and must survive there for a year and like befriend the locals and help them whatnot and yeah it's a computer generated all these islands and you can go and you event quite early on you get ways to fly to them all um and you uncover them and there's various things on these islands and it's it's cool it's cute it looks great and well it looks it's a pixel game, right? Pixely, arty, yeah. It, yeah. yeah, it's all right. It did look very cute, what I saw you play. Yeah, I'm not going to include it, though. Okay. Same with Mineko's Night Market. I played the demo. We both played the demo, actually. Um, yes, we joint played it. We joint played it, which was fun. And then the actual game came out, and I played a bit of that. And I found it really boring. Oh. It's just very cutesy, boring. It's like, oh, no. Yeah, no, that's not for you, is it? No stress. It's not for me for streaming, at least. No. Right, Cocoon. Cocoon is top 10. Okay. <laughs> now, Assassin's Creed Mirage. Tell us about it, Ben. It is the latest in the Assassin's Creed franchise, but it is a very linear, kind of small map, which is what people have been crying out for, but then they released that and people went, mm, maybe not. So mm. it, I, I didn't mind it from what I played. I didn't love it so far. That I played about half of it. I'm about halfway, apparently, according to... Uh, to the trophy and yeah it's it's an, a typical assassin's game you haven't got all the extra kind of filler that a massive assassin's creed game has um it's interesting because you can it's just it, it feels quite difficult but also if you get spotted you go up on like a wanted level a bit like gta um and the way to get rid of those like wanted levels is by ripping down posters with your name on like wanted posters yep. To go sneak around and like do those, which is quite easy to do. Um, Did you play the first Assassin's Creed game? So I played it for an evening, decided I didn't like it, and then sold it to my brother for a penny more than I bought it for. Wow. That's a businessman. I'm the new Alan Sugar. See, I actually quite like the first Assassin's Creed. I think it just wasn't what I was expecting, but I can't remember what I was expecting because it was a long time ago. I think, like, I, I enjoyed it, and then I also enjoyed Valhalla to an extent, in that I think Valhalla's a cool game as a Viking simulator, but it's not an assassin game. Like, you don't mm. assassinate people, you just run in and kick the shit out of people. Yeah, so yeah, literal, it, like, it didn't feel raids. like, yeah, it didn't feel like you're an assassin. Whereas Mirage looks like you're back to actually being an assassin, mm. which seems cool, but maybe they don't have all the extras that people want. No, and it, it's a good game, and I think, yeah, The Guardian had this in their top 20 game of the year so people do like yeah. it it's just some people it reviewed very well with Eurogamer did it some people enjoyed it some people didn't necessarily but that did is you on... enjoy it I'm like on the fence oh, okay. but it it's a game I tried to play a bit on the portal because I've got the PlayStation portal mm -hmm. and didn't particularly like it on there okay I don't know why yeah that's odd the controls just didn't work that well but I'm going to get rid of it okay Laws of the Fallen? Laws of the Fallen. Um, another sort of disappointing game that um, had a lot of potential to be sort of a sort of Dark Souls sequel, really. Um, but it just didn't live up to the hype um, that it set for itself, largely because the performance was terrible. And that sort of ruined the experience for me when I reviewed it. Was was mm. I literally couldn't finish it. It was unplayable. Um, but even when I could play it, it felt like a very typical Soulsy game that's just nowhere near as good as what FromSoft do. So it's sort of like, ooh, why would you play this when you could just play Dark Souls? 
or Elden Ring. Mm. Um, it's fine. It's not. A, it's not a particularly great game. Would it be top fifty for you? No. <laughs> wow. Not top fifty. Sonic Superstars. Another disappointment. Um, this was. We should a have had a biggest disappointment. Maybe we should. Uh, next um, year. This was a return to classic two D Sonic. Um, having done various 3D games, obviously Sonic Frontiers was was last year. Um, Sonic Superstars, yeah, was was a return to 2D platforming, but they sort of fucked it. Um, it's just not, it's not as good as the previous 2D games. Is the short answer really? Mm. Um, the music's not as good. The visuals were bland. The level design, I don't think, is very good. Um, it it's got four player co op in it, which for me is fundamentally does not work in Sonic. Not unless it's because, unless it's split screen. No, exactly. Because Sonic is about going. It's not about going as fast as possible necessarily. It's about managing speed and the flow of rhythm and mm. uh, flow and rhythm of of level design and, and and getting through it. And that doesn't work when you're in multiplayer because you're for anyone who has played Sonic Two. Um, you will know that Sonic Two on the Mega Drive is when they introduced Tails, and you play as Sonic but Tails sort of follows behind as a computer character. But most of the time you're running ahead and Tails just gets like falls off the screen and is off somewhere else. Mm. And like, and that's because the AI is shit, but that's in multiplayer. That's what Sonic Superstars feels like. You're sort of getting left behind by the other person, or you feel bad for leaving the other person behind because you're running ahead. It, mm. it just doesn't work for me as a multiplayer game. Um, and so I played it in single player and just, I just didn't like the level design particularly. I found it really frustrating and I never got into that state of flow that you want with a sonic game where you feel like wow i've raced through that and it's been really cool and you know with some cool uh concepts and ideas and it has the odd cool idea and then others that are really bad and just kill your speed and it just didn't work for me unfortunately so that's a no no <laughs> jabbox paddy pack 10 i played one game from it which was tko2 was that this one and we play the music game and there's the, the rhythm game in it yeah, that was definite, which was interesting, but it was not funny. I liked it because I won. You did, but it wasn't funny. And to me, Jackbox needs something that's funny and you're going to be side splitting laughing and it, it needs creativity. And I don't think that had any creativity in it. Fair enough. I need creativity in my Jackbox games. Okay. And maybe the, we haven't tried the other ones, though. So, I mean, that's another reason why not. Okay. Um, Marvel Spider-Man 2, should we just put that in the top 10? Sure. Uh, or like definitely a contender for it. I just finished that last night. <laughs> Super Mario's Wonder. Should we again? I reckon it's up there. Yeah. City Skylines 2. Now, this is not going to be in the top 10, but I must say I really... I mean, yeah, no, I'm going to put it in there. Oh, okay. Well, it's, it's definitely my top 10. Okay. So if it's in my top 10, I'm going to keep it up there. Palia, that's the free-to-play 3D farming simulator game. That's with, an MMO. That is like an MMO as well. Um... I liked what I played of it, but there's like a lot of kind of do this and then wait 30 minutes. And then it's very much a free to play game. Mm. And I've gone off them when they've got like, when you, I don't know. I, the, the that thing is this came out in early access before, just before Fay Farm came out and Fay Farm was like 50 pounds. Whereas this is free to play. And I'm like, I'd much rather pay 50 pounds, which I know is a lot of money for a kind of a farming semi story game, but like have everything. Mm. than have this that is obviously going to be i mean just by design it's predatory because you want everything and yeah. you'd have to pay a lot of money for everything and yeah i not a fan of that so yeah 
Fair enough. Just the style of it. And I know I'm probably hypocritical because I love games like Marvel Snap and stuff, but I don't know. For that kind of game, I don't like free-to-play farming games because that's the main thing about those type of games is collecting, which I know for cards is also collecting stuff, but is about kind of decorating. And it's also aimed at young people. Mm. So I, I'm not a fan of that. Interesting. Alan Wake 2. Hmm. Go on, Ed. Tell us about that. This is where we get controversial because for a lot of people, Alan Wake 2 is game of the year and or, or is at the very least a contender for it. I was not a fan, unfortunately. Um, I've ranted about it in previous podcasts, so I don't necessarily want to repeat myself. The, the short version of it is that I just think it's really wanky and pretentious. I don't think it's quite as clever as it wants to be it's it's a it's a story about storytelling mm. and it runs in circles and sort of ends up not going anywhere for me and i i found the gameplay of it really dull in well not all the time but sometimes dull it has moments of greatness there are there are moments in it that are phenomenal there's the music level that's probably been spoiled if you've seen the game awards that is brilliant um, there are other bits that are very survival horror, old school survival horror. There's a whole section in a theme park, like a, uh, like a sort of decrepit theme park. Um, that's really, really cool. Um, Dead Island 2 did that. Sure. Um, I think visually it's stunning. It is one of the best looking games of the year. I think in terms of sound design, it's one of the best, if not the best game of the year for sound design. Um, the use of sound like that keeps you on edge and like just yeah. horror sound effects and stuff like it's genuinely terrifying. Um, so I think in terms of its presentation, it's, it's brilliant. It, it's up there as one of the best. And, and I fully support that. Um, I just found some of the gameplay a bit laborious. There's this whole detective thing where you have to put evidence on a board that is just stating the obvious. And I found really tiresome having to keep doing that. Um, and there's other bits that solving puzzles is just really slow and plodding and the combat's not particularly great. Um, so I wasn't too fan, too much of a fan of that, but for me, the story was just a bit hollow. It just didn't grab me. I just think it's, and I, I really dislike, I don't want to get personal against Sam Lake, but I just don't like the fact that he puts himself in his games because it's, it's a game about storytelling and it's got this meta level of like, what's the real what's reality and what's in the story and what's controlling what is the story controlling reality or is reality then dictating what's happening in the story even kojima doesn't put himself in games well he does is well, he an easter egg in uh death stranding um it's very rare and so there's that sort of meta level and then it becomes even more meta by putting sam lake who wrote the game in the game itself as a leading character so then it's just like i just feel like it's sort of a bit of an ode to himself and that irritates me um I just didn't vibe with it. I'm sorry. I know a lot of people love this game and mm. I can, I, I, there is, there is a lot to like in it, but I don't think there's a lot that I didn't like, unfortunately. So bye bye. It's not in there for me. Gubbins. Gubbins is our new mobile obsession. Yeah. So like we had connections for a while. <laughs> uh, by Fuck the way, that. speaking of connections, uh, we did the second one. Uh, the second one was itchy, Jerry, pinky and speedy who are cartoon mice. I got that. You did, because I was like, is it and? Because it's Itchy and Scratchy, Jerry, uh, Tom and Jerry, Pinky and the Brain. Like, no, they're all mice. And then there was Buzz, and I was like, is it Buzz and Woody? But no, it's Speedy Gonzalez. 
And then the other minute little buzz, call, slight, dial, ring, and dinky. So I think it's minute, call, slight. dial, ring, and buzz are all phone yep. words. And the others are all words for small. It's slight, little, minute, minute, and dinky. Because it's minute or minute? Minute. It's minute. And they are, they mean we. We? We. Oh, it's a bit I Scottish mean, today. I think you mean small. But there we go. So we did the connections. Um, we won't, we're not going to do gubbins on stream. On, uh, no. On the video, because we don't have time for that. But what is Gubbins? So Gubbins is a word game. And how did we find it? We read the review in Edge. Oh, we did read the review <laughs> in Edge. That's true. Um, it's also by Witchbeam, who created Unpacking. So it is from Immediately a great developer. <laughs> um, it's a word game where you place tiles on a board to make words, which seems really simple, but not necessarily. Um, you have to make as many as you can. Now, what what I didn't realize at first yeah because i actually don't think it does a great job of explaining it i mean nobody i don't think after, anybody got that no and after a few days it, it, i've sort of understood it i think there are people still in the discord that still don't get this but i'm not going to tell yeah. them because um I wanna it's them. it's it's not scrabble so you don't want to reuse letters you want to keep every word separate it's just mm. you have to fit them on the grid essentially um and you also want to make as many as you can on the grid and then you basically swipe to 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 confirm them, them confirm yeah. them and they leave the board but the more you do of that in a row the higher your combo so you want to fill the board as much as possible with your words and then swipe them all off in one go to build up but a big swipe combo. the smaller ones first so that you build the combo up quickly and then if you get a combo that because it goes up to kind of times two if you've got the yeah if you're on a two combo for all the big words, then you're going to get loads and loads of uh, points. Yeah. And then there are gubbins, which are these extra cards that you can place that give you... There are good gubbins that give you extra things. So there's one that's a pencil that can take the place of any letter. Or there's one that gives you ING, so you can use that to add to the end of a word. Mm. Um, or one that like splits all the tiles into single cards. Because like some one. of them are like two or three letters in one that you have to use in sequence. But if you use that card, you can yeah. split them. And then there are bad gubbins that sort of automatically get thrown in. And you can choose what it's going to be, but you have to deal with it. Yeah. And it might be that it adds a, like a huge dump of extra tiles on the board that can mess up your word combos. Or mm. it adds in XYZs, which can be quite hard to use. Or other things that get in the way and can really screw you over if you're planning to like fill out a word and yeah. then a bad gubbin comes in and messes it up it's really irritating i refuse to use any bad gubbins that takes words away or letters away no no sometimes they're good are they so there's one that oh, will it... remove the one underneath oh actually that's a good yeah oh yeah you, that could and be useful that can be useful depending on where it comes up because so we've been doing the daily puzzle it's a free game we should say as well but you only get one play a day and but they do a daily one, so and we've just is, been doing those. Yeah, there's there's like the classic mode, which is just empty, and you can just fill out however many words. Yeah. There's daily mode, which is a puzzle yeah. where there will be something on the board filled out. So I think yesterday's was literally an F shape filled with tiles of Fs, uh, and you're like, well, how the hell do I, I get an that with F? D before? And annoyingly, faff did not count. And interesting, that's actually quite interesting because they've done that before with the letter D, yep. and they've done it with the letter E. Mm -hmm. And now with that, oh, so I'm going to be genius. Maybe it's every week, like on a specific yeah, day. Yeah, yeah. But I actually, I but sometimes the... that one that gets rid of cards for you, mm -hmm. if it's like filled out like that, and so there's a load of Fs, and you're like, well, I don't want to use them. You can actually use that bad gubbin and hope that it gets rid of one of the Fs mm. for you. So it can uh, be useful. Yeah, but I've actually been. Um, I bought the upgrade for it, 
which cost me £10. And it just unlocks everything. So I can get unlimited ones. I've got, yeah, I can't remember what the other modes are, but there are, because, yeah, you say that there was the daily mode, there's the um, classic mode, which you can play, but there's also another one as well. Um, oh, here we go. I've got some new things just for logging in. And then the pencil, which is just letters and pencils. I think that's kind of like you write as whatever you want. Oh, okay. It's like the creative mode, yeah. sandbox. Um, but yeah, oh, I've got a zero day streak. I didn't realize it kept my streak. Um, Lol. But yeah, you can go in there. There's So when you get at the end of it, you get your scorecard. But I think just before we move on, actually, because the, the daily one, everybody gets the same one. Mm -hmm. So they have all the same cards in all the same order. Everybody gets exactly the same game. So that's kind of like the competitive one. And we always post it in the, the Discord yeah. when we do it and kind of, yeah, you usually beat me, and then every now and again I'll beat you. And you I think I've still, a lot recently. I think I've still got the the record, which is like eight thousand nine hundred yeah, something. Yeah. We'll get that. <laughs> but it's just a lot. It's a really good fun game, and it's really cute because at the end you get the scorecard, and the scorecard will tell you how much you know what score you got, but it'll also show you the most like the the, the highest scoring words. Yeah, the highest scoring like eight or ten words. But you can also decorate it with images that you've unlocked, which are really cute kind of pastely art style, like kind of drawn, hand-drawn art style. And also you can create um, like stickers of words that you've made. So if you've written the word like coming or, you know, uh, fornicate or whatever, like something disgusting. I mean, the, the secret extra layer of the game is like what rude words can you put in? Yes. And mine Obviously. are... What I words? definitely had wank the other day. Yeah. Which I then put on my score. Had card. a wank the other day. And yeah, you, you had sexiest and naughty last night. Yeah, I did. Um, Chaddy yesterday had dogging, <laughs> which is apparently a word that they, uh, they allow. In the, I, oh, yeah, you had edging and wank. Yeah, there you go. Um, and quim. <laughs> uh, I, I'm that's, that's the secret extra game. It makes it more fun. It does make it more fun. Yeah, the rude. I think that should be like an extra thing. You get the bonus for the one with the, the rudest word. I'm trying to find out. I had a really, really good one. Oh, I had a disgusting word. EA. Oh. Um, oh, I had sperm. Um, I had cunts and arse in the same one. Wow. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that was great. Oh, and trimmings. I know that's just a very long word rather than a rude one. But yeah, edging and gay. <laughs> so Standard. yeah, brilliant game. And it's it's a fun little, I mean, I don't think it's the game of the year, no. but it's it's a fun little diversion that we've got quite into yeah. on a daily basis. I feel like this has just replaced us talking about what we've been playing on uh, on the podcast with yeah. uh, Gubbins. Coral Island finally released and it's, I've not played enough of it, unfortunately, to kind of give a summation of what the 1.0 version is like, which is a bit disappointing because the early access completely grabbed me. I loved it and I had to put it down because I was like, I'm going to wait for 1.0 so I can kind of properly dive in when there's a lot of things that have been added. But apparently there are some glitches in it. So people have said kind of wait a bit. Mm -hmm. Um but no, it's, it's again, it's one of those farming games where you make friends and you, you have relations with the uh, inhabitants of the island. Who are very hot. Are very hot and wonderfully diverse and interesting characters, unique. And then, yeah, you, you're submitting things to a museum. You're, but there's like, is there a snail race? Was that one? Or was that in a different game? I've got no idea. I think it's like dog. There's some kind of racing in there there's a pet shop in there now that you can adopt dogs and cats and other animals as well it is one it's probably the best one it's like since animal crossing and stardew valley this is definitely 
been the one that I've been most looking forward to and I think is the best, but I need to play so more. So briefly, why? Like, because we've talked about mm. other ones here, like Fae yeah. Farm and Pallia and whatever, Roots of Pasha. Why, why is this one the best of those? Because the people are hotter in it. Simple. Done. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, but there's a lot to do. There's a lot of depth to it and it does what a lot of those other games do, but it just does it really well. Like the, the, the mining section where you go in and you're uncovering rocks and you're kind of doing some mining so that you can create whatever, you know, so you can create ores and you can start making, you know, um, sprinklers or you can start making various other things to make your farm look nice or to make your, yeah, the farm where your, uh, where your house is nice. That kind of, you know, the typical slog that they that you do in those kind of games is just a lot more detailed, a lot more fun. There's things to uncover all the time. It's not just repetitive mindlessness. Um, and the characters are hot. Nice. Mm. Is it, it a game of the year? It would be if I'd played a lot more of it, I think. Okay. Um, which I'm disappointed in myself for not playing more of it. Okay. Um, the next couple are ones that I've played. We've got Super Mario RPG. It's three ones. I loved this. I had a lovely time playing it. Um, I feel like with our remastered rule, because yep. it's not a completely different game, it is a remastered version. I don't think it counts, but I, I had a lovely time playing this and I would thoroughly recommend it. Wunderbar. Stars in Time. This is a very recent game that is a top-down RPG. Um... And it starts at the end of an RPG adventure. It starts with you going off to essentially kill the final boss as your team. Oh. Um, except for you die on the way. And when that happens, you wake up at the beginning of the game again. Yeah. And so it's all about loops. So it's an RPG where you're kind of basically looping and going back through it. I haven't played a huge amount of this. I've played a okay. bit of it, which is why it's on the list. I haven't played a huge amount of it. It's very cute. Um, it's all in black and white style graphics, which honestly I was playing on the Switch handheld and genuinely made me like visually, I felt a bit ill, like a bit cross-eyed playing it because I think it's black and white and it's got not a great frame rate, if I'm honest, um, which was what wasn't ideal. But the idea of the game sounds great. It's also uh, like full of queer characters. Um, so I think if you're into sort of queer RPGs, I feel like I can fell and stuff like that. This is that kind of game, and I think will appeal to a lot of people who are in our community. Hmm. So I, I want to recommend it as a game people should look out for. Um, I haven't played enough of it at this yeah. point. I mean, we are we have the flag up there. We are an LGBTQIA plus uh, streaming and gaming podcast, so yeah. we'll yeah, highlight that out. And I, I missed it kind of when I was talking about Coral Island, but yeah, the people are hot, but they're also every kind of body shape you can think of. Mm -hmm. There's lots of different uh, races in the game, and um yeah like lots of queer characters so it's you get seen you so love to good. see it representation matters a highland song is another game that's very recent that i've only played a small amount of oh, i thought you finished it um oh, no you, no, you, you only played difficult. a small amount of it um you play as this young girl who is up in scotland and she goes hiking in the highlands okay. and you have to get to a lighthouse um where her uncle is but you have to map out the highlands as you go, and it's all on like a 2D plane. Mm. Um, it sort of becomes a rhythm game at points as well. So there are moments where, like if she's running down a hill, um, it suddenly becomes a rhythm game where she sprints and like this sort of highland jig starts playing with like, you know, violins and stuff. Um, and you have to press button taps at the, at the right moment to make her jump over obstacles mm. and, and stuff. So it sort of becomes a rhythm game at that moment. There's also... 
like survival elements. You know, she her health goes down, and so you have to find places to rest at night. Um, and if it's out in the open in the rain, she has a health drop and things like that. Um, and you you don't have a map, so or you do have a map, but it's not listed and labeled with all the different mountains mm. so you have to identify them as you go in order to cross over to the next bit of the level and, and progress onwards um it seems really lovely it's there's a lot more to it than than i thought there was going to be at first um and it's got a lovely like hand-drawn art style and it's all very very scottish um it's set in the highlands it's all scottish characters scottish music um it's a really lovely game i haven't played too much of it but it's on the list because i've played a, a bit mm. of it i like a um, game like that yeah, Scottish. it seems really lovely and and sort of authentic, which more is nice. Scottish games, please. And more games like from like small communities, small communities like Scotland. But Chia, for example, that was Polynesia. Yes, somewhere there. Yeah, I've totally forgotten. I apologize, but yeah. but yeah. So I do like those kind of games that bring attention to a place that you probably never will visit. I mean, I will visit Scotland, but like. Yeah. There are many people that won't, but it's it just it highlights their culture. A specific, and their... It's a very specific culture. Yeah. yeah. Right then, Steamworld build I played. It is a well, oh God, what is it, like a city building game, akin to um, Anno, that kind of thing, where you start off with a small little village and it grows bigger and bigger and bigger. Um, it's set in a very kind of steampunk style world in the wild west and yeah you have to grow this small little mining town into a, a big metropolis and it's kind of cutesy you're playing i think they're all robots if i can remember <laughs> rightly everybody's a robot in this game it's i mean steam world it's based in the steam world universe where steam world digs has been and which people loved yep and steam world heist was another one i think so yeah um and yeah so it starts off like that and i was like okay this is this is fun it played well. It had nice frame rates. It, you know, it looks very, very polished. And then they were like, oh, now you've got this. You can go into a mine. Like, you can do some mining. And I'm like, okay, I'll do mining. And then it takes you into a mine. And it's like a whole other game. Like they said before, it was a city building, tower defense. Like uh, there's another section in it as well. But like, yeah, literally when I went into the mine, I didn't get to the tower defense. I think that's on a different level uh, of the mine. But I spent quite a long time in there kind of working out puzzles and mining in there and yeah, getting resources from that. So it turns into a bit of a survival game pretty much. Okay. Yeah. I think it, it, the best way to describe it when you go into the mine is a survival because yeah, you're, you're mining, um, ores and various things to kind of build new, uh, devices that you can then use to explore even further. So it's just, it's a really fresh game. Like it, it has a city building side to it, which is has a really cool, unique art style in the in the SteamWorld universe. And then, yeah, you, once you go into the mine, it's a completely different type of game in there. And then also, yeah, there's uh, apparently there's a tower defense section, which I think I think uh, our community member Mr. Wibble said he was like on the third level of the mine, and it's gone a bit tower defensey. So hmm. I played a fair bit of it i've also played a little bit on the steam deck uh, not steam deck on the um playstation portal it ran really well on there too obviously it's just kind of streaming it from your um but yeah i actually played it on the playstation which for these type of games is a bit yeah unusual. a sort of management type game you generally want a mouse and keyboard yeah another you know closure here disclosure here i did it as a sponsored stream and i i delivered they're like what would you like it on i was like i'm gonna say playstation like ps5 because 
I want to see what it's like, what this type of game is like on there. And they were like, they said that they have created the game from the ground up with controllers in mind and like right. with PlayStation, which I appreciate a lot, especially these kind of games. They want more and more people to play it. I mean, City Skylines um, is out and Planet Coaster is out on the PS5 mm-hmm. or, on, or on consoles with a, uh, with a controller. So yeah, the more people can play it, the better. Nice. And uh, yeah, so it's good. It's not going to be in the top 10, but it is a solid game. Okay. The last one for me is Jusson, mm-hmm. which... Um, you got frustrated at. Did I? Yeah, you're getting very angry because you couldn't grab onto things. I don't remember that. Yeah. You get falling oh, I and lo- getting angry. I thought I had a lovely time. It's it's a three-hour game, so it's one you could just whip through in an afternoon. You said I that about Cocoon and it took like yeah. nine. I played it a couple of weeks ago. It's a game all about climbing. And so as as you have done in multiple games previously, you else. start at the bottom of a mountain and you have to climb to the top. Is it less stressful than Celeste? Yes. Um, but it has an interesting um, climbing mechanic in that you use the shoulder buttons mm-hmm. essentially as your hands. So you have to reach up and grab and then reach up and grab and then let go and then reach up and grab again. That's grow home. Um, there you go. Um, in order to sort of climb your way up. And there's it's, there's lots of puzzle solving in terms of like your route through climbing. So it's it's replicating that feeling of climbing a wall. Um, they do that in Gang Beast as well, don't they? A little bit, yeah. So um, <laughs> Very it, similar it, game. it has an interesting gameplay mechanic in, in that sense. Um, it's also sort of journey-esque. Um, again, you're climbing a mountain. Um, but it's it's quite minimal. It has a very interesting art style. It's almost sort of made of clay, almost, uh, the sort of world and people. Um, lovely music as well, uh, and quite a minimalist, ambiguous mm. storyline. Um, we all love that sort of thing, uh, at least I do. Um, I think it was quite predictable where the story was going, um, which I won't spoil, but I felt like from the beginning it was fairly obvious sort of what's happening. It has a slight environmental um, message, I think. Oh, is it a bit just up oil? No, it's got nothing to do with oil. It's got a lot to do with water and water levels. Um, so it, it was a it was a really lovely game. I, I don't think it's it was as special as Journey or others of, of that sort of game. Um, but as a Game Pass game for like three hours on a Sunday afternoon, it's a really lovely game and I that I would absolutely recommend. Yeah. It, it's not a top 10 for me, but I think it's a lovely game. Hmm. Great. Um, very, very quickly, Dragon Quest Monsters of the Dark Prince. I played a little bit. I didn't like it. <laughs> Great. It didn't play... It Like, the performance was really bad. It l- made Pokemon Scarlet and Violet look kind of nice. <laughs> I mean, that's saying something. And um, I and then it got a bit grindy quite quickly, and I just did not have the interest in it. But there are people who love it. It's made by Square Enix, who doesn't love Dragon Quest. Like, some of these Dragon Quest sides... I've never played a Dragon Quest game. Some of these Dragon Quest side games can be quite... Fun. like Dragon Quest Builders is brilliant. You, you've never played it? I've never played a Dragon Quest play game Play a bit of Dragon Quest Build. The first I, one I ever no, played I want to play. I want to play 11. Yeah. That's the one on Game Pass. I want that 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 classic Dragon Quest experience yeah. first. Well, you do, once you've done that, go and play Dragon Quest Builders 2 because it's hilarious. Okay. It's really, really funny. There's lots of gay jokes. Oh. In good gay jokes. Gays? In yeah. my Dragon Quest? I know. Wow. Maybe people will be like, hey, actually, it wasn't that good uh, <laughs> for representation. But yeah, 
let's see. So we've now got, we've now gone through it and we have a short list, one, a shortish list. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17. So we only need three. No, what am I talking about? We, we only need seven. seven to go. Yeah. Uh, we, yeah. I don't know what I was about to say. Let's go and... Are there any that we can get rid of fairly quickly? Well, I was thinking the other way around. Like, which ones should we lock in? Hi-Fi Rush Octopath, maybe not. Resident Evil 4 and Survivor. Tears of the King. Tears of the Kingdom, I think. Okay, we can lock in Tears of the Kingdom. Um, I think we can lock in Final Fantasy 16. 16, yeah. I think we can lock in Pikmin 4. Yep. I think we can lock in Baldur's Gate 3. Yep. I think we can lock in Sea of Stars. Yep. Um, I think we can lock in Cocoon. Yep. Um, I think they're the actual, yeah, they're the very much locked in ones. How many is that? Three, four, five, six. So we've only got four to get from the rest. Wow. <laughs> we always say that like, oh, it's 10 games. What, you know, how hard can it be? But then 10 is like less than one a month. So, there were a couple in here that you have put here, but said that they were slightly borderline, and the same with me. So, I think we're going to have to be ruthless and just cut. Okay, you cut one, and I'll cut one. We'll take it in turns. Okay. Well, it's a lovely game. Had I finished it, mm -hmm. um, I probably would say it's like the best RPG, or one of the best RPGs. But I'm going to cut Octopath Traveler 2. Also, because we've got that and Sea of Stars that are both sort of retro style RPGs. And for me, Sea of Stars, I preferred yep. to Octopath. And we've only got space for one, I'm afraid. That's fine. I'm going to cut City Skylines 2. Okay. Um, because like I said, if that game had come out and they said, hey, this is early access. Oh, got my burps. Um, and they said that it was... So City Skylines 2, I didn't talk about that, did I? No. Um, but I'm going to cut it. It's... It's really addictive. I've played many, many hours in this. It's probably one of my most played games of the year, uh, literally just through streaming. I could have done it. So I was doing a um, reverse 24-hour subathon where subs kind of cut the uh, time down and I needed to kill quite a bit of time at the end. And one of them was, I just started playing City Skylines 2 and I'm like, genuinely, I could play that game for 24 hours and not get bored. Like, it is such an addictive game. But like there are issues with it. Like the frame rate is kind of poor especially when you've got a larger uh place the kind of the auto terrain so when you put a, a building down or if you put some housing down and it's not quite flat terrain it just becomes these weird kind of cliffs um that just doesn't work well with the style but the like getting the traffic management set up and developing a city just going from like a small town or like not even a small town like a, a hamlet with a very few houses and the odd shop to becoming this giant metropolis and like having the progression of it and seeing it grow and then going back. Oh, I remember when that was the main street or I remember when this just had a few houses and now it's got like skyscrapers and trams and all that going around it and as an underground that, that kind of progression just feels really, really rewarding. Um, but like I said, if that game had come out and they said, Hey, this is early access. We're going to keep adding to it and keep improving it. And then the full release will be next year. Um, but anybody that gets early access will, you know, get this free upgrade to 1.0 and we've knocked £10 off the price. I just feel like they would have had so much more goodwill than the little, the kind of disaster that happened when it came out. Mm. So I'm very sad to lose it and it's definitely in my top 10 
um, because I just love playing it, but I know that it's not faultless. Okay. Your turn. Right. I mean, there, there are obvious ones here that, that, that I think you'll pick. So I feel like I need to be ruthless of the games that I've played. <laughs> well, should we just go through it and be a bit ruthless? Hi-Fi Rush, I think, is borderline, and we should maybe skip that. What? What do you mean? Like borderline... For me, it's a top 10. Oh, yeah, I mean, I'm... Okay. Yeah, I mean, that's why I'm... I, I don't think that's one that we can cut. No. Resi 4, I think that's also similar to Hi-Fi Rush. Yes. Jedi Survivor... I know how much you dislike it, so let's get rid of that. I don't dislike it. It's not a bad game. I just don't think it's special. It's No. And considering the top 10 games of this year and how special the other games in this list are going to be, mm. I don't think it deserves a place. I would say that it's quite similar. Like It's, it's definitely improved on Jedi Fallen Order, um, but it's kind of more of the same. But then again, Resident Evil 4 is literally a remake. <laughs> Runs really well. It runs really well. Yeah, and this <laughs> didn't at first, but there are some. Yeah, it. There's I'm still fine some original ideas in four. Yeah, um, four was a better game. Like the original was probably better than Fallen Order. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I think F one twenty three. We could be brutal, but also having that in the top ten <laughs> with the amount of fun I had and the amount of fun that you would probably have playing it as well. Would I? You need to play that career mode. Should we play some tonight? No. No? No. Are you ever going to? No. Oh, you're not actually going to play it? Uh, no, well, I might do at some point, if there's if there's time. I'm going to skip past just to see if there are others first. Okay. Dave the Diver, I think, is also borderline, but I'm, mm-hmm. I love it. And to be honest, it's, of all the games that we've spoken about um, recording the last podcast and this podcast, the one game I want to go back to is Dave the Diver. Okay. So I think, yeah, we'll skip past that one. And with cost six, what do you think? Looking at the ones left that I've played and thinking about what I enjoyed, what I had fun with, um, I enjoyed Armored Core. I think it has great combat that is very well done, but the rest around the game, I don't think lives up to how good the combat is. Like the story didn't quite grab me. The world is is, is a bit repetitive. It's not the best looking game in the world. Mm. Um, I, I sort of, I do wish there was a bit more to it than just the combat. The combat alone it, it makes it a brilliant game. But um, yeah, I think we can get rid of that. I think I'm going to get rid of F1. Because I'm just looking at, we've got three of these to choose and I don't think it is. Maybe next year we'll do a top 20. No. I think we will. Top 10. Well, we, we, the, got, there will we were, be a top we've 10 We've basically just had a top 17, so... Yeah, but like an ordered top 20 and then we can put the kind of the quirky ones in the <laughs> 11 to 20 okay. and uh, okay ah, Lies of P See, I've only played up until the second major boss, but like what I played of it, I loved. I love the art style, I love the combat, I just think it's really fluid. It looks stunning on RTV. <laughs> Not that that kind of impacts, well. but it just it feels really, really good to play. And when I lose at that game, I know that it's not, it's me. It's not the game screwing me up. It's not the camera getting lost. It's like, I feel like everything in there is beatable. And I don't know, I just enjoy playing it. So everything you've just said makes it a great Souls-like because that's what Souls-likes are about. Mm-hmm. Um, it's It's overcoming the odds and knowing that 
the combat and the battle system is fair um, and you just need to sort of learn and, and improve in order to get over it. Um, I really enjoyed Liza P. I think it's better than people maybe give it credit for. I think the I think reviews... People have been saying they love it. Yeah, I think over time people have realised actually it's really good. There was the sort of Liza P and Laws of Fallen mm. came out around the same time and it was very much which is going to be the better souls. Like for me, there was absolutely no competition as Liza P by a mile. I think people agree. Um, I think it has a really interesting world and style. It's it's a twist on Pinocchio, the story of, um, but done in a very dark, twisted, soulsy kind of way, um, which makes it interesting. I think it has its own sort of rhythm to combat that is different it's sort of inspired by all the other souls games and souls born games um it's quite sekiro-esque in, um, in in the use of the perfect block mm-hmm. um so it's it's a very good souls game and it does have its own style and twist but there's no denying the fact that it is aping from soft and it it's got some of its own ideas but it's still, and the developers them, themselves said, like, we want to take on FromSoft. So they recognize that Souls-likes mm-hmm. are a genre that FromSoft has created and they want to do their own spin on it. Now, I would say Liza P is probably the best Souls-like that I've played that isn't by FromSoft. And that, I think, is very high praise for Liza P. Yeah. But it still doesn't live up to what FromSoft have done for me. You're saying that like... It- so I'm obviously doing my Let's Plays and one of them, one of the ones that people do that are really fun and popular and I think I might do one is a kind of a Soulsy-like game playing through. And if I had to pick one, I would probably pick Sekiro. Okay. Because I just enjoyed that com. I enjoyed the combat. I enjoyed like the parrying mm-hmm. and the traversal. And I also quite liked that you couldn't, like I hated it, but I also liked the fact that you couldn't grind because it means that everything is achievable. Mm-hmm. You know that you're not 10 levels too low and it's just pointless going and doing something. It's like, no, you can. Um, I wish it was like top 15 because like Liza P, I feel, deserves to be on there. It's it's a great game and it's a sad loss to not have it in the top 10. Um, I just, it's, it's, for me, I just think it's aping FromSoft a little too closely. As much as they do have their own twists mm-hmm. um, and spins on it, like I, I picked it up and immediately knew what to do and sort of jumped into it, which yeah, it, makes that, it intuitive, but also makes it very close to Souls. But also, yeah, for me, an intuitive game is like two points immediately to the score. Like if a game feels intuitive Fair. to play, because there's some that are just not in the slightest. Yeah. Um, now, I guess the thing is that, you, could, like, you could argue that, that something mm. like... If we're saying that Liza P maybe isn't the most original game in the world, you could kind of argue that about Spider-Man. You could argue that about Mario Wonder. You could Resident argue Evil that 4. about Resi 4. We're not going for the most original game. We're going for like the game that we think is the best. Yeah. That we would recommend, maybe. Even though I, I, I wouldn't say that our top 10 is based on games we would recommend. It's we'd, what we had the most fun playing. Yeah. And what we'd recommend if you like that type of game. It's, I mean, it's up to you to decide whether the top 10 are ones that you like. Damn it, we've got some expensive games in here, Ed. <laughs> By the way, once we've cut it down to 10, we'll do the second question. So get thinking. Oh, God. <laughs> I don't remember what we've talked about. <laughs> um. So, yeah, so I think 
Do you think Liza P is not as good as Day the Diver, Resident Evil 4 or Hi-Fi Rush? I think Liza P is better than Dave the Diver. That's probably very controversial. Um, I haven't played enough of Dave the Diver. I personally preferred Liza P. Um, I think Hi-Fi Rush and Resi 4 are maybe better games. Mm-hmm. If you if you want to be super, super ruthless, I sort of don't mind getting rid of Resi 4 because it is a remake. But it's a brilliant game. See, what I played Resi 4, I love. <laughs> but I love that kind of... I love the remake, the Capcom Resident Evil remake, just from the style. And I mean, the combat and like the traversal and stuff is a bit fiddly, mm. but I think they always are. Um, so that's my, kind of the thing that lets it down. Okay, there are two at the bottom we haven't talked about yet. Yes. Which are Marvel Spider-Man 2 mm-hmm. and Super Mario Brothers Wonder. Wonder, yeah. This can be the last time we have an argument about how you pronounce it. Yes. Because we both now finished it, and this will be the last game. Did you finish Wonder? Oh, sorry, not my... I'm talking about Spider-Man. See, yeah. it's been... My brain... My brain's gone. So... But I will finish it, actually, because that's a, a fun game. It is. Super Mario Brothers Wonder is a very fun game. It's very imaginative. Um, the Wonder Flower does sort of put twists on stuff, and, and that's great. Um, I, th- I love the music levels in it. I think it's it's a very good... 2D Mario platformer. Does it make you want to go back? Now you finish it, does it make you want to go back and try and complete 100% all the levels? Yes, because I, okay, didn't, good. I didn't get the Wonder Flower in every one. So I want to know what all the effects are at the very least. Oh, you didn't get all? Okay, interesting. Not all of them. I sort of got through it and was like, oh, I'll come back to it. So I want to do that. I think for me, I, I enjoy a Mario game. I like Mario a lot. I tend to prefer the 3D games over the 2D ones because I find the 2D games a bit repetitive. And Mario Wonder does put a new spin on it with the Wonder Flower, which is interesting. But I still feel a bit like it's still Mario. And whereas I'm really looking forward to what's going to be next from the Mario Odyssey team, because for me, that's a bigger evolution of the Mario formula. Um, So for me, like Mario 64, Mario Galaxy, Mario Odyssey, they're the Mario games that I really enjoy Mm -hmm. more than the 2D ones that are a bit more, okay, I'm running to the right, fine. And that's massively simplifying Mario. I completely appreciate that. Um, but for that reason, those the, the 2D games just don't quite grab me as much. I had a really enjoyable time playing it. Um, I think maybe some of the other games on the list I was a bit more excited by. Yeah, I see. One of the things I love about video games, like to me, a game a game is brilliant when it does something unique and different, especially when it does something unique and different every single level. And I think Super Mario Brothers Wonder is like a 10 out of 10 game when it comes to imagination. And if you want a Mario game, if you want a 2D Mario game, that is perfect for you. Mm-hmm. And it's going to keep you entertained 100%. It just ticks every single box. Um, if you're not into them, it probably won't. But I mean, all those games are going to be for specific people uh, and not all of them. There isn't any game on there. I don't think that's for everyone. It's just, it is very, very polished. It's difficult because there's so many really good games up there. There are. Um, I mean, the last one to speak about that isn't guaranteed is Spider-Man 2. Now, you've just finished that. Mm-hmm. And I guess maybe that's fresh in your memory. Mm-hmm. So how much did you enjoy it? I loved it. I thought the story was really interesting to follow. I love the way that they've 
introduced obviously like it was you're playing as miles and as peter um should we do a little bit of a spoilery stuff maybe not too spoilery okay well there are parts of the game where you play as mary jane mm -hmm. mj and it's stealth and mm -hmm. i didn't like that <laughs> at all fine and, every, and there were like four or five parts of that and that kind of every time that happened i was like oh fuck's sake mm -hmm. um there is another person that you control at one point, which is freaking amazing. Mm -hmm. um, but it doesn't... Similar to kind of games we've spoken about before, like Jedi Survivor, it improves on the original, but it doesn't necessarily bring anything new. It's just some more world activities that are slightly different to the first one. See, that's where I actually disagree with you. Because oh. I don't think it's better than the previous ones. Oh. I actually still prefer Mars Morales. Because I think Miles Morales is a more compact yeah, yeah. game and I was drawn into the story more. The story of this... I mean, look, in terms of storytelling and like performances You're, and stuff no, like yeah, that, I agree it's with great. You. No, I agree with you. I think it's better than the first one. I think it's better than Spider-Man 1. But I think the... Yeah, Miles Morales though is... Even though it is obviously a sequel and you know it's the game in the middle, it's its very own unique compact story. I still don't think I agree with you. No. I, I I know I I I think I just prefer playing as one Spider-Man. I think for me, they it's the it's the typical thing of sequels are like bigger and better, mm -hmm. and I feel like they've thrown in, uh, you know, they make you play as two characters now, and there are so many villains and so many story threads that there's so much going on. There are some really cool moments within that, but there's so much going on that I don't think they were individually developed enough. And the so three skill trees nice... are just a pain in the ass. Yeah. For me, I'm like, I'd rather just have one Spider-Man with one story thread that I can just focus on and enjoy and then give me side activities with some cool stuff in it. Mm -hmm. So for me, it was just a little bit too all over the place. And I don't think there were any significant improvements in terms of combat or anything like that. It feels to me like, okay, you get a wingsuit, you can fly. Great. Okay, there's a parry system. I barely used it. Um, oh, parry? I don't understand how you didn't use the parry system like i needed that all the time for the last few boss battles maybe in the bosses they're, they're but very, i have to dodge little, most of the time they're a lot more gen like i feel like the parry gets a lot easier later on fair because there's certain parry there's ones where like because it's, it's a bit annoying because playing god of war it has different color schemes so a red attack is the one that you can parry whereas a blue one you can't you have to kind of dodge out of the way for spider-man Oh, it's the yes, it's the other way around in uh, Yeah, in but the yeah. red the red parries, some of the red parries are like big red kind of glowy things. It, it, instead of it being quite a small circle, it's like quite a big one. And that gives you a little bit more opportunity. But when you do it, you do like a proper parry attack back yeah. rather than just a block. Um, and those, like you, you can, like I actually beat the final boss thanks to a lot of those parries. So... I got the hang of it. Even someone, I think Dan, thank you, Dan, in the comments in my playthrough was like, oh, you've nailed the parrying now. Yeah. And that felt a, that felt really good. I love a game with a good parry. That's one of the reasons why I like Sekiro from what fair. I played of it. So, but I totally agree with you. And I think having three skill trees was just ridiculous. And that, that's yeah. one reason why I really disliked, well, I really disliked it. The one thing that I really disliked in God of War, Ragnarok, especially when they mm. give you your skill tree and then you start putting things into the skill tree. And then they're like, hey, here's another one. You're like, oh, for fuck's sake. And then there's another one that you've got. And then there's a skill tree that initially was really small and now it's fully expanded. I'm like, I just don't have the time. No. I don't want to X. Because then you've got to kind of memorize. And that's, just, again, with Spider-Man, you have to kind of memorize all the different 
um, all the different uh, skills that you've unlocked. Mm. Like it's like, oh, if you're swinging and if you press circle around this thing, you can quickly do a, uh, you know, like handbrake turn around a, on a web around a building. And I'm like, okay, I can't remember that. Yeah. So there's there are lots of moves and stuff that they add, but I don't remember most of them. And I, I did really, really enjoy it. And I'm going to go and get the platinum. But it's it's not something that is incredible. And I wouldn't recommend someone play it if they hadn't played the first two. Okay. Can we get rid of that? Spider-Man. Yeah. It's it's harsh. Like Spider-Man is a it's a it's a brilliant game. It's a really fun action game. It's got some great moments. I just I don't think it was necessarily an improvement on what they'd already done in the past. No. And although I'm interested to see where they go now. Yes. Especially with the leak. I'm yes. very intrigued to see if the game that they leaked that's coming out in two years, how that even happens. Mm. Is it a yeah, we'll see. Um, but no, I mean, it, this is not necessarily about like which are the most successful games or the best-selling games because otherwise Hogwarts would be on there, which it isn't. No. So yeah, it's fine. We'll get rid of that. It's harsh, but yeah. But that means we've got, wait, one, two, three, four, five, we need six. Good ones. Oh, wait. Yes. Oh, we only got six. I thought we had seven then for some reason. Um, one, two, three, four, five, six. Yes. So we need to get rid of one. It's either Hi-Fi Rush, Resi 4, Dave the Diver, Lies of P... Or Super Mario Brothers Wonder. What would yours be? I'd still get rid of Liza P. Okay. I would go with... Which is weird because you finished it. And I, I mean, I'm happy with Liza P, but I, out of all those, I would probably get rid of Super Mario Brothers Wonder. I think Mario Brothers Wonder is... The more creative if it's between those yeah. two it's the more creative and exciting game um it's one you want to pick up Liza p is like it, it, i i really enjoyed it don't get me wrong and i and i love a souls like um but i don't think it's like the best of the genre whereas mario wonder is like is a really really good 2d platformer mm -hmm. it which is a very overcrowded market um and it's a very good Mario game, which is also a very overcrowded market. Mm. Um, I think it's slightly more exciting than and the fact, P. The fact that Mario Bros. can just hit, like bring out hit after hit after hit when there's Sonic that comes out with shit after shit after shit. Well, not always. Um, look, I, I don't think Mario Wonder is going to be like the top five, but I, I think it's deserving of a place mm. in the top ten. I think Liza P is, is a decent game and is a lot of fun, but it's not the most original mm. in the world. Fine, we can get rid of Liza P. Uh, it's weird because like, yeah, we were talking about the top 10. I'm like, in my head, I'm like, oh, Liza P is going to be easier, like top six. No, I didn't <laughs> Actually, think it would when be you, at all. When you think about it, there's so many good games. Okay, so in, and this is the order kind of that they were released. Uh, we've got Hi-Fi Rush, Resident Evil 4, The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom, Final Fantasy 16, Dave the Diver, Pikmin 4, Baldur's Gate 3, Sea of Stars, Cocoon, and Super Mario Brothers Wonder. I'm going to quickly pause it while I go and set up the top 10, and you can have a pee if you need. Yes. Right, without look at that. Look how beautiful it looks now. We have the top 10 ready to go in. Um, and we're just going to do it uh, in reverse order. So we'll go by, you know, 10 to 1 and put the games in that we have, uh, that yeah, that we think is worthy of that. So, 10th place. I, my suggestion would be Resident Evil 4. 
Okay. Just because it is a remake of an already existing good game. And it's not reinventing the wheel, but it looks great and it plays pretty well. My suggestion would be Dave the Diver. Okay. And that is because it's probably the one I've played the least out of all of them. All right, fine. <laughs> uh, so I I just haven't been as drawn to that as the others. And I have completed all of the other games apart from Baldur's Gate 3. Wow. So it's just the one I have the least opinion but about. Have you finished Dave Tears of the Kingdom? Okay, fine. Apart from Tears of the Kingdom and Baldur's Gate 3, I, we'll get to Tears of the Kingdom. Mm -hmm. We'll get there. It's fine. There are opinions coming. <laughs> I finished three of those games. Okay. <laughs> well, it is a joint thing, and it yeah, is, I'm so... totally fine with uh, Dave the Diver being in tenth place. It makes sense. Um, if if we put that in tenth, well, if then... you if you absolutely love it and you want it higher, no, I haven't played enough of it to love it. I think. Um, okay. So yeah, Dave the Diver in tenth, and then ninth Resident Evil Four. Or is there? Yeah, a... I can I can accept that. Yes. Okay. It's just Resident Evil Four. It's not called remake, is it? Um. I think I, I it's Googled. known as Resident Evil 4 remake, but it, I think they just called it Resident Evil. If yeah. it's the game of the year 2023, you know it's not the original one that we're talking about. That is true. Um, okay, so let's get rid of Dave the Diver. Probably had a better name as well. Uh, no offense to any Dave listening. So that's in tenth, and in ninth is Resident Evil. Yes. Now, looking at what we've got left, I can see two that might be battling for eighth. And what would they be for you? I would think they'd be Hi-Fi Rush and Super Mario Brothers Wonder. It's absolutely Mario Wonder. Yeah? Hi-Fi Rush is going higher than that, yeah. Oh, we're fighting. <laughs> um, Super Mario Bros. Wonder. And let's get rid of that there. Um, right. <laughs> Now it comes the tricky part. Now we're getting... Yeah, now it gets hard. Not necessarily in a good way. No. For the, by the way, we're obviously like focusing a lot on what we're typing and what we're looking at. So those that are listening to the audio fire, uh, audio version, we've got 10th, 10 Dave the Diver, 9 Resident Evil 4, 8 Super Mario Brothers Wonder, and we've got left to uh, stick in Hi-Fi Rush, Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom, Final Fantasy 16, Pikmin 4... Baldur's Gate 3, Sea of Stars, and Cocoon. I mean, I'm going to be fighting for not many of those. Really? To be up. I think Baldur's Gate 3... Well, let, I'm not going to talk about the ones that we think should be right at the top, but let, let's say, what do you think well, should be in the thing, seven? is that like, I, as we go through this, it's like... All of these could be number one in, mm. in one way or another. Um, in terms of number seven, I think it's between three. Can I guess? Yes. Is it between Cocoon? Mm hmm. 16? Mm hmm. And uh, Baldur's Gate? No. Oh, Hi-Fi Rush. Hi-Fi Rush. Yeah, I was thinking it's that. I didn't know. three. Mm. Now, I guess, like Hi-Fi Rush we've talked about, the more, as we've come to Game of the Year, because Hi-Fi Rush came out in February. Yeah. And it was a very long time ago. 
and I loved it at the in the moment. I was like, this is brilliant. Like I loved you it. Wanted at to the give time. it essential. And then I sort of forgot about it for most of the year. And now it's come to game of the year. The more I look back, the more I'm like, fuck, that game was great. And I really enjoyed it. And I, I really sort of want to want to push for it. Um, but there are other games that have been on my mind a bit more. Um, Cocoon, I loved, you hated and then liked. I it, Yeah, it just made, like I said, I've, I mentioned this on the awards uh, show last week. I felt very stupid playing it. Um, there were moments where I'm like, I, I hit a complete brick wall. But it was the brick walls were mainly because of mechanics that I weren't aware that I could use. Mm-hmm. Like I said last week, there's one where you are you you jump on this thing and it flips you, and you go flip and you go flying from one side of the uh, of the area to the other. But I didn't realize that when you're in midair, you can let go of the orb that you're holding and push it into a thing below you, which then triggers something that's perfect. And like those kind of things. It's a problem with the game, not explaining it maybe to you, but also it's I've had breaks from it. So maybe it's me. Maybe they did actually introduce it at the beginning and I'd just forgotten about it. But like, it just seemed a bit odd, but the, it was just those two brick walls. And as also, I'm very stubborn and I refuse to look on the internet to, for help. Oh, same. Um, but it, I guess, it, it looked cool, but I have no idea what it's about. So we should, we should talk about Cocoon because we actually haven't talked about yeah. it yet. So we what should explain it? what it is. It is a puzzle game. 100%. It is um, a Danish developer, I believe, is it? Um, who made Limbo and Inside, which were both puzzle platformers. I, yeah, I prefer this to those. Interesting. Limbo, I, I thought was do. just a bit depressing and just yes. very black and white. I think I never played... Um, no, sorry, I'm thinking of... Which is the first one? Limbo. Second one was... Inside. Yeah, Inside is the one I watched, but I haven't actually played. Okay. I've heard it's better. Though. It's better than Limbo. It's fucking weird. Um, Cocoon, I think, is better than those games. It is a... Rather than 2D, it's 3D. It's top-down. You are playing as an insect, let's say. Yeah. Insect character. And you go... Th- you, you emerge in this world. And you have to solve puzzles by moving an orb around. And you can pick up the orb and put it into different slots and change the, the environment and solve puzzles with this orb. Then you land on a portal. And you jump on the portal and it takes you out of that world into another world. Um, And the world you were in becomes an orb. Mm. And you then realize that it's essentially world inception where there are worlds within worlds that that become these orbs that you can then move around somewhere else and then jump back into that world to continue there. And there are even parts later on where you've got the current world that you're in inside a world that you're holding yes it's i feel like it sounds absolutely brain aching but the game itself obviously there was bits where i got stuck on a puzzle but it never felt like i am completely like my brain was melting out my ear it it did feel like it made sense and for me that is the genius of the game is that if you try and explain to somebody one of the puzzles at the very end they'll be like what the fuck are you talking about but if you play it from the beginning it doles out ideas bit by bit and very carefully mm. in self-contained areas. So whenever you get to a new area, yes. whenever you get to a new area, it locks off what was behind you. So you know that the solution is always around you and in front of and you. And that helps if you put it down for a little bit. So yes. you put it down for a bit and you come back and you go, Well, I can't really go that many places. So I know that the solution is quite you know, there are only a limited number of things that I can try. Yeah. 
And so it slowly dishes out all these little ideas that slowly builds up to these really complex puzzles across multiple worlds, worlds within worlds. And it's really clever. And But because it so carefully explains things to you, by the time you get to those big puzzles and you work them out, you're like, wow, I did that. I feel like a genius for working that out. And it really, I found it really empowering as a game that I really enjoyed on, solving I the did. puzzles. Yeah. Um, did I didn't think... get as stuck as, as you did. There were the odd moment I got a, stuck, was, but not for too long. It was, I think it was two spots um, right. that got me really. And then when I realized what it was, I was like, why didn't it tell me that this was possible? And like, yeah. so, it, but then it was weird. Like this, the, that was happened twice in the first half. And then I kind of just blitzed through the second half. Obviously, stuck in some parts or at least you know head scratching in moments yeah but i loved it when you're like oh i bet it's this and then you go and do it and like when you kind of get the puzzle immediately or you know exactly what it wants you kind of to do it does feel really rewarding yeah but what did you think to the boss fights in it that i really liked the boss fights so I, there I like is them no, except one there's no combat in this game everything is done with one button and that's the other thing it's very complicated do you mean the, what the, about the sea of stars combat bit where you're hitting the thing forwards and backwards between the two. We'll get to that. <laughs> um, so there's there's no direct combat. It's not like you're running around the world killing enemies. You mm. are just there to solve puzzles. And everything is done with one button, which is basically pick up and put down the orb and or, or do something else on a, on a platform or something. Um, so in that sense, it's very, very minimal. And that is reflected in the, the presentation as well. The art style, I love the art style, um, but it is very minimal. I mean, I loved it. I think it looks gorgeous. But I played yeah. this, by the way, I played this entirely on a Steam Deck. Lovely. And um, it didn't shudder at all. My Steam Deck, every now and again, my Steam Deck started huffing and puffing like a yeah. guy that's just on the marathon, but like it never stuttered and looked gorgeous. I also love the music. It's all very kind of sci fi, eerie, sort of bug like. Uh, yeah, it kind of like that. And that's a bug. And so I, I love the sort of minimalist presentation of it all. Um, and it's all done with one button. And then you get to the, there are boss battles, which are essentially combat, but they work as a puzzle in themselves where you have to like move the orb around uh, and, and and use that to activate things to kill the bosses, yeah. which are also big insects. Yeah, I didn't even realize that. I yeah, wasn't it's, all, it's all insects. I love, yeah, some of the boss battles I love more than others. Uh, and there's weird, like, it didn't get more difficult. Like, I think the one of the last ones I actually was the easiest for me. Yeah. The one where you have to break the legs. I think that's the penultimate one. Okay. Where you smash the legs. Yes. And then there was one where you had your kind of moving opposite. Yes. To a petal opposite. I liked that one. I like that as well. And like near the end, I'm like, oh my God, this is really, I'm really struggling a little bit yeah. with where, like where I need to do it. Um, But like, it's not just kind of carry the orb here and there. There are, for example, the boss fights give you a different... Change, like a change of pace yeah but there's also the bits later on which i don't know if you're going to end up mentioning where you're jumping and you have to hit the certain the the diamond shaped things but every time you fire that, if i'm honest every time you fire there's like a little snake like a, a snake around you that moves so you've got to kind of hit four before you move on to the next one higher so you're, you've been sent into the I air. I vaguely remember that. It's, so I, I played this when it first came out a few months ago, yeah. and I played the entire thing in a day and a bit. So it's a bit. So right at the end, when you're attacking the final boss, mm -hmm. there's a bit where you each time you get, you do one of the completed bits, it sends you up in the air, and you have to hit the, the the, the triangles. At first, you hit one, and then it goes up, and then there's two the black triangle, the black um, diamond shaped things. Oh, I vaguely remember that. Yeah, yeah. so that bit 
was fun and it was like really kind of frantic because if you ran out then you'd drop to the bottom and then you have to restart it again yeah. which i did a couple of times but it was like yeah i just enjoyed that the puzzles had different change like had a complete change of pace every yeah. now and again um but uh, yeah the boss fights seem the one you were puzzly. talking about there's one that's like a back and forth which for me is sort of stolen from zelda mm. because usually when when link and ganon fight he throws orbs of magic at you and you have to hit them back with the master sword and oh. then and you go back and forth like a tennis match and that's basically what that was. Oh, so it reminded I sort me, of took it from Zelda. Reminded me of Sea of Stars when you have to keep tapping a little bit. Things go, yeah. The boomerang, whatever it is. So yeah, for me, Cocoon is deserving of a place here because it's just a very clever game. Yeah. And it's one of those games where it takes an idea that's really simple. Or sorry, it takes an idea that's really complicated and makes it simple. And for me, like, for instance, in writing, that's such a skill to be able to write simply and concisely about something that's really complicated and make people understand it. What was for it me, about? What, Cocoon? Well, that's up for your interpretation. So, oh, that's th cheating. There is th no, it's not. God there moves is, in mysterious ways. There is a, well, I don't want to spoil the ending, um, but there's a, there's a story, there is a sort of loose story that holds it all together, which is the story of this bug and, and who are these what are these worlds and and who is this um who are these bosses that you're fighting um but it's left very minimalist and ambiguous so it's kind of up for your interpretation which personally i sort of i like that that you can have your own view on it um i know that's what you're less keen on in this game yeah i like to have a really you know intelligent easy to follow story like in death stranding okay sure <laughs> um i think Hi-Fi Rush should be seventh. I guess that's the one you've played least of. Yeah, I mean, that's true. But also, it does it develop like Mario Wonder does? So, I mean, Mario Wonder, obviously, like every... Has, well, Hi-Fi Rush. Yeah, does it like... Is it is it a kind of a one-trick pony that does really well? And does it progress? Like, is each level something a little bit different like mario wonder is you know like they've got the new the wonder seed that does something completely different each level so there are different songs that have different styles of music which helps to change things okay. up and there are bosses that have different challenges as well um in in terms of the use of parry and the different styles of music and how it all blends together um i mean it's consistent over yeah. its like runtime but i think it's very inventive and very do you think fun. people might get a bit bored and fall off because it's quite similar each level. Well, I don't care what other people think. Starless. Well, okay. Yeah. I mean, did you, did you get bored at all? No. Well. <laughs> I I'd love Type Fight Rush all the way through. Yeah. I'd, I, if you want to put that at seven, let's put that at seven. That's fine. Because I think Cocoon should be a little higher. Okay. I'm very happy with that. <laughs> I know it would. This would have been Cocoon would have been ten uh, tenth if I hadn't played it the other night. Um. Right. So what we're we talking? Hi Fi Rush. What was the third one? Oh, 16, you were saying. Yeah, Hi-Fi Rush. 16 is the other one. Mm. So, 16 we haven't talked about yet. Can Six, I pause yes. a second? Because I didn't go and pee in that break while I was setting it up, and I really need to go. And we're back. Okay. The way you faked that. Yeah, uh, I would never fake anything. Of course. So I think it's yeah. So 16. it is time to discuss Final Fantasy 16. I think there's the only one apart. Well, actually, no. We've got Baldur's Gate three and Pikmin four to talk about. But and Tears of the Kingdom. Oh, and Sea of Stars. And Sea of Stars. Okay, so no, actually, so we there's have quite a few. But I think the next position is position six, and I think it's probably between 16 and Cocoon. 
And it's so like, Kak- how do you compare the two? <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, Kakeem, we've just talked about. 16, so going into 2023, 16 was the game I was most looking forward to because it's Final Fantasy, which is a series I love. You love it as well. Um, and also, I was really excited about Zelda because that's my number one series. But Tears of the Kingdom, I knew was sort of, I sort of knew what we were getting into. It's mm-hmm. more, you know, it's a sequel to Breath of the Wild, whatever. 16 is a brand new story. It's a completely original game. And I didn't know what to expect. I was super excited about it. It's a game that I guess has meant a lot to us both in the year. Um, I I got to go to previews and play it early. I got to um, interview Yoshida. Um, we got to interview Ben Starr. Um, so in that we both sense... both met Yoshida this year. Yeah. So in that sense, I think 16 is, is on a personal level sort of means a lot to us. Um, as a game specifically... I think it has an incredible opening. I think the first few hours are some of the best storytelling of the year. And don't forget, like, when this game... When 16, everybody... Well, lots and lots of people were sceptical about 16. And then they released the um, the demo, which yeah. was the opening. And the amount of people that had their opinion changed... Like, generally, if you look at the Reddit uh, post about that demo being released, so many people were like, oh, I was worried about this, and now I'm not... Yeah. Like genuinely people were really really excited and hyped about that game because of that that demo was like the perfect way to kind of introduce it introduce it and to get rid of all the people who were very very skeptical about it especially yeah. after something like 15 yeah which i liked but i still. think i think that that opening is brilliant it has such dramatic storytelling it sets up the characters um it does a great job of like setting up the potential of combat mm-hmm. um and it's brilliant. And there are then throughout the game, so many highs and lows. Like it starts at these sort of quiet low moments and then it builds up through like uh, g- uh, sort of world exploring and then dungeons. And then you get to a mini boss and then there's more Then there's a big boss and then there's an icon battle and just the way it escalates. You're like, holy shit. Yeah. Like this is, you know, they described it beforehand as a roller coaster ride. And it definitely felt like that to me when I played it. Um, so there are some phenomenal moments in it. It's it's a really brilliant game. And I need to get the Platinum. In fact, you, that's another game. We were talking about David Diver wanted me to play. I'm like, actually, 16, maybe that'll be the one. I, maybe I'll play that a bit tonight. Mm. I think for me, what I'm not going to get into, by the way, is is it a Final Fantasy game? Because it's got Final Fantasy in the title. That makes it Final Fantasy. I'm not getting into that argument. When people are like, oh, it's action. It's, it's not turn-based. It's Final Fantasy Go VII fuck yourself. Ever Crisis a Final Fantasy game? Yes, because it's got Final Fantasy in the title. A good one. I mean, it's a spin-off, so it's you know less of a of an argument. I agree, hundred percent. Um, I mean, it is an RPG. Yes, there are. I think there are things in it that could be better in yes. terms of an RPG element. Like you could design your build. I mean, you, the great thing is, so instead of kind of designing your build in a specific way of attacking, like a typical like The Witcher would, like maybe you're doing more magic or you're doing more physical, or you can put your points into various things. This. Instead of giving you different weapons, it gives you different icon elements. Mm-hmm. And that's how you kind of customize your playstyle because you can mix the moves from the different icons that you that you get. Yes. And that's the way the that's the way the RPG and customizing side works. Yeah. Whereas a typical RPG, you know, you go do you more defense. You know, like yeah. you think of Elden Ring, that kind of and uh Baldur's Gate three, that kind of focus. Yeah. By the end of the game, once I'd finished it, I had utterly fallen in love with the characters. I think Clive is, is a great protagonist. Especially the side missions um, you were saying. Yeah, well. I, I think Clive is great. I love him as a protagonist. I think it's his story. 
throughout and that it's brilliantly done. There are some really lovely um, side quests at the end that help to flesh out the characters and add to the emotion of it. I love Torgal. Um, Jill's great as well. I ordered that Torgal plushie and I don't think it ever arrived. Because it's not released till like next year. Fuck's sake. Yeah, it was a pre-order, Ben. But like, I didn't realise it was a pre-order for like 12 yeah. months. <laughs> yeah, genuinely. <laughs> oh, um, it better arrive. I've seen people with it though. There you go. Oh. Um, I think it's got great music as well, which also helps. It's a beautiful game as well. Um, so but I, it felt like it grabbed my heart. Um, but I also think it is a deeply flawed game. Um, I think it has some... The more you play it, the more those flaws become apparent. I think the story starts incredibly dramatically in, in, in a really amazing way. I love the return to a medieval fantasy as well. I will say that. Um, I just think that it loses its way towards the end and it becomes... The sort of final third is quite meandering for the story mm. and the way it wraps up at the end is a bit typical of the genre. And I sort of wanted it to be a little bit more imaginative at the end. It's almost like they came up with a great intro and great characters and then didn't quite know what to do and just stuck to typical, stereotypical cliches. Mm. So that annoyed me a bit. I do think some of the quests are really dull. And for me, that is because this is the team behind 14. And as much as we both love 14 and it's a great game, it's an MMO with some very boring fetch quests in it. Yeah. Which I think even people who love 14 will admit that there are some really boring quests in it. Yeah. And this is 16 is the same team. Unfortunately, it has some really boring quests, but without the, you know, the MMO world around you to entertain you in the process. Um, so there are there are some boring quests, unfortunately. Yeah, but there aren't that many side quests, I don't think. Like you can if I'm you not take... even talking side quests. Some of the main oh, quests, wow. it's literally okay, like yeah. like the ones with with um Sid's daughter, mid or whatever her name is. And she's like, oh, can you go and collect these things for me? And you just have to go and do random boring fetch quests. And I'm like, this is not a main mission. Like when the mm. first half is so dramatic with all these peaks and troughs, the second half just has some yeah. really boring quests in it, which annoyed me. I also feel like combat's flawed. I feel, and I was annoyed by that. I wish, like, I think it's going to be more fun to play the combat um, in New Game Plus when you've got all the icon abilities and you can kind of mix around with those. I think, I know it wouldn't have worked kind of story-wise, but if you'd got all those icon abilities in the first quarter of the game and then you kind of level them up and you can focus on different builds with those icon abilities, I think that would that would have been a bit more fun and given a bit more freedom. It would. And playing with Final Fantasy mode does allow you to mix and match more mm. um, between the different abilities. The problem is, is that there aren't there's not enough strategy behind using the different abilities. All it is is just you picking the ones you like. So, for instance, there aren't really any elemental weaknesses in mm. enemies. So, yeah, wh why, yeah. why would you use Ifrit over Shiva, for instance? Like, uh, there's no reason. It's just, what do you like using that's flashy, essentially? Yeah. And I ended up getting into a pattern where I found the abilities that I found staggered, or the ones that staggered the most and the ones that did the most damage. Mm -hmm. And then I basically just use those to stagger enemies as quickly as possible, and then cycle through the through the attacks and rinse and repeat. And you do that for every single boss. And that's how you get through the game. Yeah, And it's annoying because I think at the early stages when you're slowly unlocking the abilities, it's exciting getting new abilities and thinking, oh, how do I mix this into my moveset? Once you unlock them all, you realize that they're all kind of samey. Mm-hmm. And they're just different levels of flashiness. Yeah. So for me, the combat becomes flawed as well by the end. So I feel like it had so much promise and I was so excited by it. 
by the end of it, it just hadn't quite lived up to that promise. And I think that it's not as good as it could have been. But I still feel so drawn to that game. I would happily sit and play it from start to finish again, <laughs> mm-hmm. even though I appreciate that it is that it is flawed. I think there are other games on this list that are all round better, objectively better games that are have less flaws and fewer have flaws. been fewer flaws and have been uh, uh, just better games yeah. on a sort of technical objective level. But at the same time, sixteen really grabbed my heart, and, and, and I loved, personal... I loved, I loved the characters in it, yeah. and I, I, I really had a great time playing it. It's also the mm. PlayStation game I played the most. Yeah, and I, I loved it as well. And I think it's, it's special for this podcast too. Yeah, because we've had Ben on, um, we've met them all, pretty much nearly every voice actor we yeah. in, in sixteen. We've we met at the PlayStation Ball, hanging out with them. A lot of them, yeah. It's just, yeah, it's been, it's a special game. I. I think as well because of those actors, because of the performances, it's a game really that um, that was done in. I think it's the first Final Fantasy game that was written in English and performed in English before they did Japanese. It first, yeah, and therefore maybe that's maybe why we as English speakers prefer it. But I think we can relate to those characters so much and those performances. Just, just the northern, they just feel authentic. It's an course. authentic northern voice. Um, the performances are so good. The acting's so good in it um, that I think I've just. I've got so drawn to those characters and that world and that story that even when the gameplay doesn't quite match it and sort of falls off a cliff a little bit at the end, I still love the characters in the world. Yeah, which I don't in Cocoon. So I would say okay. six is Cocoon. And five, 16. Yeah. I am happy with that. And while I type this in, think of a question because we're about to do the second part of the oh uh, competition in relation to something that we've spoken about already. Um... So we created this shortlist from the long list that had 17 games in it. Which was the first one we got rid of? Ooh, even I don't know that one. <laughs> no, I don't know it either. So, <laughs> so we're going to have to go back and remember the answer. Yeah. But that will ensure that you've watched. Yeah, I think. Does that work for you as a question? I love it. Okay. Yeah, I don't know it. I'm going to have to go back. So, and what was the question from last week? Just, I think we should do a, a summary. So, there will be a link to a Google form in the um, in the description here. Um, if you are listening to the podcast on uh, audio only, you'll have to scroll back and listen to what we got rid of first. But the the link will be in the description. I know it's going to be a bit of a pain because I don't think they do necessarily have clickable links on Apple and stuff like that. So what I would say is go to the pinned tweet. Uh, we'll do a pinned tweet with it. Okay. On uh, swapping joy or swap joysticks. Uh, so Twitter. Give us a follow while you're there. Yeah, give us a follow. Twitter.com uh, slash swap joysticks. And the first question was It was your question, I don't I remember. I can't remember. It. Great. It was about a game of it was the Oh my god, what was let's let's pause for a second. Right, I rem, I rem, we remember it now. Uh <laughs> it was what was the game? So the first so yeah, you'll go to the link, you'll find it. The first question was, what was the game that I didn't like but now do like? She might even get from this one. And then the second question, what was the first of the 17 in the long list that we got rid of in the game of the year? Yes. So put those two answers into the Google form with your name and your email address. We'll pick a winner for the next podcast, which will be the, uh, let's see. Something of January. Yeah, it will be January the... Um, in fact, no, it only gives you like a few days because we record it a few days in advance. So let's do it the because it's the Friday. So we'll d- 
draw the winner on the 12th. Okay. We'll draw the winner on the 12th of, well, it'll be like the 11th that we record it or the 10th. So mm -hmm. get it in by the 10th of January. 10th of January will be the last day that you can submit it. And because it's kind of tricky, there might not be that many people that enter and you can win any of these 10 games um, that are in the top 10, in our top 10. So you're guaranteed to have a pretty good game. Yeah. And if you pick Cocoon, I'll love you forever. But no, you, you choose whatever you want. Um, or David over. Just be like, it's on Game Pass. Um, but yeah, we are down to the final four. The Legend of Zelda, this is in the order of uh, release. The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom, Pikmin 4, Baldur's Gate 3, and Sea of Stars. Which do you think is fourth? Right. I know what I think. This I mean, I know is... what mine is. You can probably guess. Well, I know what yours is because there's one of these that you haven't played. I played all of them. Oh, that's true. Sorry, but you haven't played as much of Sea of Stars. That's not what I was thinking of being fourth. Oh. Because I know how much you adore that game. Interesting. I was thinking maybe Zelda. But then I know you've also been loving that recently. Like, I've played a fair bit of Zelda, like a good 20 hours or so, maybe more. I Well, I don't know. Yeah, maybe more. I've completed one of the Divine Beast type bosses. Um, it was a bit fiddlier than I, yeah, would have liked, but I think that's all Zelda bosses when it comes to me getting, learning all the different things that you can do. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, Zelda's gone up in my, uh, estimation since I was able to help you in that dungeon and I felt really clever and sure. I did quite like some of the goofing around and fusing and I will do a full playthrough or I'll, I'll go and continue it. I think maybe on stream because I think it's kind of a funny, goofy game to play that, but it's, I still prefer Tears of the Kingdom. Breath Even of the Wild. Breath of the Wild, that's the one. I don't know. It's of the something. I still prefer Breath of the Wild. It seems... I just like the kind of the purity of it. The fact it's completely new. You just sent out and like, there's no weird... There's not necessarily kind of weird and wonderful things going on and sky uh, islands and other stuff. It's just like, hey, here is a world. Go and explore it. Go and have a look what's around. And that kind of exploration feels felt a lot more eye-opening and just you could just wander around and just enjoy that whereas this it's just i don't know it, it just feels like it's a video game it's created as a video game it's not created as a, a kind of a world to explore interesting from what i played right let's talk about to the kingdom <clears throat> i did not like this game at first you didn't um i was super excited to play it we got it when it came out I think we, did we take the day off? I think we took the day off. I think we did because I had to sit and play. I streamed it at midnight for like two hours, so I was and I sat and played day. it and and was just jumped straight into it. And for me, it didn't make a very good first impression. Now, I think Tears of the Kingdom of Final Fantasy sixteen are sort of the opposites for me, mm. in that the more I played Final Fantasy sixteen, the more its flaws became apparent, and over time, it just didn't live up to how good the opening was. Tears of the Kingdom started off a bit meh for me because firstly, it's the same world as Breath of the Wild and it plays very similarly. And people always joke like, oh, it's just DLC for, for Breath of the Wild. It's very similar. And that sort of irritated me at first. Mm. Um, I didn't find enough that was grabbing me that was new and different. 
and it has different powers that I also wasn't massively drawn to, which is essentially a lot of it is, is fuse where you build things, you build contraptions and vehicles and whatever by sticking pieces together uh, and engineering things. And that that's the one of the big new things in Tears of the Kingdom. And I wasn't a massive fan of it at first. Um, however, I've slogged through it throughout the year and I still wasn't a huge fan of it. But also, at the same time, Zelda is my favourite series ever. And I feel like I hold those games to a much higher standard than I do others. I think you do in general when you love a game. Like Final Fantasy sixteen as well. Yeah. Like Final Fantasy games, you... It's like where people go, oh, should you be reviewing a game that you have a series you love? And I'm like, well, if you want it to be really critical. Well, yeah, like I'm going to be critical of Zelda because I'm going to nitpick because I want it to be perfect. And Tears of the Kingdom was not the game that I wanted it to be. And so I felt disappointed by it. But the more I've played it, the more I've grown to really appreciate what it what it is mm. and what it does do. The last week especially, I have been playing it solidly. Even now, I'm like, I want to go play more Tears of the Kingdom. Isn't your colleague like saying, just go to Ganon? I mean, yes. <laughs> but I want to do everything before I go to Ganon. So I am literally, I've done 116 shrines. Is that all of them? No. Oh. Um... I've done all four of the things. I'm about to go to the final boss, but I haven't got there yet. I want to tick off all the shrines and all the side quests. So I am very, very close to the end. You're over 110 hours. I've done over 110 hours, hours yeah. in this game now. Like I feel qualified to say I really like it, even though I haven't finished it. And, I'm, and I will very yeah, soon. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've grown to really like it. And I think I've sort of worked out what I do and don't like about it. There are a lot of things that I don't like in this game. Unfortunately. Um. Well, you've grown to like that, though. I you? I don't like the fact that it's the same world as Breath of the Wild. Mm. That's number one, because it's for me what made Breath of the Wild so exciting is that sense of discovery. Because it's a new world, and you can run off in any direction and find stuff, and you don't know what mm. you're going to find and where you're going to go, and you get lost. And it's it's an amazing feeling when you stumble upon something really cool. And Tears of the Kingdom lacks a bit of that because it's the same world map. Do you find so it quite you, interesting when you're like, oh, I wonder how this place now looks? That's the twist. Yeah. So on the one hand, it's like, okay, well, I know that Zora's Domain's over in the east, and I know the desert's in the southwest, and you sort of know where you're going already, which is a bit annoying. But then there are still secrets to find, which makes it interesting to see what they've changed. So it's still okay, but I still wish it was a different world. That said, I love the Sky Islands. I think the Sky Islands are fucking awesome. And I really like how the fuse abilities work with that because you then have to build contraptions mm. in order to get from one to the next. And I, I love the style of it. It's so peaceful. The music's amazing. It's got its own sort of visual style to the, to the islands. Um, and I really love going from, from those uh, across those. So that sort of also makes up for a bit of the world design. The other thing I hate, and this is going to be a spoiler. Semi. Should I take, well, I can't take my headphones off because I still hear you. <laughs> Well, like, is it a, is it an air is it a world part of that doesn't that I haven't experienced yet? Yes. Oh, you can talk about it. Okay, I'll keep, a, I'll keep it brief. Okay. The underdark, the depths. I do not like the depths. Um, I don't like exploring it. It's all very samey. It's in the dark. I don't like it. Cool. Now there's a lot of good stuff down there that's worth going through, but it's a hassle, and I don't like it, and I've left it all to the end because I barely explored that, and I'm putting it off so i don't like that but i won't spoil the rest for you um I, yeah i mean it took me 
I don't mind being spoiled about those kind of things because I was spoiled with Elden Ring when they had theirs as well. Yes, that's um, true. But it's a cool. It's a, I, I mean, I enjoyed that. So yes. is it better than Zelda's Depths? Yes, Elden Ring is, yes. The third thing I don't like is more of a feeling. And that is, feeling. that is the techiness of Tears of the Kingdom, which encapsulates a few things. For me, Zelda is fairies and magic and dragons. Fairies. Um, it's, it's high fantasy and it's, I, I love that. It's, it's a Nintendo take on high fantasy and pixie men and fairies and all that I love shit. a pixie man. Tears of the Kingdom goes quite techy. It's on the edge of Zelda does sci-fi in some ways. Okay. Yeah, um, some of the things that fly in like the Zona. Zona? Well, the Zonai yeah, are an ancient race, but they're more technologically advanced than the Hyrulians, <laughs> which is a bit strange. And so you are sort of recovering what's happened in the past, this ancient race. But they made robots and they made devices that do weird things and mechanisms that all click together and do crazy mm. things. And that's just not what I think of as Zelda at all. And so I was quite put off by that at the beginning. Now, I've grown to quite like Fuse and the way that you can build things and solve puzzles in different ways. Sometimes it annoys me. Sometimes I feel really clever. So it's a bit hit and miss, but I've grown to overall appreciate it. I think as a game mechanic, it's incredibly clever. Um, and you get to make like a giant, uh, fiery, dick-flaming monster robot that walks around. Yeah, I'm not interested in that in my Zelda, I'm afraid. Um there are also other moments, and I, again, I, I don't want to spoil anything, but it goes quite techy, mechy stuff, and I'm just not as interested in that. Mm. So bits of that annoyed me. Um, so it's more of just a feeling of like the overall tone of it wasn't quite there. Um, okay, the fourth thing I don't like is the temples. I just don't think the temples are very well done. The um, the big four temples? Yes. Oh. Um, I mean, that's quite a big part of it. <laughs> yeah, and that's... I found those... Dis I mean, they're not bad. They're just... They're better than the Divine Beasts, but they're still not what I want from a Zelda dungeon. Yeah, I'm, like I was about to complain to you about the one that I've just done the Sky one, and I'm like, oh, yeah, it was a bit fiddly and stuff. And I remember thinking, actually, it's, it is a bit of a pain. It's a bit fiddly. I didn't really know what, what to do in certain parts of it, but I think I still enjoyed it more than the Divine Beasts. The Divine Beasts are too small and compact, and these are a bit more sprawling, and they're a bit more open, and I sort of appreciated I've that. I've only done one, though. So. I think... Therefore, it it's not the Zelda game I wanted because the Zelda game I wanted was the Breath of the Wild map, open world, but with amazing dungeons in it. And a this different didn't, map. And a different map. And this just didn't tick that box for me, which it, it sort of initially put me off. But over time, I've come to appreciate like the new powers are actually really cool. Fuse is really clever. I love the Sky Islands. And I'm at a point with the game now where I'm at the end game mm. where I've collected loads of stuff. I've ticked off loads of of side quests i've got really good equipment i feel strong i feel powerful and i'm just enjoying exploring the world in the yeah. same way i did with breath of the wild i finally got to that point it is the kingdom and i'm like i'm really addicted to it and i just want to jump straight back into it and keep playing it and, and I, i'm finally loving this game i mean that's good but i yeah you're saying like they could they should you know change the map or something but it is technically high rule but then the, I think somebody was talking about it recently that the Zelda timeline is just a myth. They're just different stories. They're oh, yeah, legends. Yeah, yeah, so they're telling. So it didn't need to be a sequel. It could have been a, you know, very, could they have had like another very much in the style of Zelda uh, Breath of the Wild, but a completely different map and then call that Hyrule? Well, yes and no, because it's, well, it is a sequel in the sense that it follows the events of Breath of the Wild and Calamity Ganon. Um, but they could have easily made this entirely separate. 
I mean, it would have been a development for another five years while they design another open world, which mm. would have been annoying. So I guess this allowed them to focus more on powers more than world building. Um, fine. Um, so yeah, it's 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 a game that I've really grown to love. Mm. Whereas like, like I say, Final Fantasy 16 sort of went the other way for me a bit. Um, which is why I absolutely love Tears of the Kingdom. Um, maybe it's a bit of recency bias and the fact that it's the last week that I've grown to love it. But <laughs> yeah. at the same time, it came out in what, May? And I have been playing it solidly throughout the year, a bit on and off, bit by bit. So it's just over time grown to something that I'm like, actually, I do really love that. So... So you... that was a spiel and I still could no. not tell you what number to put it on. <laughs> I'm... I mean, I'm with Zelda. I love Breath of the Wild. I actually... It's my... Breath of the Wild, I think, is my most played Switch game, isn't it, this year? Really? Yeah, because I did a uh, full playthrough. Breath of the, of the Wild? Yeah, because I did the Not full... Not Tears of the Kingdom? No, because I did a full playthrough at the beginning of the year oh. and completed every shrine on stream. Do you okay. So I think I'm pretty sure that is up there. So then when... So I did that and then Tears of the Kingdom came out and I was... Yeah, I was disappointed that it wasn't what I wanted. I think it's a good stream game. Like, it's a good game that you can just goof around and you can torture those little Koroks um, and, you know, send them flying, fling them around. Like there was one bit where I needed to get a Korok from one side of a canyon to another um, and they had a rail and they also had a mine cart and they had like a, a, a fan that would send it over there. And I was like, no, no, I'm not going to do that. No. So I chopped down about six trees, fused them lengthways to a big stick and then stuck a Korok on the other end and just lifted it up and <laughs> plonked him on the other side. Great. And I'm like, you know what? That's what I wanted to do. It's And it worked. And I think <laughs> for me, like, in the same way that we said, like, Cocoon is a very clever game in terms of its, like, puzzle design and the way it works with you. I actually think Tears of the Kingdom is also a very clever game in the way that it sort of gives you the tools mm. to do amazing things that work really well. And you then it says, it. off you go, go <laughs> yeah. have fun. And you can just, it allows you to do what you want in the world, but mm. providing amazing tools to do that. And so I think it's a very clever and very well-designed game in that sense, even if maybe other games are a bit more in the heart yeah would you be more inclined to put sea of stars in fourth um i think so sea of stars is a wonderful little game it's an indie game um from sabotage who made um the messenger Ah, yes. So they basically sort of specialize in retro style, but modern games. And so The Messenger was a take on Ninja Gaiden and platformers. And The Messenger had a big twist. Did, it did. Does this? I couldn't possibly tell mm. you. Um, <laughs> so this is their take on retro RPGs. It is a love letter to um, Chrono Trigger and Mario RPG it uses a lot of similar battle system stuff in its turn-based battles. It has the most beautiful pixel art, um, but with modern lighting that just makes it look stunning. The music is incredible. It's one of the best soundtracks of the year. Um, awesome, catchy chiptune music that really gives you that sense of nostalgia for the 90s, but in, a again, a very modern way. Um, I just absolutely fell in love with this game. It was a little slow, was my main complaint. I, I, at the beginning, I was super into it. And I was, because of the games it's based on, like um, 
uh, well, the messenger you've had previously, mm-hmm. but things like Chrono Trigger and, and and those old RPGs often have big twists in them. I was expecting mm-hmm. a big twist in this and it happens quite late on. So it grabbed me and I loved it. And then it started to tail off because it wasn't moving as quickly as I wanted it to. And I was like, mm, yeah. okay, where is this going? And then it sort of picked up in the final third and I was like, okay, I'm fully into this. One thing I was quite surprised at and I didn't, and maybe I, this is just from what I played so far, was there didn't seem to do that many secrets. Like from what I wanted, I was expecting there to be kind of like the odd little secret path off somewhere or some things that you can kind of pick up. But it's very much kind of like you go from this area to this area. It's relatively linear. Yeah. Um, especially in the early game. And then in typical Final Fantasy fashion, it gives you the means to explore the world fully at the very end. And then you can just run around everywhere. And it turns out there are a lot more secrets than you thought there were. Okay, that's good. Good to know. <laughs> there are lots of little hidden things. And that ties into the end game because you can get to the final boss and you finish it. But that's not really the ending. Um, there is an extra ending after that once you've completed all the extra quests. And that's like an extra 10 hours. And there's hours, a lot of like, literally an extra 10 hours after that. There's a load of extra stuff to do, um, which keeps it going, extends the story and, and brings you into the characters more. It's got really adorable characters. Um, it's a really, really lovely game. I guess that there is a slight argument of it's cherry picking. It, it, it's like a, a greatest hits of yeah. 90s RPGs. So it's maybe not... It has enough of its own ideas for sure, and it's definitely its own game, but it's definitely heavily influenced by games of the 90s. Um, Mm. I guess the other three on this list are maybe a bit more modern and a bit more um, pushing pushing boundaries a bit more. Yeah, not accessible, approachable. Um, Sea of Stars is just a very nice and very well-done example of a set genre. Mm. And I think you could argue that Pikmin 4 is is maybe, I mean, we'll get to it, but that's maybe pushing, well, it's it's a game that not enough people have played, I think, and it's yeah. a really good strategy game. Baldur's Gate is pushing the boundaries of like storytelling and 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 and, and narrative and, and choice-driven gameplay. Tears of the Kingdom is pushing gameplay in terms of its world design and, mm. and puzzle design and the way you interact with the world. Sea of Stars is just a really lovely example of the genre, but it's maybe not pushing boundaries as much. Yeah. Which is why I think I'm happy for that to be four. Yeah, it's one of those that maybe in 20 years people will be like, God, remember that game? That was brilliant, wasn't it? Yeah. It's going to be like looked back on very, with a lot of nostalgia. Of like, yeah. Yeah, even in the future. Even it, it, it itself, itself is a very nostalgic game, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I think uh, out of those four, I'm happy for that to be number four. Okay, well, my mouse is going crazy. So, Sea of Stars. Right, so that leaves us with the top three, um, which is The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. Pikmin 4, Baldur's Gate 3. Now, we've not spoken this about... This is the top three that I sort of thought we'd end up with, if I'm honest. Yeah. Shall we talk about Baldur's Gate 3? Let's, because it's weird, because we've both played a fair bit of it, but neither of us have got part, like got into the second act yet. Yeah. So it's a bit weird that... I kind of think it's a bit weird that we've got it in the top three, even though we're not that far in the game considering how long it is, but we have yep. both played a lot of it. I love it. And I didn't expect to like it as much, but it's definitely, I'm appreciating the depth of it. Mm. So when I first played Divinity Original Sin 2, I was like, well, this is actually quite complicated because you've got to learn various um, like skills and like the you've got to kind of know what the different spells are doing and you've got scrolls that are like one-time use and various other things that were quite were, were brand new to me. Did I ever tell you about the time? So the time that I played it up until like 10, 12 hours in, 
um, for like three hours, I was like, why is this battle so difficult? And I realized, no, why is this party member not doing anywhere near the damage that it should be doing? Found out that it didn't have a weapon. Great. And I'd forgotten to well equip a weapon. So that's the level of uh, intelligence that, you know, I'm approaching these games with. Nice. And Baldur's Gate 3, yeah, I went in there and I was like, I have fucking no idea what I'm doing. What the hell is a cantrip? What is, yeah. why is a wizard and a, you know, a, a, what's the other one? It's like a wizard and a... It's a wizard, a sorcerer. Sorcerer. And a um, monk, is it like that? Or? No. But they've all got like, I'm like, why are they different? They're different forms of magic, basically. Yeah. I'm like, what do you mean there's different forms of magic? It, yeah. it just became really complicated. And the great thing is that this game is, yeah, 150 hours or whatever, if you, ever, you know, if you want to kind of fully explore it, of like just one run at least. But you, it gives you enough time to kind of get to grips and learn this. And we, like, I mean, we're going to talk obviously about the story and the branching paths and the the way you can kind of tailor the experience to yourself. But the, like, the combat itself is really intelligently done. And I know it's not for everybody. There are people that are saying, you know, Spider-Man's much better than Baldur's Gate because, you know, Baldur's Gate's just got really confusing. I mean, that's absolute bullshit. So those people can shut the fuck up. I mean, it's people prefer action. <laughs> over turn-based, that's over all it is. Yeah. And some people don't like turn-based. They're, and... they're very different forms of combat. Exactly, that's yeah. It is. Can't compare. Turn-based combat is not for everyone, but for the people it is, this is like one of the best you can imagine. It's just really, really, really in-depth. And you can con... Like I have been mix and matching. So you've got party members. There are different ones. I'm sure there are more that I haven't unlocked yet, but I think I've got an option for... I think eight maybe to choose from. Because mm -hmm. I've... Yeah, I think there's about eight. There are about eight that I've got. And I've kind of... You get like synergies between them by or you're using certain skills with other people's skills and you've worked out how to kind of really let's say there's a person you go against a boss that's got a lot of health so i've got a spell that i've learned because i'm a bard that can make somebody invisible an astarian who is like a rogue rogue is he a rogue yeah i think, I think so. i've kept him as that as well he can do an assassination like he can do kind of secret backstabs but only if he's not been spotted and he's got advantage so I'll kind of make him go invisible and then he can go and do this really powerful attack, uh, the backstab attack, the assassination attack. So it's just, and then there's another one, there's um, Gale, who mm -hmm. I put in a very saucy underwear, in Lazel's underwear. He can use a, I think it's him that can do a attack that sends loads of slime or loads of like toxic sludge. Mm -hmm. And then I do yep. that and then people can fall over in it, but it's also flammable. Yep. So then I can use another character who's got like a flame ball skill and then we can trip somebody up and then set them on fire. So it's just like working out. And I know it's not the first game that would do that, but just the kind of working out the best combination and how you can work, like how, how people's, how one character or one companion's attack can work with another. And then you've got the, obviously like the defense ones. It's just really... It's really deep, not in-depth again, I was going to say in-depthful. Uh, it's really deep, this combat, and like not even story, like storyline aside, every playthrough and every combat, every battle feels fun. Yep. And it never feels like, oh, this is just like a, you know, a random, oh, here's another fight, oh God, whatever. You know, it's not a, like, for example, like Final Fantasy VII we were talking about last week how yeah you get the random encounters and it's just a grind this like no every single battle feels meaningful feels meaningful even if it is like five orcs on a bridge 
You're like, why are they on a bridge? What are they doing? What are they protecting? And they'll come out with some weird stuff and you can collapse the bridge and you can, it's just... Or you can just talk to them and not battle them at all and yeah. persuade, persuade around it. Like, There's a town where I went in and we're all friends. Yeah. And I think you went in and you killed them all. Yep. So it's just, yeah, it's brilliant. I mean, what do you think? I've blabbed on a bit. So, I haven't even talked about it. Yeah, the, I mean, like the, the variety of approaches is 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 what is so incredible about it, I think. Um, I, I don't want to put this one on you solely. I have played a fair bit of it, but nowhere near as much as you have. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, I really struggled at the beginning. I because did as I well. found combat way too difficult. Because it's so entrenched in D&D, I just didn't know the lingo. I didn't understand how roles and advantages and cantrips and all that worked. Um, so it, it took me some time to just like learn it and understand exactly what it's trying to do. Um, I think once you get to grips with that, you're off. And then you can just enjoy the world and the story and making choices. And mm. there's clearly an incredible amount of depth in that game. I mean, look at you see the spells and it's like, Oh, the level one spells, you've got 10 to choose from. And then you go to level yeah. two and there's 15. I'm like, what the hell? And at the beginning, it's really overwhelming. Mm. But it's also a game where I think you just have to make choices and just live with it. And and there's no bad choice. Yeah. Like you can... I, um, I lost an eye. Well, <laughs> fine. There are some bad choices. Um, but the, the story still progresses. Yeah. And there's still interesting things that are going to happen as a result of your actions. I mean, yeah, I lost my eye, but I've now got, I roll advantage on in, uh, intimidation checks or I get a plus one on intimidation because people are right. scared of me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so there's always something happening. There's always a, a good consequence for, for everything. Mm. Um, so, you know, you see people sort of saves coming their way through it. And I'm like, I, 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 I haven't done that on choices. So like, I'm going to, I'm going to shame our hairdresser. Okay. So our hairdresser has played, I think, 90 hours in-game of, of, of Baldur's mm-hmm. Gate 3, but has actually played it for 150 hours on Steam. Mm-hmm. And that's because those, like, 60 hours were basically, like, going back and repeating because he decided he didn't yeah, like he his choices. Admit, he, um, and he went back and just repeated he stuff. admitted and, through shame yeah. the, that to me as well. <laughs> and... And she's had a haircut, by the way. Thanks. Beautiful. Um, that, that's not what well, It's just like that. he did last week, Ed. Sure. Um, so... Like you see people doing that and I'm like, okay, fine. That's how you want to play it. And that's totally cool. But for me, I think it's a game where you have to make a choice and then live with the consequences and you just have to roll with it, literally roll with roll it with it, and just deal with what happens. Um, and the way the game adapts to that and just keeps going, I think is what makes it so clever when mm. they say it's this like web of storytelling, like it's amazingly done. Now for me, I haven't got far enough in to massively experience that. Yeah. So I can see that other people have going through that and coming up with stuff and i'm like this is clearly a phenomenal game yeah i think for me boulders gate 3 is going to be the citizen sleeper of next year i was thinking like uh, yeah viewfinder i think we've already got a couple of games that we know are going to be best old game next year you know we we started this 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 podcast with a huge list of games and i worked out i'd played i think we'd signed out 62 games 63 wasn't it now 62 oh oh, yeah so i've played a hell of a lot of games this year but that means that there are certain games like Baldur's Gate 3 that are so long and so in-depth that I just haven't had the time to put into it. Mm. So I can fully appreciate why people love it. And I think next year I will find the time to just get into it. And I'm sure once I do, I'm going to be like, this is the best thing ever. For fuck's sakes, this was the best game last year. And that's when we talk and we're like, okay, we'll save it for yeah. next. For me, for me now, out of these three, it's the one I've played the least and the one that I have 
I, I can fully appreciate why people love it. It's just for me personally, I have more of, I'm drawn more to the mm. other two. Um, but if you absolutely love it, then I'm, I'm, I can appreciate that mm. and I'm happy for it no, to be I mean, it's, free. I, the, ne- the most, the negative side of it is that I'm still confused about various things in it. Um, <laughs> Fair. Like, it's like, okay, well, yeah, if your number of, if this number is higher than their armor level, I'm like, oh yeah, no, you want a lower armor level because if you have a lower armor level, it's better than, I don't know, there are people trying to explain things to me because I stream it. Um, obviously not over Christmas period because we're on, we're away, but every Sunday, that's my Sunday game. And it's my to be a dick playthrough. It's been so much fun. People have enjoyed, I believe, watching it. Um, and I'm due to, if I do the average playthrough length, I'm probably going to finish it in about June. Mm-hmm. So like every Sunday I go through and I play five or six hours of it. Yep. And I think just recently though, I went on extra because it was just, I could not put it down. And I got to the end of uh, the Underdark where I fought a boss that was level 10 and I'm level five, but you use the environment to your advantage. And it's just like goofy stuff like that, that, it took me about seven goes to get it all perfect mm. and to, to line things Battles up. Battles I will save scum because I want to do them oh, well yeah, and yeah. not die. <laughs> but conversations, yeah. I'm like, no, whatever I choose, that's that's the decision. Same, 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 same. Uh, yeah, like there's a bit where I think at the beginning there's a giant, is it a bear and the cub? And if you kill the bear, then the cub. Do you mean the owl tame. bear? Oh, the owl bear, yeah. Yeah. I see, I killed the cub. I did as well. And, and then <laughs> everyone was like, oh my God, you've lost out on a pet and I feel bad. But do you know what? That's what happened. Next playthrough. Yeah. Next playthrough. Uh, also, the one bad thing is, well, the PlayStation, con- like the controller controls are a bit... I don't like it on PlayStation, I'm afraid. It, it's better, like, if you want those type of games. It's weird, because some games, like, click. 14 works well. Um, but scrolling through, maybe eventually you get the hang of it, just like... I mean, you probably get the hang of the controls a lot faster than the hang of the game rules and, and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Faster. So, yeah, no, I've, I've really loved playing it, but similar to you, like, I've, I've only finished chapter one or act one and i'm going back and doing the bits that i've missed because at the midway i think through act one you can choose two paths and they both lead to act two but it tells you when you're about to get to act two in which it's done that to me now and now i'm gonna be i'm gonna go back and go and do the other path because apparently that's also a totally different story and it's just really exciting to do that so i'm gonna do that and apparently that the other part that i this other path that i've not done which is through the mountains is easier so it's going to be quite Hopefully a bit of a breeze yeah, going yeah, through nice. there. Um, but yeah, I'm very happy to put Baldur's Gate 3 as yeah. third. I, I did I prefer absolutely... it to Zelda, but only... But like both of them I've not played enough of, I think, to get a really high... I, I wouldn't... I think, yeah, if on my personal list, Baldur's Gate 3 would be higher than Zelda. But... I know you love Zelda and you haven't played enough of Baldur's Gate 3. I think overall that would make sense to put Baldur's Gate 3 in yeah, third. I'm more than happy. I, like, I think Baldur's Gate 3 absolutely deserves to be one of the top three of the year. Oh, I, I fully appreciate that and fully support that. Um, but yeah, it's just, mm. it's the one I played the least. So I, I have slightly less of an opinion of it. That's Cocoon, what. I have um, seven hours in. Cocoon, you have three hours in. Yeah. You've got three hours in Cocoon and you've got maybe 10 in Baldur's Gate 3, maybe Something more. Something like that, yeah. So it's like you've played it three times as long, so you can definitely have an opinion on Yeah, I've got an game... opinion on it. It's just, I, I can, and I can see where it's going to go. Mm. I just haven't experienced that for myself yet. Yeah. Okay, well, it's kind of... I feel like we're getting to a slight inevitability, but let's talk about Pikmin 4 because we haven't talked about that yet. So this is the first time I ever played Pikmin. I've never played it before. I always thought it was kind of like a... Nintendo one 
couldn't release another Pokemon, so they just released something like, oh, they like Pokemon, like cute little animal type things, let's go and release it. I had no idea what it was about, mm. in truth. I had no idea why there were different colors, what they did, and it just seemed a bit of a mess. And then Pikmin 4 came out, and people were saying, oh, it's really, really good. No, I played the demo. That was mm -hmm. it. The demo came out. And you know me, I'm a sucker for a puzzle game. I like a puzzle game that's a approachable. Mm -hmm. And whereas something like Cocoon, there is one way to do something. You must learn and you must try and work out what the way to do this puzzle is. Yep. Whereas I like something that gives me a little bit more freedom. Um, it's one of the reasons like why Tears I like... Like Tears of the Kingdom. Like Tears of the Kingdom, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it gives you a lot of that. Yeah. And some of the goofy... Like, yeah, I told you, the way I got one of the Koroks to the other side, I was putting on a giant kind of pole. Yep. Um, so stuff like that I enjoy. And Pikmin 4 definitely has some ways where you should definitely do it. You could definitely solve a puzzle one way, but it just, I don't know, it just gives, it does feel like it gives you a lot more freedom uh, to do things. But I don't know, I just, I adored Pikmin 4. I loved it from start to finish. I 100%ed it. I 100% every single level, including all the post-game stuff. I collected every Same. thing available in it. I thought, Traverse, like going around, was great. You got to ride the the Dickin. Right. <laughs> so there's Ochi, who is a thing that you ride that's like, it's a dog with two legs. So it's like a dog crossed with a chicken. Therefore, it's a Dickin. Of course it is. Um, but yeah, you play as an alien. For those of you who don't know, you play as uh, an alien that... Oh, sorry, no, you're not an alien, but you land on an alien planet. You are a, a kind of a tiny little person. Maybe yeah. you're an alien. You're, you're, a, you're a mini person. You're a mini... You look like a me. A mini human. <laughs> you look a little bit like a me. Mm. Um, and yeah, you've landed on this a planet that is very similar to Earth, which isn't Earth. Or is it? Or is it? I think I think it's not. I think I read a interview with somebody that developed it and they're like, no, it's not. Okay. Interesting. Um, because there's these things that don't exist in Earth. Um, mm. But it's very, very similar. It's like a parallel universe kind of to okay. Earth. And your job is to try and... And yeah, it's you're trying to locate other people there. Mm-hmm. Are they, are they crash landed before and you're like on the rescue mission was that right or i can't remember exactly because i know you yes. start off as a person as an explorer yeah so um okay. i guess just to take a quick step back so this is the fourth game in the series i've played pikmin 2 um i haven't played one or three but i'm sort of aware of the story of them the first game you play as captain olimar which is um a sort of semi anagram of mario oh, is it Olimar Mario, but with an L. Oh. It's sort of, it was sort of a bit of a link. Yeah. Um, link. And, and Olimar crash lands on this planet and he gets attacked by um, these horrible creatures. But then he discovers the Pikmin um, that he can command mm -hmm. and they help him out and yes. you play through the game. Um, and in two, you also play as Olimar as well. But it adds in his brother, mm -hmm. who is essentially Luigi. Um, Does he have a mustache? Well, it's the same as in 4. Oh. The one you chase after at the end. Yes. I've forgotten his name. Yes. Um, Pikmin 4 is different in that you create your own character, um, which is a nice little start mm. and opening. Um, but you, yeah, basically you, you are sent on a rescue mission because some of your fellow space cadets let's call them um have crash landed on a planet and you have to um you have to search for them um and that includes olimar yeah. who has crash landed so you have to go hunt for him but i think at the very beginning of the game you play as him 
don't you? The very like the tutorial God, bit. Yeah, the now. tutorial bit right at the beginning because you play as him with his dog, which is called something. Yes. yes. Okay. Fine. But yeah, I mean we're talking about this, but yeah, the thing is you have to solve puzzles using Pikmin. It's a puzzle management game. Yes. You have a little army of Pikmin, which are these sort of little plant creatures with mm. leaves in their heads. And you pick them up from the ground. So you pick the men. Pluck them. Um, pluck them. Pluck men. Pluck men. Um, and you pick them up and then you can command them as a little mini army. And you do that by sort of whistling to get to gather them. And then you throw them on top of things, uh, whether that be enemies or things to collect or switches or whatever else. Mm. Um, and there are multiple colours of Pikmin that are different elements. And so you use that to solve different puzzles and explore the environment around you. Um, that's the essence of it. It is. And it's, but there's just so much more to it. Mm. How's your Dandori? Excellent. No complaints. Mm. <laughs> so it talks a lot about Dandori, which is a Japanese. Um, it's a Japanese phrase for multitasking, essentially. Yes. If you're good at kind of, yeah, multitasking and managing your time. Yep. And a, some of the levels in this is all about how you manage your time with the different Pikmin. So you you eventually get, I mean, it's no, no spoiler, but you eventually get 100 Pikmin that you can control, all different kind of types, which we'll explain in a second. And it's like how you use those. A, how you, I mean, usually these Dandori missions that are separate to the kind of like the general puzzle ones, the Dandori missions you are against. No, no, these are the ones where you are kind of timed. Yeah, and you have to try and collect as many things in these levels as possible. So, but how do you within, approach them? Yeah, so within the main story, the the point is is that you have to collect treasure. And so when you that solve puzzles, you collect treasure, and that gives you energy that powers you to go to the next level. And different types of treasure are worth different amounts of power. Yeah, and those treasures are mainly things from Earth, and it's like trash. But I love how they call them, and a lot, but they have funny things. names. Yes, like they'll be. I don't know, for example, a SNES controller and it'll be like prehistoric giggle stick or something like that yeah. or like giggle hand. Yeah. yeah, it's the weird names for all so of them. So it's all things is... from Earth that we recognize, but yeah. they're obviously alien to, to these people. Yeah. Um, so you collect all these different treasures and the Dandori missions then take you into these set caverns where you have to collect as much treasure as possible within a time limit. And so it's challenging you to send some Pikmin over here to do this and then mm. some to knock over a wall and then some you take on battle and then you use Ochi to grab this treasure over here. Yeah. And so you've got to multitask in order to, to complete the level. And you can do it two, three. I mean, I've done them. I've done a few of them where it's like three or four times where I've been like, oh, wait, actually, no, that's a different idea and I'll restart it and I'll keep doing it. But I know I'm going off on a bit of a tangent from the main story, but my brain is a bit fried after nearly four hours. But I, one thing I love are the dungeons in there. Like the, so the dungeons are multi-levels. I think they're between three and, I mean, I won't talk about the last one, but the th about three and six levels each. Generally, yeah. Generally. And yeah, you go and each dungeon level will have a certain amount of treasure that you can collect. Um, there'll be new Pikmin that you can pluck. Um, and also you have to go down there with different types. But So you take in however many that you have at the start. At the start, yeah. But you can't generate Pikmin. So we should say as well that you collect mm. seeds and around the world you and then you take those back to your onion, mm. um, uh, which then you use to cr like generate new po new Pikmin yeah. so that you can replenish any that you've lost. You can get ones if they're in the um, in the level that are pluckable. Yeah, yeah. So that's in the overworld. That's what you can do yeah. with your onion and everything. When you go to the dungeon, they're sort of set levels. There, yes. You take your Pikmin in, 
but you don't take the onion in with you to, in order to generate new ones. No. So you might find some along the way, yeah. but it's essentially a sort of set dungeon puzzle of, well, these are your Pikmin, yeah. now get to the end yeah. without losing them all. And I just love how kind of goofy and very, they're just so well stylized. Like there'll be one where it's all maybe like about junk food and you're trying to collect, and it's like a, a, a like obviously you're very, very small, and it's a giant like picnic table and you're gonna you've got to kind of collect some of the food and then the fork and there'll be bits of other things that you're collecting in that level or there might be one where it's a like a mine and it's really creepy and there is a certain enemy i'm not going to spoil it for you but like my i was just losing my oh shit god yeah and you were coming in at the time i was like don't come in because i want you to experience this for the first time and i'm glad you didn't yeah. but it's very much like a horror game Almost, and yeah. a, well a certain character in a horror game and it's just yeah, every one of those just felt so much fun. But also it didn't feel... It felt like a little bit of a brain-like challenge, but it never felt too punishing. No, it's um, very forgiving. It's very approachable. I mean, maybe yeah. we've talked about it and it seems complicated, but it's a very approachable game. Yeah, yeah, And yeah. I think coming back to what you were talking with, like, Mario Wonder, with, like, every level being a different mm. idea... I think that's generally what Nintendo does very well. Yes. You know, Tears of the Kingdom does that. Every shrine is a different idea that they then riff on and come up with new ideas. And and Pikmin is similar in that every dungeon sort of has its own theme and different puzzle ideas. Um, yeah. So it feels very creative. You're constantly thinking about managing Pikmin in new ways in order to collect new treasure and complete new dungeons. Um, so in that sense, it's a very creative game. It is. I think overall, I'm slightly less enthused by it than you. But I think that's just because I have already played Pikmin 2. Yeah, this so is new for me. So for you, this was a brand new experience that you had never played anything like it. Mm. For me, I'd played 2. And I think 4 is better because it it has new ideas and it has new types of P Pikmin. Yeah. It has new game modes. Is There's like the night that missions that's a whole thing. I mean, that's a whole like, different thing. There are all these, and the Dandori missions are new. There's all these different types of missions that are brand new and expanding on the ideas that they set in Pikmin 1 and 2. Yeah. So I do think 4 is a lot better than 2. Well, not a lot better, but it is better than 2. But it didn't quite have the freshness that it maybe had yeah. for you because it was a brand new experience. So yeah. I sort of knew what I was getting into but still loved it. I had a great time playing. Pikmin it was a before. brand new experience for me. And I just remember being like, this is the kind of puzzle game I love. I really, really love it. And actually I took a little break after I got the first credits and you were like, oh no, there's a lot more afterwards. And to be honest, there's about the equivalent of the game again yeah. after the credits. So keep playing it. But it, it definitely builds you up because you obviously start with just a few different types of Pikmin. There's, I mean, the blue ones can swim. The red ones are fire resistant. The yellow ones dig very well. But and they're, they're electric. And they're electric. And then you get icy ones. And like, you can approach things... Oh, I've got my butt coming. Um, you, you can approach things differently, like the ice ones, for example. I always used to try and carry as many of the ice ones as possible because if you charge against an enemy with a bunch of ice ones, it freezes them. And then the other Pikmin can attack and... Uh, and you, know, you can kill them. You can kill an enemy without losing any Pikmin that way. Yeah. Whereas you, if, you're not, if you don't have the ice ones, then they might have a chance to kind of bite and chew them. Yeah. yeah. Swallow and you get you get rock ones, you get poison ones. Yes. And so you can approach combat and puzzle solving in lots of different ways. And it's just yeah, it's I just enjoy. I find it really rewarding and uh, uh, like trying to solve these puzzles, but also when you when you get dropped into a new area, I'm like a kid in a candy shop. I'm like, "Okay, where where shall I go? Where shall I go? Yeah, what shall yeah. I go and get? Oh, that looks like something, but then I'm going to go over there and do that." And then you do all of this and then you're like, "Okay, I'm oh, I've done six percent of this world yeah. so it's like okay there's a lot to this 
There's and, a lot to do and you can go in different directions, but it also still feels manageable. Yeah. Like, I mean, that's another thing so with Tears of the Kingdom was was drop into the world and it's just, it's so dense. There's so much to do that it felt overwhelming. Now I'm at Endgame at Tears of the Kingdom. Yeah. I feel like I know my way around and I know what I'm doing. Whereas Pikmin sort of gives you these levels that feel like expansive, mm -hmm. but and each one then gets bigger and bigger, but you feel much more capable of taking them on and it feels approachable. It feels manageable. So yeah. it's... It's it's a challenge to your brain to solve puzzles and manage things, but it never felt overly taxing. No. So I felt relaxed playing it, and it it's just the right level yes. of challenge where I feel like this is fun. I'm having a good time, yeah. Even though it's working my brain, but I'm not stressed. And I, yeah, and I love it that you can also set yourself the your own challenge. Like the Dandori missions, you can try and get gold, silver, bronze, but like they're just extra. Yeah. Whereas, but also like we're talking about the different levels of the dungeons that you can go down. You can leave at any point. Like you can get if there's six levels, you can go down to the third. Maybe you've had a bit of an awkward boss fight and you've lost half of your Pikmin. You can be like, okay, I'm just gonna leave and then I'm gonna go and try and hunt some more on the overworld. And then I'm gonna go back and you can start from the third level. And mm -hmm. you could even whiz through them and leave things and you can kind of go back to previous ones you've you've done. And it's just, yeah, it's just really it's clever, but it's just a very kind of cathartic game. At the end of it, you just feel really rewarded. And just seeing the numbers go up. So and it tells you everything that you've collected that day. Yeah. What the percentage is to that level. There's always when you go back, you've always done something for somebody and you've they'll give you always achieved something. Everything links mm. together. So you've you've sold yeah. something, you've got you gained something extra. You can level up your ocha, your dick in. Yeah, you um, can level up that. You can get new items, you can level this up. So you've always feel like you're doing something. Mm. Every you know, it's it's divided into daytime because basically Pikmin don't survive at night because that's when the creatures come out. Yeah. So you have to it's like day by day, you have your time limit of mm. what can you achieve in that day. Um, and we'll but again, that's not stressful. It's just like, it no. just gives you a sense of structure. What is stressful though, are the night missions. That was the one thing I didn't, it's like, I felt a great sense of relief and like happiness when I beat one, uh, when I beat the levels, but they did give me a lot of stress. I, do, I think it's because it's a, uh, so <laughs> the night missions would have been a lot less stressful if I'd realized that when you switch between Ochi and yourself, you take all the Pikmin with you. Because you control both. Yes. And there are some parts. So the night missions, what I should say, are kind of tower defense. Mm -hmm. You go and there's like a, an anthill or a Pikmin tunnel, whatever they call it, a Pikmin home. Um, They're glow Pikmin. Yes. Because so, Pikmin don't survive at night, but glow Pikmin are a new type that do. Yes. And so therefore you do night missions where oh you God, control glow Pikmin. Yeah. And then the, uh, the, the glow Pikmin at the end, you have to kind of quickly before the enemies start coming and attacking your glow hill or something like that, is it? Something like that. Let's just call it the mound. It's the fine. mound. Yeah, before they attack that, you can quickly run around with your dick in to try and uh, collect some because there are these stars that are just lying around, these multicolored stars. And if you get, you'll start with like 10 Pikmin or whatever, they will go and take them back and they'll multiply. And you so you build yourself up a little army to start mm -hmm. with. And then enemies start approaching you from different areas and different angles and it becomes... I say like a tower defense, but you're not really building a tower. You're just defending this one thing, um, this glow hill or whatever. And, oh, this mound. And yeah, so that is also a very much a Dandori. How are you spending your time? Mm -hmm. The most stressful ones are when there are two. And you've got to defend two, but you're only controlling yourself. Um, so you'll have one on one mound and one defending the other. So Ochi on one Ochi and then on you one on the other. And the other. 
But yeah, I didn't realize that when you switch between the characters, because you can switch between yourself and Ochi, even in normal level, mm -hmm. um, you can switch between the two, that when you switch to Ochi, all the Pikmin go with you. So I always left Ochi on his own and kind of... I mean, I did that and still got through them all. But Yeah, yes, I mean, I got through can, it all until the very it. end. And I was like, oh, actually, this is a lot easier. And I think the last boss, the, the, the last level of those, where it was you're defending two and it was like five-star difficulty, when I realized that you could go and do that switch, I'm like, oh, I defeated it in one yeah. um, really well. So, yeah, it's just, it is a very, in, it's a simple puzzle game when you first look at it, it's like, oh, just collect the items. But there's just so much you can do and everything that you can do is different and a lot of fun. And it's like the ultimate, I feel like it's the ultimate Pikmin game. You know, like every now and again, a game will come out in a series and just get a load of new fans. And I feel like this is it for Pikmin. It's definitely bought, got new fans. It's it's also just incredibly charming and adorable and just really cute and, and polished. Lovely. Yes. Very poly. I didn't hit a single bug. No. Like, I mean, that's Nintendo. So we've got a Nintendo top two. <laughs> oh I God. feel like I feel like we're sort of semi coming to a conclusion here. And I think it's kind of based on the fact that we've both played Pikmin 4. Um, out of these two, I think Tears of the Kingdom is my preference as number one. Mm -hmm. um, but I know that you haven't played as much of it, whereas we both have played Pikmin 4 and yeah. both really like it. Yeah. I didn't love Tears of the Kingdom. I mean, I prefer... To me, Tis the Kingdom is top ten, but I'd for me, like my personal opinion of Tis the Kingdom, it's low top ten. Whereas Pikmin for me is my number one this year. So, I guess we're doing Pikmin four number one. Yeah. Right. End of Zelda. Oh, can't spell it. You could just copy and paste. I could do, couldn't I? Uh, no, because that's. Tears of the Kingdom. And then the number... Oh, shit. Uh, the number one game is Pikmin for our game of the year. Ooh. About time I got the game of the year. <laughs> I think that is a uh, a great list. There's quite a lot of... Um, it's like a good mix of both of ours. Yeah, I think that, that represents both of us. Yeah. Fairly evenly. I mean, Even if individually love... we'd have, I think individually we would both have a lot of those games just in a different order. <laughs> yeah. I so think... that feels like a fair, a fair um, compromise of our thoughts. I mean, Pikmin 4, yeah, would be my number one. Um, Tears of the Kingdom, I think, yeah, would probably be in the top 10. Baltigate 3, definitely. Sea of Stars, I haven't played it. 16, definitely would be. Cocoon, definitely would be. Hi-Fi Rush, didn't play enough. Super Mario Bros. Wonder, if I finished that, it probably would be Resident Evil 4, maybe not, but Dave the Diver, yes. So let's do a quick rundown. In 10th place, Dave the Diver. 9th, Resident Evil 4. 8th, Super Mario Bros. Wonder. 7, Hi-Fi Rush. 6, Cocoon. 5, Final Fantasy 16. 4, Sea of Stars. 3, Baldur's Gate 3. 2, Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. And our 2023 Game of the Year... Pikmin 4. Nice. It's better than unpacking. Wow. <laughs> that was a bad year. That was a mediocre year, wasn't it? Semi-mediocre, yeah. Yeah, I mean, this has got some Unpacking killers. was great. I mean, I think... And it was an interesting choice as Game of the Year. Yeah. It Takes Two was better. Mm, I don't know. For me. 
So yeah, that is it. That is the end of our podcast for this After year. Four hours. After four hours, yeah. I'm I've, so hungry. With like two peas, and now I'm you know turtlenecking for a poop right now, and oh, I'm God. starving. So yeah, that was the end of 2023. What a good year it's been. Yeah, it's been a very very good year for of video games well, to play. For video games to play, to be clear. Um, yeah, that's that's a great list of games. Some of those would have been number one any other year. I think so. Yeah, I'll see if stars. Would have been better than unpacking, I'm sure. Wow, I think that was the that was Can a weak you year. Stop shitting on unpacking. I, I um, love Gubbins. You know, I, I do like that. I do appreciate the developers. Good. <laughs> um, great. Well, remember that you can win one of these ten games if you are listening to the podcast. Uh, in fact, what I'll do, I will make. A, well, I'll get money because she's very kind. It's on her birthday as well today that we're recording this. Um, I'll ask Moni to make a link that is swappingjoysticks.com slash competition. Okay. So if you go to swappingjoysticks.com slash competition, you will go to, it'll take you to a Google form and you will ask you for two answers. The first answer, oh, sorry, the first question will be what, wait, I've got to remember this again. What was what the game, game that I hated and then loved? Okay. And the second question... So that relates to the last podcast. Yes. The second question relating to this podcast... Which... Is from the the 17 games that we put as a shortlist, which was the first one to be removed. Yes. Go to stopandjustice.com, answer those two questions. I'll put those answers in. I'm not going to write the questions. Okay. Maybe I will. I don't know. You just go there. You'll see. Um, fill in the answers and we will pick a winner... Before the what did we say? Tenth of January. Tenth of January. So do it by the tenth of January, and yeah, thank you very much. Thank you so much. Ed, if you've for this listened year. this much, thank you so much for sticking with I us. I mean, anybody that listens all this much deserves a game anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so thank you so much, and uh, yeah, we will see you in the new year, which will be just next Friday. Yeah, what is time? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, go to stopandjustice.com. Give us a like and subscribe. Subscribe to us on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, because like whenever people get download, like get downloads from there, it promotes you in like the new and noteworthy or trending or whatever like that, and that's how other people can find us. It's quite interesting seeing a lot of people finding us by searching for games um, and listening rather than necessarily like being from the community, which is I found quite interesting. Always lovely. Um, so yeah, new people and old alike. Are all mm. very welcome and thank you very very much go to stopinjoysticks.com that'll be where you can check out all our previous episodes um on all your podcast players or on youtube youtube.com slash biggest benefits that's where we put up all the videos and next year we'll be doing a lot more including more uh well inbox will be back fully next year we need mm -hmm. to record like a bit of a bank of those so they'll make sure they go out each uh, year and each week, each week nice year <laughs> my brain's a mess uh, each week plus also in january i'll be starting a playthrough of either mass effect 2 or the wind waker the wind waker mm -hmm. yeah the wind waker so yeah it'll be a surprise what that one is nice ed where can we find you you can find me at ed underscore knights on twitch and on twitter excellent you can find me biggest benus everywhere except for twitter where i'm biggest benus one but if you type my name and you'll find it Hope you had a wonderful year. Have a great New Year's Eve. Don't drink too much. You're never as funny as you think you are when you're drunk, as the Thank you, Miriam. wise Miriam once said. And uh, just hope you have a wonderful time. And uh, we'll see you in the new year. See you in 2024. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Bye. Bye.